warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest. If you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 267. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. Hi, I'm Trace Balloon. And I'm Frank Conniff, TV's Frank from Mystery Science Theater 3000, and the Mads are back, and you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Mmm, I love leftovers, especially pop culture ones. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And we're, we're the leftovers. leftovers. All right, Jake. Uh, new Year, Jake. I know we had our New Year episode last week, but this is a, a brand new episode and a new year. Yeah, I, I agree. The Tupperware kind of feels like the closing out of the year more than the, the brand new beginning the dawn of 2019 leftovers. Yeah, I, I came into this year and I said, Jake, there's certain things that I expect from you from this year. And I said, I want you to be 25% more Jake year. And you agreed. Oh, I got you. Dude, I, I know. It'll, it'll be hard not to be 50% more. Oh, God. I, I can barely handle what I got right now. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> it's, it's tough. Hey, we are not alone this week. Uh, we are joined by first-time guest Melissa Sloter from the Wild Pretty Things podcast. Welcome, Melissa. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. How are you? How long have you been listening? Um, since November of 2017. Wow, nice. So I, yeah, a little over a year. Yeah. Well, I started listening when none of your other podcasts were following anything, so I was like, okay, well now there's hours of my week that are you know a void. Yeah. So, so, I had to start PCL. Start PCL. Yeah, you were listening to, uh, were you listening to Sweetwater Saloon and Taboo and other stuff that I was doing? Yep. Okay, yeah. So you're like, let me follow this asshole on his other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, you know, one thing, like, okay, two things uh, that I like about Melissa. You, you're like Batman when it comes to prep. You really are. Like, as far as, like, <laughs> when you podcast, I respect that because I do a lot of prep in this podcast uh, that I do here. It may not sound like it most weeks, but I do. I do a lot of prep work for each podcast that I do. Um, and you are like Batman with prep. Yeah, I really like it. It, like, fulfills some, like, 
deeply nerdy thing that I have where I like really want to be, I think, in school, but I don't want to actually do that. So I'm doing this instead. There you go. And the second thing that I like about you is the fact that you love the Mission Impossible Fallout trailer. <laughs> I know. <laughs> It is my my favorite. I was making all my friends show up to movies like immediately on time so that I wouldn't miss it. You know, obviously for six months last year. So, yes, my friends were mad. Rebecca was mad. (laughs) Oh, I I absolutely loved the trailer, too. And I take so much shit for it whenever I it's Jake and Rebecca on an episode. It's like I get (laughs) so much crap for loving that trailer. I, You know, it's like they played the the shit out of Avengers Infinity War trailer, but nobody seemed to mind. But when it's Tom Cruise, then everybody <laughs> has a fucking problem with it. Yeah. I, was, I don't even hate the franchise as much as Rebecca, but I definitely do get the trailer fatigue from it. That's for sure. Oh, no. I loved it. Everything about it, man. Everything about that goddamn trailer it just got me so hyped. Music, uh, Tom Cruise running, Henry Cavill doing the little uh, I'm going to fight that guy in the men's restroom, like arm cock thing. It was amazing. I could take or leave the Mission Impossible movies, honestly, but. That trailer, I want to keep forever. The trailer. The trailer. <laughs> oh, did you watch the movie? Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, after all that, don't tell me you didn't watch the movie. <laughs> no, I watched it. And I actually, I watched the last, like, three Mission Impossible movies beforehand because I had never seen them. So. Yeah. I, I, think- I did prep for that movie, too, because I love the trailer. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I they only The movies only get better, in my opinion. But um, I want to thank Rebecca, uh, though, not for her hatred of the Mission Impossible <laughs> Fallout trailer, but I do want to thank her for getting the audio that we are playing at the beginning of this episode uh, with the uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 guys. So thank you so much for that. That was incredible. Yeah, wow. Way, way to go, Rebecca. Yeah, Dr. Forrester and TV's Frank. Amazing. Thank you so much. But uh, now I think we are going to, yes, huge thank you to Rebecca for that. That is incredible. But let's move on into our iTunes reviews. And they're playing through my fucking computer speakers. <laughs> let's pause. All right, we're back. iTunes reviews. It's one star First one comes from Steve Terror, and it's titled Tupperware This Podcast. It's a five star. And, uh, oh, God, yeah, this one. See, there's a couple. Uh oh. There's a couple this week. I don't know. Um,. This guy tries too hard. With with two-hour commute, one can only listen to my Justin Bieber and Wu-Tang Clan mixtape, so I decided to jump into podcasts. Found this podcast and been listening. What, what made him come up with Justin Bieber and Wu-Tang Clan? Did he try to pick two things there, Jake, that he thought were kind of... kind of like polar yeah. opposites and, and like you put them together and now it's a, now it's a funny statement? Yeah, I immediately saw what you meant by this guy was trying too hard. Oh, yeah. Just that first sentence. I was like, oh, yeesh. Yeah, I don't know. Here we go. Uh, Found this podcast and been listening for a few months before dropping a review to make sure these leftovers are sealed airtight and didn't get stale. (laughs) 
<laughs> this guy is on a roll, man. Oh, man. Woo! He's on fire. Woo-hoo! Yeah, fucking. <laughs> let's give this one, uh, let's give this one uh, the, the, the turkey, right? Anyway, uh, solid hosts and guest hosts, very knowledgeable and up to date in the topics, which a lot of pad- podcasts fail at. So if you got four hours a week to kill and don't mind a host that sounds like he's giving mouth hugs to a helium balloon before airing that <laughs> before airing, then these guys are for you. Oh, man, Jake, this guy. Woo. Yikes. Man. Yeah, wow. Good thing he came in with a five-star review, right? Or we'd really be all over this, dude. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. Not my favorite review. So, no, yeah. I can see why. God. Yeah, I sound, I sound like I'm giving... Do I sound like I'm on a fucking helium? No, no. No, I don't think you should... Not at all. I don't know. I mean, just if you're going to make jokes, make them relatable. So other people can kind of like, yeah, I get that. That makes sense. You know, it's like, it's like if Seinfeld did observational humor but it was like nothing that anyone else has ever fucking observed like you know what i mean <laughs> yeah you don't really have like the chipmunk helium voice at all i don't really get that observation i don't yeah well and i don't know it, it started with the justin bieber wu-tang clan mixtape and then it went into like us i don't then it went to some puns about leftovers being sealed airtight oh god that was the best part <laughs> oh my god yeah that was good <laughs> Oh, I bet Steve, should be. oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I bet Steve Kerr is going to look down and find out he's been listening to the podcast at like two times speed. And that's why he's like attributed this like chipmunk voice to us. No, just to me. I'm the I'm the main host, I guess, apparently, since I'm the one. Yeah, don't mind a host because Jake, you definitely don't sound like a chipmunk. If, any, if anybody's going to call somebody a fucking like helium bag or whatever the fuck he's saying here, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably even on two times speed, I retain my non-chipmunk. Do I sound like I fuck, I'm a member of the goddamn Lollipop Guild? What the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> Jesus. Maybe his name should have been Steve Terrible at Podcast. A terrible joke. Yeah, that was a fresh bird. You better seal that in. <laughs> he, uh, see, the funny thing is he didn't get that. Like, like <laughs> all right. Next one comes by, uh, from Fort One Twelve, and it's titled "Thank You." It's five star. Uh, I just wanted to say a quick thank you because I've been suffering with depression lately, and almost lost a brother in a terrible car accident before Christmas. Listening to this show helps me forget about my problems for a few hours and just laugh and hear great conversations on things I love. So thank you once again. Jake, it, polar opposites as far as, like, my love for these iTunes reviews. I mean, like, that last one. Yeah. Like, I literally just want to take a really rotten diarrhea shit on. And this one, I just, like, want to hug it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. No, nothing bad to say about this one at all. Yeah, that's fantastic. It, it's great that we can, like, give you that release and give you that escape. I, yeah. That's that's half the reason we do this shit. I'm really sorry that you're going through depression, but just hearing that we're there for you, you know, and I, we're not even aware that we're there for you. I mean, we just record this and you get out of it what you get out of it. And that's awesome. And I'm glad that you didn't lose your brother. That would have been terrible before Christmas. So, um, yeah, thinking of you, dude, and hope everything's good. Um, and uh, reach out in an email if you need anybody to talk to, man. So thank you for the five star. Um, this next one comes from... Egg Gardefact. 
Gartifact, and it's titled Subscribe! Exclamation point. One exclamation point, Jake. It's a five star. Okay. Nothing wrong here. Nothing wrong here. It was written on my birthday, too. I like that. It's kind of like a little birthday gift. It's a five. Imagine it being a one star. Imagine if I would have got that fucking helium review on my goddamn birthday. (laughs) You might as well just stayed inside all year at that point. (laughs) No shit. Oh, man. I've been listening to this podcast for the better part of a year or more, and I love it. Mondays are always a good day when the podcast drops. I work at a hospital, and I have to read a lot of brainwaves, etc., all day long. So it's great to listen to these people while I am possibly diagnosing you or some disorder. They really feel like family after a while with all the banter and top-notch reviews. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Eckgardefact. God, that was a pretty solid, great review, too. I, I don't really have nothing bad to say about that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Um, you got the bad news now? No, 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 we're not there yet. We are almost there. We are almost <laughs> there, dude. Trust me. Well, I like that it's advertised, though. I get to Oh, that. yeah, it is upcoming. Uh, this next one comes from Bretram, and it's uh, titled Must Listen. It's a five-star. Great work on a weekly basis. The name says it all, but this group delivers Thank you. That comes from Bretram. Yeah, short and sweet. Short and sweet from Bretram. Thank you. <laughs> I like the way you say <laughs> Bretram. I, I, I know. It's, it's, I, know I, I emphasize it like, a, like some jackass on helium. It's, you know. <laughs> Bretram. I don't know how that caught me so off guard just like a minute later. Yeah. Uh, the, here we go. Here we go. This is just where, like, the iTunes have devolved into just ridiculous shit. Uh, it comes <sighs> from <laughs> the sigh. Uh, even before I read the fucking thing, I love it. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, here we go. Uh, it comes from J Vans, and uh, the title's fine. Gets me through work. It's a five star. And uh, it just goes on to say, wrote a mashup in my review. Waka Flocka Seagulls. <laughs> Jake, what the fuck is that? And is that the whole review? Yeah, that's a whole fucking review. What the? I don't even know how to. Okay, so this, I, I'm guessing this is a Michael Cannon mashup. I don't even know what yeah. the fuck it is. Like, I understand the band Flocka Seagulls. Waka Flocka, I believe, is also a band. Is it? It's a rapper. It's a rapper. Yeah. See, I'm so out of the music loop. I have no idea. All right, yeah. get on it, Michael. There you go. Walk a flock of seagulls. Oh, don't, no, no, cancel this. Oh, no, got, <laughs> no, you got to get on that. <laughs> Veto this. I, we don't, all right, yeah, I guess. God, I don't know. Michael, I don't, you, dude, you do what you want. I don't know. I give up. <laughs> like, how the fuck is that helping our podcast, that fucking review? How the fuck is that? Uh, and I, I every week don't I ask people not to send in suggestions, Jake? Is it just and he did it on the iTunes on the iTunes the review? Place to do it, worst place to do it. Like you know, like everybody else is like even 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 the helium fucker is saying how that he likes the show. You know, <laughs> this guy's just giving us a goddamn mashup. Yeah, any outsider seeing this just goes ugh. What even is this? Why, you know, why don't you just fucking write up like the, the instructions on how to cook meth? Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the same fucking thing. It has nothing to do with our fucking show as far as, far as like getting people wanting to listen. 
I mean, at least the meth instruction would be reasonably useful for like maybe someone somewhere. <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was going to listen to this podcast, but stumbled across meth recipe in the iTunes reviews instead. I don't know, man. <laughs> it ruined my fucking life. One star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Review right there. <sighs> those were the, those were the iTunes reviews. I don't know, Jake. I don't know anymore. I don't know. Ooh, that was a that was a mess of an iTunes review section. That was yeah. <laughs> like I don't. It was a it was a fucked up sandwich because like the 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 bread layer the, like the bread layers were terrible. Like, <laughs> but everything in between was great. The fillings. Yeah, it's like I a agree. sandwich on rye. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I'm okay with rye. I love rye. Uh, ew, fuck rye. I mean, I know people like it, but I think it's gross. So. <laughs> uh, I one star rye. Fucking rye. It takes too long to get the advertised content. <laughs> <laughs> Toss it. Oh my gosh. Uh, I got a package here. We're going to get to the advertised content, people. Chill the fuck out. We always do. If you don't like it, you got that 30 second skip or whatever the fuck you got. Use it. I don't want to hear about it. I got a package here, and it comes from Dave Feynman of Smuggler's Coffee. Dave Feynman's a listener, people. So don't think you can just send your shit over to me and I'll fucking talk about it. <laughs> He's a listener. He's a longtime listener. Dave Fame. Oh, my God. This smells incredible. He sent me. He's from Smuggler's Coffee. And he sent me a package of grounded coffee beans. My God, it smells good. Oh, my gosh. It, my my uh, house smells like a coffee shop now. Oh, my God, dude. Incredible. Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. He sent me a smuggler's uh, barrel mug here for my coffee. You hear that? Sounds quality. That is quality stuff there. And it looks nice. And it's got this, the smuggler's coffee logo on it. Which, uh, which uh, coffee beans did he send me? He sent me uh, this one's called uh, uh, Plus 10 Charisma. And, uh, yeah, all of his uh, coffees... Are kind of like, uh, kind of like, got a like a geeky theme, like a Dungeons and Dragons theme or something like that. What's what's this one? What do we got here? Slapshot, a small batch, single origin coffee, and uh, wow, yeah, wow, this is awesome. What awesome, amazing packaging! Oh my gosh, what do we got here? Uh, Barrel aged. This one is uh, it's got a dragon on it. What's this one called? Hardcore coffee. Are they all hardcore coffees? These are all hardcore coffees, Jake. Extra caffeine. Yeah, this one's the barrel aged. Oh, oh my God. Dave's stuff, just uh, smugglerscoffee.com. I am going to go over that information right now, Jake. <laughs> Good shit. And this is from Dave Feynman. Uh, this is from his website. We roast coffee, not just any coffee, though. We roast only the finest single origins and specialize in barrel aging. Smugglers believes in drinking local. That's why we find barrels from some of the best breweries in the area. Barrel aging adds the flavors that were trapped in the barrel to the beans without any trace of the alcohol. It's a unique bean that makes an amazing cup in the morning or that perfect after-dinner dessert coffee. Whether you like sugar and cream in your coffee, Coffee, a little Irish in your mug, or drink it as black as your mother-in-law's soul, we've got a great cup of coffee for you. Uh, and you can go to his website, uh, store.smugglerscoffee.com, 
And then they're also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And I've linked his store in our show notes. And you can also see the uh, Smuggler Coffee logo. And Jake, I think Joe Manganello. I think has ordered his coffee and drank his coffee before and like follows him on uh, Twitter at smugglers coffee. Oh, that's fucking awesome. I believe that too, especially with the plus one charisma blend and everything. Yeah. I, I know he's so big into D and D and everything. Well, yeah. Isn't he involved in writing that new dungeons and dragons movie? Yeah. Yeah. He's actually mm-hmm. on like the D and D staff. Like he's on the, uh, oh. I forget what the company's called anymore. Is it, it's all owned by Hasbro. Do they even still call it TSR? But no, anyway, no, no. he's definitely on the creative staff. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Dave, thank you so much, man. Dude, it smells incredible in here now. Wow. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I got an email here from – I wanted to read an email, and this comes from a listener named Tully, and he goes on to say, Hey, guys, I've been listening for a couple years now, and I've never reached out and said hello. I'm not very active on social media, and I've tried to make more of an effort on Twitter but recently, but I do listen every week. Consider myself a PCL Army rat and love you guys for how much you have enhanced my own love for pop culture. All your recommendations I take home to my fiance. We are never disappointed by anything you guys Tupperware. I remember when I explained your podcast for the first time to my soon-to-be wife, it was after Infinity War when I loudly yelled, I fucking Tupperware the shit out of this film. She looked at me, not knowing what the hell I was talking about, and for the drive home from the theater, we discussed your podcast, and even before what the hell we just watched in Avengers 3. I'm from Australia, and our culture, especially within friends groups, revolves around the constant rinsing of each on a daily basis. Rinsing being taking the piss out of someone the banter and the way you guys engage with each other really resonates with me and it's clear you're all just good friends taking the piss out of each other and it's perfect never stop all the content you provide is just an added bonus i'm so appreciative of the hours you give us all every week and if you ever want to hear from a fan from australia talk movies and shit with you guys i would love to thanks pcl uh p.s uh that episode with sarah was one of my favorites i know some people weren't that keen on it but it honestly was one of the more entertaining episodes i've heard as well as your civil war episode brian you handled her op- you handled her optioned perfectly and i die every time you scream you're done jj <laughs> so. oh man the you're done jj stuff is is like gone down and in, in like the history is one of the greatest <laughs> moments at this point i think right I, th- I yeah people seem to really enjoy that moment <laughs> <laughs> So thank you. Oh, man. Thank you so much, Tully, for the email. Uh, Don't get many. Jake, that's I mean, we don't I've heard from a few listeners from Australia, but it's always cool to hear from somebody from down under. Yeah. What is it? He says we do to each other. We rinse each other. We rinse each other. We take the piss. It reminds me. He sounds like I don't know if he's Australian or if he's like from New England. Like, you know, like wicked pisser, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like that. That was good. Yeah. I like that he really, it really seems to, he gets it, you know? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. We all, it's like we all respect each other, but we like the, you know, yeah, we bust each other's balls. It's just a good time. Yeah, exactly. It's no hard feelings. It's fun, you know? We disagree, so we gotta, you gotta give it to him. You gotta rinse the person. That's just, I, that's, you gotta rinse them sometimes, right? That sounds dirty. <laughs> no, it gets dirty, and then you gotta rinse it. Uh, stop all your head, Jake. All right, guys, <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> let's move into uh, good pop, bad pop. It's time 
time for more leftover reviews with good pop bad pop good pop bad pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read sometimes we rate these things and if this is your first time listening we want you to be familiar with our rating system the rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Are you rinsing me, Jake? No, no, not yet. You fucking, hey, Melissa, you fucking rinsing me? <laughs> no, taking the piss, maybe. Okay, okay. As long as you're just taking the piss, I don't... You fucking rinse me. We're going to, I don't know. We might have problems here. Because I don't know. Like when it goes, I mean, if it's fine when it's just taking the piss. But when you guys start moving into rinsing territory, then I got fucking problems. You understand? <laughs> yeah, we're all, we're all friends here. We're all friends here. Such it, a dangerously fine line. It is. It is. It's a very strange and odd line. And sometimes you don't know when you're crossing it because it doesn't exist because it's fucking weird. Um, let's see here. <laughs> I, Jake, I started My Hero Academia season two. Nice. How's that going? Uh, I am halfway through the season. I think I finished episode 26 or 27 uh, of the total series. And I think there's 38 now, what is it? I think once you finish episode 38, you finish season two. Uh, I went through like the whole My Hero Academia, the Olympic Games that they had. And, um, you know, where they had like the different uh, students showing off their quirks. And, oh, my God, that was a that was a ton of fun. That was so incredible. I really loved it. And then now I'm at the point where uh, Midoriya is getting trained. Uh, has just met, uh, what's the, the little dude that, uh, Gran Torino, that was All Might's old teacher. Okay. So, yeah. I, yeah. Let's talk. Oh, I'm sorry. I was, I was going <laughs> to say, I, you know what? I, um, I got that VRV service so I could watch all my Funimation and then they just dropped Funimation right after I subscribed. So I had to keep my funimation so if anyone's out there trying to watch this it's not on vrv anymore that sucks yeah but I, i've been watching it on the funimation and i've been having a blast with it and i can't wait to finish it i had to kind of like stop over the past couple days and not watch it as much because they dropped a bunch of new stuff on netflix and hulu um the next thing i want to talk about real just real quick is future man season two started up on hulu and I've been, I think I'm, yeah, I finished, I'm in the middle of the fifth episode. And I am enjoying it. It's really good. I, I'm going to give it a high taste it so far. And it definitely could turn into a Tupperware. But I am still enjoying the show. I just think it is so wacky and so bizarre. I love Eliza Coop. I'm a huge fan of hers anyway. And uh, this season, like, there's a completely new future that they're in. And uh, Wolf has a family <laughs> it's a bizarre he's kind of got like uh two husbands and three wives and uh some kids and it is just bizarre i think the fourth episode started with like the the growing pains theme song as they were all getting ready for the day and it was hilarious <laughs> so I'm, I'm enjoying it so i love future man um next thing i want to talk about real quick before i pass it off here is i did go see not this week but the week before I went and saw the horror film Escape Room, 
Uh, six strangers are given mysterious black boxes with tickets to an immersive escape room for a chance to win tons of money. Being locked in several rooms with extreme conditions, they discover the secrets behind the escape room and must fight to survive and find a way out. Uh, it's directed by Adam Rabatel. It stars Deborah Ann Wall. Uh, everybody will remember her as uh, Karen on Daredevil. Uh, she was also in uh, True Blood, if you watch that. Uh, Taylor Russell, she was Zoe in Lost in Space on Netflix. Logan Miller, he was uh, in uh, Love, Simon. It's also got one of my favorite comedians. Uh, I love Tyler Bean, and he plays Mike in this one. It was great to see him in this. Um, Adam Robitel plays Gabe. Nick Dadani, Danny, uh, Danny uh, he plays Danny, and he's from... Um, uh, atypical, and then he's also got a role on the new Murphy Brown show on CBS. Uh, CBS, and then Jay Ellis is in this one. I um, I loved the first two acts of this movie. It's it was a lot of fun, Jake. These rooms are a lot of fun. Each room has like its own like escape room has its own like little theme, and you kind of find out as you're watching the movie like where the theme kind of like originates from, like. What's the inspiration for the theme? And I thought that that was handled really well. Um, each room is like a fun room to escape. There's one room where like they have to find this key. And it's kind of like the first room. It's like it's real. It's really hot. And they could, you know, kind of like die in fire, or roast to death second room it's really cold and so you've got to get you've got this key and they've got to use like their body heat to melt this huge block of ice that has the key in the center mm. and, dude i i loved the first two acts of this movie I, the rooms were so much fun like as far as like puzzles are concerned like this was a blast to watch i really had a lot of fun with these rooms and these different puzzles and stuff it's like that's what kind of like uh the new Tomb Raider was missing like fun puzzles. And like this, this movie got that. It, it gave me fun escape. Like I've done, I've done an escape room before and like this takes it to that next level. It, and it was a lot of fun. This movie kind of like tries to, I felt like it tried to separate itself. The ending was similar, but it also tried to separate itself from um, the Belko experiment. I felt like it had a very similar type of, ending in a way to the Belko experiment and then they tried to switch it up and it felt like it became a different movie. Um, uh, you think it was almost self-aware of being too similar to the Belko experiment then? Possibly. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. I just like, I think it kind of fell apart in the last act, man. If it was like, if the whole movie was like the first two acts, I would have been coming here and saying, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this and I got to get, I got to give it a Tupperware. I know it sounds crazy, but it wasn't, it kind of like fell apart at the end with like, uh, the way it ended. Um, so I'm going to give That's it a real shame. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a taste it overall, but, um, I think that everybody should still watch this one. If you want to have just a good time, just turn off your brain and just like watch these people try to, you know, figure out these puzzles. And each one of them has like their own special kind of like gift when it comes to figuring these things out, which is really cool. So I had a, I did have fun with it overall. I didn't think it was terrible. So I want to see this. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot of fun. So I would I would recommend seeing this one. I don't think that you have to go see it in the theater, but if you do, you know I don't think you'll be terribly disappointed, except for maybe the ending, like I was. But yeah, Escape Room. 
Um, but I will pass it off to one of you. Uh, Melissa, what do you got? Oh, uh, well, first thing, I also started watching Future Man Season 2. Um, I'm through six episodes. Oh, okay. Um, the only thing that I really want to comment that you didn't was just that I, like, am kind of disappointed that they're doing, like, that second season thing where you, like, separate the main ensemble cast. And then, I mean, I get you have to do that to add new characters. And some of the new characters are interesting, but I'm disappointed that we haven't seen, like, the main three people together that often Mm -hmm. so that's like the only thing that is like keeping me from loving this as much as i love the first season immediately yeah 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 i I think like the most interesting stuff has kind of been like with wolf and his family you know like uh what's it what's oh yeah and like they're doing like the really cool like naming convention like it seems like in every different timeline they're using like a different type of like names because his name is torque torque and, and, like, his kid's name is Lugna, and, like, one of his wife's is named, like, Thimble, and I think one of the husband's name is Rake. And then the, like, villain, like, team that they have, their names are all, like, mythological or, like, God. They, like, try to give somebody the nickname of Jesus at one point. So, like, that's really cool. I find that interesting and really creative. Yeah, I I don't know. It's just that first season was just so incredible. And it's been so long since I watched the first season. So like watching like the recap and trying to remember and like get myself back into this whole world. But they've done a decent job of like getting me kind of like caught up in what happened in that first season to try to remember. So it is jogging my memory. But um, I don't know. And Haley Joel Osment in the show. <laughs> oh, my God. He just, he just, it's just, it's just weird to see him as an adult still to this day. It's just weird. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just weird to see Haley Joel Osment as an adult, but he's fine. I don't mind him, but yeah, I don't know. So what are you, are you rating it so far? Six episodes um, in? Yeah, I would give it a high taste it as well. Yeah. It's not, it's as, just taking me a little bit longer to get into it is the yeah. only reason. Like, it's still so funny, but it's like, I know how much funnier it will be if we get all three of them playing off each other yeah. consistently. So I'm just waiting for that to happen. Yeah. Have they uh, lampooned any like different movies in the first season specifically this time around? I know that was like a big selling point of the first season for people. Oh, are you asking if they've done it in the second one? Yeah. In the second season? I mean, I don't know. It always has moments of back to the future, you know, that's what it really feels like. There's certain sound effects that they'll use that it feels very back to the future. And then like Eliza Coop meeting her, like kind of like uh, the clone that they kind of made of her. It felt very back to the future too when, you know, Marty met his son. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah. When Marty met his son, it felt very much like that. So I don't know. Um, I can't think of any other direct comparisons. Yeah, I get the feeling like they're doing it because I don't know why they would do it in the first season and then stop, but it's, I'm just not catching them. Yeah, the first season was definitely um, the last Starfighter-inspired, and with the time travel, it was Back to the Future-inspired. You know, because like, they pulled this guy to be like the savior of the world because like he was so good at this video game and just like the last starfighter Seth Rogen who's involved in this show you know as a producer was actually trying to get a last starfighter movie rebooted and couldn't get it done so th- this was what happened is this show instead so yeah and I think he has a cameo coming in this season somewhere 
I heard that. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Well, and then, um, oh, what's her name? Kristen Schaal from like Bob's Burgers. Yes. D- does like an uncredited cameo. Like she's not listed on IMDb for really? being in that episode. <laughs> yeah. When she showed up, cause I loved her on last man on earth and you know, I love her in Bob's Burgers. And so, yeah, when she showed up, I was like, oh, my God, is she in the show now? I, I thought she was going to be like a regular cast member going forward. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm enjoying it. I'm going to stick with it. I love Future Man, so I am going to finish the season. Um, uh, what else? You got anything else? Yeah, I watched the season five premiere of You're the Worst, which I know you guys have <gasps> talked about that on the show before. Uh, uh, with did Dan it, Ramirez, I think. Yeah, I love You're the Worst. Um, so is that on Hulu or is it just playing on FXX right now? I don't know. Um, I have cable included in my rent in my building, so yeah. I watched it on FXX when it aired. Uh, but I, I think it was popping up on Hulu after it aired last season, so hopefully they're doing that again. Yeah, I don't know. I love that fucking show it is it's so, so good yeah um this is a final season too yeah so it, i'm like i'm obviously sad it's ending because it's my, like probably my favorite show but i really want the like four main characters to get to like branch out and do other things like i'm most excited to see like kether donahue go out and do something because she is like so hilarious and mm-hmm. she already has a ton on her resume but it's nothing that i had seen her in before so i want her to kind of break out after the show ends that would be my greatest wish oh man <laughs> sometimes her character can just be so heartless though i know uh it's she's hard she's to root. yeah she is <laughs> she's she's really hard to root for um but uh i oh my god i love the what is it the sunday fun day episodes Yes, me too. And I love that they do one every season yes. because they like can do so many creative story things since we already kind of know like the structure of that episode. Yeah, I really like it. This first episode um, starts the season kind of in like an odd way. But when you figure out, um, I guess, like the conceit that they're trying to pull off, it's pretty clever. It reminds me, like we talked about Bob's Burgers, the way that they do this first episode like reminds me kind of of the storytelling in the Bob's Burger episodes when the kids are all telling stories and like it, they're always telling like a version of the same story but the narrative is like kind of changing around. You're the worst is doing that type of thing. Hmm. And then they're doing something that I'm pretty sure is Ready Player One inspired. There's like some virtual reality um, I guess thieving going on in the first episode so I thought that was really um, clever because you know it's really reminiscent of that and like they're always doing like surprising and unique episodes in the show and I'm really yeah. excited that they're coming out strong for their final season so I definitely Tupperware the first episode this show is like okay I'm telling people like if you're not watching this go back and watch it I don't know I, I think you can probably watch like the first four seasons on Hulu they're probably there oh yeah for sure I just binged them there you go like watch the first four seasons on Hulu I'm telling you this is a smart edgy comedy like right out of the gate like I reviewed the first episode on this podcast and gave it a Tupperware right out of the gate. And this is like one of those, like, I didn't watch always. I watched that first season week to week, but I haven't always watched it week to week. Like, I'd let the season finish and then I'd binge it sometimes. But this is one I've always watched. And I love it's so edgy. They handled that uh, season with Aya Cash's character with her going through that depression. Like, oh my God, the way that they handled that was so brilliant. Yeah, and they, like, touch on PTSD, too. Yes. They handle so many, like, touchy subjects. And 
from that perspective, it's a unique show. And then just the filmmaking and the storytelling is unique as well. And it's so rare that you get like such high quality of both of those aspects in the same show. And especially like a half an hour, like comedy drama. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And the comedy is so it's smart comedy and it's edgy and it's cool. And this is an awesome show. Like, more people should be watching this. I'm so happy that it's lasted five seasons because it felt like so many times, like it was one of those shows where I'd Google, like, you know, you're the worst. Has it been canceled or renewed? You know, because like you didn't know. It was one of those things. It felt like it was, it could be on the bubble. So I'm glad that we got five seasons out of this at least. I'm also, like, I hate to see it end, but I'm really happy. They announced that this was the last season pretty much when it got renewed. So that's I'm, like, happy about that because it means they had time to, like, really plan and think about how they were going to end it rather than you can, like, tell when a show gets halfway through their season and somebody tells them that they've got to wrap it up. So that's not happening, and I'm so glad. Last season, oh my god, that the, the what was it like the revenge sex that she had? It's so good. Oh. That episode is so good. Oh my and fucking god! <laughs> yeah, it was. She says, "Mushroom cloud, bitch." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, incredible show. If you're not watching, you're the worst. Get on it. I'm telling you, it is fantastic. Um, I watched, uh, I'll get, uh, I'll get back to you if you have more stuff that you want to talk about, but I watched, um, Black Monday on Showtime. Have you guys heard about this? I have not heard of that. It, um, it's, the pilot is, it's available to watch on the Showtime app now early. Uh, the official premiere of this show is going to be on January 20th and it takes place, uh, on, it takes place back in like 1987 uh, October 19th 1987 also known as Black Monday the worst stock market crash in the history of Wall Street to this day no one knows who caused it until now this is the story of how a group of outsiders took on the blue uh, blue blood old boys club of Wall Street and end up crashing the world's largest financial system a Lamborghini limousine and the glass ceiling the outrageous comedy series stars Don Shadle Andrew Ronalds uh, Kadeem Hardison Kadeem Hardison, Jake, fucking Dwayne Wayne from A Different World, man. Oh, jeez, I haven't thought of him for eons. No shit. Uh, Paul Shear, Ken Marino, uh, Ken Marino from What Have American Summer in the State. Uh, it's also got Casey Wilson from Happy Endings, if you liked her. And then Regina Hall is in this. Uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are producers on this show. Um, I was, uh, I didn't know what to expect with this. It was a, it's, a, it's a comedy. The humor didn't always work here. Uh, but it's a pilot, um, and uh, I don't know. There's uh, there's lots of cocaine. <laughs> lots, you know, you got guys on Wall Street. There's lots of cocaine. Don Shadle has a uh, robot butler, which is kind of funny. Everybody in the '80s wanted to have like <laughs> their their uh, robots and shit. Um, and then uh, I was gonna toss this until the very end of the episode, where they kind of like really made everything kind of pay off here. And it was kind of the ending was kind of brilliant because like some of the humor just did not work for me in this one. And it is a pilot, but I'm going to give this a solid taste it and I'm going to watch the second episode to kind of see where it goes. Um, Makes sense. I mean, you went from a toss it to a taste it just based on the ending. So maybe yeah. that, it just it just took that pilot to get the formula. It's a pilot. It's a pilot. So it's like pilots can, you know, they, they 
they got to get they got to accomplish a lot in the pilot and hopefully now they can start I can start figuring out who the characters are and um it was interesting enough I, I the ending really made it pay off the ending was kind kind of brilliant so I'll, I'll take it from a toss it to a taste it based on the ending and they'll get a second episode out of me if anything but it's called black monday on showtime it's a 30 minute comedy so yeah check it out if you want to um jake what do you got um i was watching that new uh, titan games on nbc have you guys heard of that the rock thing yeah it's like a rock american gladiators analog show i've yeah. seen the commercials for this i saw the commercials <laughs> yeah it's pretty uh, it was actually better than i expected it to be i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a solid taste it it's definitely very american gladiators-y um, you know, there's four people, two two males, two females, and they compete in challenges. And at the end, they do basically the Eliminator, except it's called Mount Olympus. But the show does a really good job of personalizing the contestants, I think, with the uh, video packages. And it also, a lot of t- I've watched so many of these reality shows that sometimes just based on the uh, video packages, you can kind of pick up on who they like better and just who they edited better and who's going to win. And I thought they did a good job of kind of putting a blanket on that and giving both people just the right amount of screen time so the competitions are actually exciting and there's some really fascinating unique competitions it's not just like ripoffs of all the american gladiator stuff like there was a really unique version of tug of war where it's just a big steel pole in a wall and both people are on each side of the wall and you, you can't see each other so you don't know if the other guy is trying really hard at that moment to pull it through or not and just like a really neat tug of war right in a big stage with everyone so yeah i'm gonna give this a taste it it's on hulu i i think it's on nbc on thursdays but you can just watch it on hulu after it airs um if you miss this kind of reality competition american gladiator show it's pretty good Uh, and the rock is charismatic as always but he seems a little bit forced with some of the the jokes and humor going on here i'm you know, I think we can find better stuff for The Rock to do than host these kinds of shows. I, this might be better suited for a comedian that could find the funny moments and what's going on. I think he makes it a little bit more serious than it needs to be. But yeah, pretty decent overall show. Yeah, what's so what's so one? So we had American Gladiators, and then and then American Ninja Warrior. Well, there's Ninja Warrior. Then it was American yeah. Ninja Warrior. And yeah, because I used to watch Ninja Warrior on G4. Uh, and then American Ninja Warrior. And then what's the one Stallone's doing on Netflix? Oh, I heard about that. I haven't seen that yet, though. I watched I heard it's really good. I watched the first episode and was just kind of like, I think I'm just burnt out on those kind of shows. So I was just like, yeah, ah. I felt that way, too. I almost didn't watch it, but I, I was kind of pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah, I don't it's know. It's the one that has like the mean commentary. Yeah. Where they're like making fun of him. That's what I like. Oh, that's oh, like Wipeout. Wipeout. Yeah. That- yeah. Just like. Whatever those shows are. I know I used to catch them like when I would be up late at night with my TV on at 3 a.m. But that's the best when they're like making fun of everybody whenever they fall. I miss MXC. Did you watch MXC, Jake? Oh, yeah. Well, that was a funny show, too. Ken- yeah. What was it? Kenny Blankenship. And <laughs> I can't remember. It was Most Extreme Challenge. I used to love that. It was on the Spike Network. <laughs> that shit was yeah. great. That's kind of what I'm saying about this show. I think it takes itself a little bit too seriously. There's definitely moments of humor that could be found if someone was looking to find them, and I think it might make the affair a little bit more enjoyable. Yeah. But overall, not too bad. All right. Taste it. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I might give it a shot. Probably won't, though. I'll be honest with you. I, don't, I think I'm kind of burnt out on those shows. No. And like I said, I'm not 
if I would have high tasted it or Tupperware it even, I, I would say no, no, no. You should definitely check this out. But yeah. I, if you're burnt out on it, this isn't gonna like change the wheel by yeah. any means. I still, I still love a, a Ninja Warrior. So I still like that though. I'll still watch that if I do catch it. But it's like I don't go out of my way to watch it. But yeah, uh, Melissa, you got anything else? Yeah, I saw the movie Shoplifters. Ah, um, damn you! Yeah, I want to see that. I, know. Um, I have an art house theater, like kind of in my neighborhood. So yeah. this year, I've been really trying to. Well, I guess in 2018, I was really making a point to see like as many of the small like indie films that I could there. Yeah. Um, this one is a family of small-time crooks takes in a child they find outside in the cold. It's directed by uh, Hirozaku Kurita. It won um, an award at the Cannes Film Festival. I apologize. I don't know which award it was. Um, but I saw this movie based solely on recommendations, so I really had no idea what it was about. And if you haven't seen a trailer for this one yet, I would kind of recommend not watching it. And if you can see it, just go see it. But I really don't know how big its release is. I, we just added it to more theaters in Chicago, so it might be available closer to you at this point since it sounds like you haven't been able to see it yet. They had it at the art theater, but I couldn't make it to any of the showings. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's so disappointing because it's really so good. Like, I don't want to spoil anything about it, but I would give this the highest of Tupperwares. Um, The film is about shoplifters, but it's about so much more than that. It's really about, like, what makes a family. And throughout the film, these different hints get dropped. So your brain is working the whole time trying to kind of figure out these people. And then layers get peeled away until you really find out all of the surprising things and the connections going on with this family. Um, it's in Japanese, so there are subtitles, so that's something, I guess, to consider. But, I mean, I would never say that it that takes away from anything in this movie. Um, no. It was actually the first foreign language film that I've ever seen in the theater, and then immediately after it, I went and saw Roma. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you got to see that in the theater or at home? Yeah, I saw Roma in the theater at the same theater <laughs> yes. that I saw Shoplifters um, on 70-millimeter film, so it was nice. gorgeous. It was just such an experience there's and the theater so, was packed there's something to be said about watching Roma in the theater about, because and like some people think we're crazy for saying that but I feel like when you're when you're when, it, when you're watching something and it's being set in like Mexico City there's a lot to be said about kind of like the ambient noise of you know just the background noise of like what's going on in the city and just hearing people talk and cars and everything it's just it's pretty incredible it's a pretty incredible movie it really is. It, Roma would have been a hard one for me to catch how beautiful because it it moves kind of slow. It's it's a really kind of slow developing story. There's not a lot of dialogue in it, so it's a lot of watching actually what's going on on the screen, and that's a little bit more difficult for me at home. I mean, I have my phone with me, so that's the problem. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. That's why I paid to see it in the theater because I know yeah. that's how I am. When I'm at home, it's like it's like my you know my phone's blowing up. You know, since we've been fucking recording, I've had text messages come through. You know, <laughs> and so it's it's one of those you're constantly getting distracted. So yeah, it's yeah oh yeah I'm glad I'm glad that you got to see that in the theater. That's pretty awesome. And then Shoplifters yeah. is one that I want to see really bad. I hope you get to. It's yeah. so good. Um, it moves a little bit faster, and it's got a lot of... Not, it's not more interesting. Well, kind of, I think it is. But um, 
it's it's just got like more plot happening, so I think that one would be easier at home. Um, but if I had to pick, I would want Shoplifters um, to win the foreign language Oscar. So. Ah, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, let's see here. Let's talk about some trailers that I wanted us to talk about. The first one, I re- there's really not. I really don't want us to rate this one. I'm just going to kind of talk about it. But I had you guys watch the teaser trailers for Hannah. Um, uh, Jake, you've not seen Hannah, I don't believe, the movie. No, I have not. And so this TV show is directly based off of the movie. Yes, it's 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 a, it's the TV series adaptation of Joe Wright's. Uh, 2011 action thriller uh, that starred Saoirse Ronan called Hannah. Um, but I do not need to have seen the movie to watch the show. It's a retelling, right? Yeah. Uh, the guy who wrote, who worked on the screenplay for the movie is show running. Yes. The TV show. That's true. Um, have you seen Hannah, Melissa? Yeah. Fucking amazing. I watched right? it for this episode. <laughs> oh, did you? You watched the movie for this episode? <laughs> well, yeah. I told you she's <laughs> fucking Batman with crap. <laughs> when you sent this episode to me, um, or when you sent this trailer to me and I watched it, I was like, okay, I love this teaser so much. Let me look at this movie. Yeah. And then I saw that Saoirse Ronan was in it and I was like, okay, well, I'm renting this tonight. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, Kelly Claiborne, one of our listeners, actually sent me this movie, wanted me to watch it so badly. And I, 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 uh, I think it was, it was maybe a month or two later or something like that. I, I watched it, and it is awesome. And I don't think you can stream it anywhere, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I rented it on Amazon for, like, what, $4.56 or something? Yeah, but it was worth it, wasn't it? It's so oh, good. Oh, yeah, I wish I would have bought it. Yeah, it's uh, basically it's about, uh, let's see here, we've got... So we're going to get a series from Amazon Prime. Did you guys watch both of the teasers? I thought, like, the first one was kind of like the the teaser with, like, the baby missing from, like, you know, the hospital, the the, the nursery wing. And um, the second one was kind of like her getting ready to kick ass out in the streets. So Yeah, I saw them both. I just watched the first one. Okay, so Because there- I want to wait till I'm not, like, so high on Saoirse Ronan as Hannah because it's, yeah. like, not really fair for somebody to be following up a performance of hers because she's just incredible. You know who I think, <clears throat> excuse me, you know who I think they should have got to play um, the new Hannah is uh, the little girl that played um, X-23 in Logan. Oh, I was going to say Eliza Scanlon. Oh, yeah, I like her too. I like her too. But I was just thinking like as far as like the action, you know, you know, yeah. I mean. Yeah. So um, let's see here. Yeah. The clip puts the focus on the newborn version of the girl who will become one of the most lethal young assassins in the world. Ultimately, using her extraordinary skills, she evades the relentless pursuit of an off book CIA agent and tries to unearth the truth behind who she is. Um, David Farr, who co-wrote the original film, penned the series adaptation, which marks something of a reunion. Uh, of the killing U.S. remake stars uh, Joel Ki- Joel Kinnaman's going to be in this one. So Yay! yeah, I know. Nice. Um, and uh, Muriel Enos, who plays Hannah's father, Eric, and uh, the Dangerous Agent, respectively, Australian. Oh yeah, Eric Bana and Kate Blanchett played the roles in the original. So yes, I am really looking forward to. I, it, it's hard to really rate a teaser trailer because they they did not show a lot in either one of these teasers. But, no. um, I mean, if you've seen the movie, um, 
I don't know. What are you thinking, Alyssa? Are you looking forward to this series? Yeah. Yeah, I really am. Um, especially because it is one of the screenplay writers that is, you know, doing this series, which just says to me that he's like really in love with this property. So I think that that is something to get excited about because, I mean, you're not going to make a movie and then turn it into a TV show if you like don't think that you have something exciting i guess at least i hope nobody would um but then the style of the teaser makes me think that they're going to keep some of that like magical realism elements that Mm -hmm. they had in the film i feel like that they're going to put some of that in this series as well so that's really exciting to me because i really liked how the film looked you know stylistically yeah i'm i think when this comes out on amazon it's going to be one of those shows where like everything else stops like, you know, like I, like this yeah. week, like I'm talking about, yeah, I'm watching My Hero Academia season two. Well, once they drop Hannah, it's like everything else stops. I'm like watching this whole season. I just I feel like this is going to be one of those shows. Yeah, this is the type of thing that I, like I'll put in my calendar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. cannot wait for this. That makes a lot more sense that there's all this backstory because, I mean, I didn't I didn't hate these teasers. But, I mean, there, for me, there was just so little substance that I really didn't even know almost what I was getting. Yeah, this is I mean, more. I, I don't think either clocked in it more than a minute. No, these are definitely teasers. So it's but Jake, I'm, I'm telling you, Hannah, the film is it's pretty incredible. And Saoirse Ronan is a great lead in that movie. And I don't know, man. It's like uh, when I was talking to Rebecca and she suggested Saoirse Ronan as Batgirl, I was like, I think she could do it because she really kicks ass in Hannah. So, yeah, I want to see Saoirse get to do something closer to Hannah than what I saw her in a couple indie films this year. And I mean, she's fantastic always, but she was so great doing the action in this movie. I'd like to see her do something like this again. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the next trailer. I'm glad you watched Hannah, though. What would you rate Hannah? Oh, Tupperware. Yeah, 100%. It's so, like, trippy. I was not expecting it. Um, I, I will toss Sir Ronan's eyebrows in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're okay. awful. I hate them. <laughs> they were, like, distractingly bad, but, like, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah, it totally is. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Jake, should we make that a new category for the Tupperware? <laughs> I mean, I'm seeing the cover of the poster in the video right now, and I, I'm not an eyebrow critic, but I see, I see what you're saying. <laughs> wow, yeah. So even Jake gets it, you know, <laughs> and he's not the world's like leading eyebrow critic. And Jake criticizes everything. <laughs> <laughs> Jake's Jake's criticized probably like fifty percent of the way I've handled this episode in his head already. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> um, I have one more Hannah comment before we move on. Okay, what, the, now, okay, what else are you going to do? Bo- what, body shame her some more? No, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is not body shame. Like, yeah. t- Speaking t- of her eyebrows, yeah. <laughs> no. elbows. Let's talk about those tan um, lines. The director for the first two episodes of the TV show, um, her name's Sarah Adina Smith, and I'm just really excited that we're getting a female director kicking off this story about her. Um, But she directed the third episode of season two of Legion, which is the one, I believe, where the Vermilion get introduced. So I'm like pretty sure that this TV show is going to be just as trippy as the movie and Legion. Well, think about about that trailer that we watched. Didn't that feel very Legion-esque? Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah, I've uh, <clears throat> excuse me, guys. I've included both teaser trailers in our show notes if you want to check them out. So they will be. When does there. this? When does this hit? And that kind of escaped me. Uh, let's see here. Do I have a date? I do not have a date. Okay. 
Gotcha. Not even a. Uh, I'm trying to look it up as I'm talking right now. I want to say February. February is the next. I know the next yes. one we're talking about comes out February first. Okay, so it's probably that. Oh wait, this uh, IMDb has it just in March. Okay, sometime in March. So not a not a concrete date yet. Okay. Um, next, I want to talk about Velvet Be- uh, Velvet Buzzsaw, which was, that was actually my nickname once, Jake. Oh man, I hated when you had us call you that, dude. I know it's like it's 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 not natural when like I'm asking you guys to call me Velvet Budsaw. <laughs> that's that also sounds like an American Gladiator name. I was gonna say it sounds like your indie wrestling name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, coming coming into the ring, Velvet Budsaw. <laughs> oh man, the big velvet cloak. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you really rocked that thing. What was uh, what was Randy Macho Man Savages? No, I would be like the the helium hero. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I, and nobody likes to hear me on the mic. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be a great gimmick. Into a mic and everyone starts booing. <laughs> You don't even talk. You just like keep putting the mic in your mouth, and the boobs just spill. Hey, everybody! <laughs> I'm I'm the helium hero. Oh my gosh! Oh, this episode is terrible. Hey, uh, Velvet. <laughs> what was uh? Oh, his bone saw. Randy Macho Man Savage's uh, bone saw. Bone saw. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Did you did you listen to the 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 uh, the uh, Jake the Snake Joe Rogan episode? No, I did not. I highly not. recommend it. It's really good, man. It's really good. I, I heard the Beastie Boys on Mark Marin last week, though, and that was one of the best podcasts I heard in a long really? time. Really, really, yeah. To check that out. Very Talking cool. about the uh, new book, which I really want to get an audio book because I guess it won audio book of the year because they have so many famous like New York comedians and hmm. people doing doing all the readings. Nice. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I haven't listened to. I used to listen. I, I guess I listen to Marin like when I want to listen to the guests that he had on. You know, like yeah. exactly. Yeah, I mean Marin. I don't know. Like I think that honestly, I think the last Marin episode I listened to was like when he had the Lucas Brothers on. Yeah, he just gets guests like that that you're not going to hear on any other podcast. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the Beastie Boys. Are, yeah, there's they're not going to be another podcast Beastie Boys interview for the next five years. So see, I wanted see, to hear it. You see, Rogan's trying to get Kanye on. Oh, I will what listen a to that. Shit show. Kanye fucking like tweeted like I want to talk to somebody about my mental health, and then <laughs> and then fucking Joe Rogan said, Hey, you know, you want to talk? I do a podcast. Let's talk. And so I don't know if it's happening, but like. That's the thing that I think like we might get a Kanye Joe Rogan episode, which would be fucking incredible. So he should go on Rogan. Rogan will give him a platform and treat him with respect. Oh yeah, yeah, Rogan will absolutely. So uh, yeah, Rogan doesn't care about what people say. So you know, I mean, but anyway, let's talk about Velvet Buzzsaw. <laughs> uh, Netflix has premiered the first trailer for Velvet Buzzsaw. It's a new darkly comic ensemble. Supernatural thriller that marks the reteaming of Nightcrawler writer-director Dan Gilroy with that film stars uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Renee Russo. Wow, both of them are back for this. They were both in Nightcrawler. I loved Nightcrawler. Um, have we all seen Nightcrawler? 
Yeah, I saw it actually just recently in the last few months, but I was late to the game, but I loved it. Melissa, I'm seen- like the opposite. I saw it uh, probably three or four years ago, yeah. like closer to when it came out, and I know that I liked it, and it was like weird as fuck, but I like don't really remember what happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I saw it. I saw this one in the theater, like right when it came out, and so, and I've watched it one time at home, but it, that was still like three years ago. But I love this movie. Um, big fan of Dan Gilroy, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Renee Russo were fantastic in that movie, and here they are teaming up again. Uh, we're also like, this is an all-star fucking cast: Tony Collette, yeah. Zoe Ashton, Tom Sturridge, Natalia Dyer, David Diggs. From uh, Blind Spotting, which I raved about in the Tupperwares, uh, Billy Magnuson and John Malkovich is also in this one. It's a story set in a contemporary art world scene of Los Angeles where big money artists and mega collectors pay a high price when art collides with commerce. Um, a stash of astonishing paintings by a dead man becomes a hot commodity, but it turns out those works might be haunted. Uh, this is first going to appear, uh, premiere at Sundance later this month, and then it's going to hit um, Netflix on February 1st. I'll be honest with you. I'm going to start off here. When I saw this trailer at the beginning, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be a quirky comedy about like the art scene. And then it takes this completely different turn where they're talking about like these pieces were, you know, painted by a dead man who used like blood in the paintings and he hated people that were rich and this is like his paintings are like a way of revenge. I, I don't know. I'm hooked now. I'm hooked. Like I don't think that this is going to be like as. It's not like I'm saying like oh this is going to be like you know Jordan Peele's us like this is going to be that good. But this does look pretty fucking good for a Netflix movie. Yeah. The vibes of this trailer um, like was reminding me a lot of Sorry to Bother You. Did either of you guys see that movie this year? I did. I was not. Oh a, yeah, you yeah. didn't like it. I'm not a no. I. I liked parts of it. I don't like... Have you watched it again since no. you know what happened? No. I, I, I don't I wonder li- what it would be like. I don't like the twist. I know. It's what just if you know if it's coming? Maybe you'll like it more. I don't know. I don't know. It's. It, I don't think so. It's that twist that is so weird. It just... Yes. It is. Like, you I, just have to like accept it very quickly and move on. And that's... I can feel like that's kind of hard to do yeah i couldn't get over it okay if you want to watch a good movie that tackles like you know i don't know if you want to watch a good movie that comes out of the bay area and that tackles like you know uh racism and things like that watch blind spotting so yeah i haven't seen blind spotting yet but it's very very high it's subjective it's subjective like everybody i know most people that i've talked to loved you know sorry to bother you so you know i I know. But this just seems like it's going to be doing something um, like trippy looking yeah. that like is going to turn in like a really wild, like kind of horrific direction, which I thought was really fun and sorry to bother you. Hopefully this will be more of your alley since it seems like it's going to be way more upfront about what's going on. Yeah. OK, because in the trailers for Sorry to Bother You, I'm sorry, but I didn't see the. They didn't give away the big twist. No, no. Yeah. They didn't even hint at it no. through the whole movie. No, no, they did not. Um, Which is like the best kept secret of 2018, I think. It really was. But here we go. I don't know. I I thought that this trailer looked pretty, pretty good. I'm down. I'm down for this. I really want to see Velvet Buzzsaw. I'm hoping that it does get a theatrical release around here. I'd rather see it in the theater uh, with a group of people reacting to the things that we're seeing here. But I thought, you know, like 
paintings that uh, are trying to pull you into the painting and kill you. I haven't seen that since Ghostbusters 2, Jake. I want to see it. <laughs> yeah, I like this too. It was a high taste for me. Like, And I, I'm kind of with you. Like the first half, it was like a quirky, like kind of Andy Warhol yeah. homage comedy thing going on. And then when it got to the art coming to life and, you know, stalking him in an alleyway and just how creepy everything looked like the hobo man thing was very creepy. And yeah. Yeah. This, this looked very intriguing. And with the cast like that and, you know, hard to look away. I'm, I'm definitely here for it. I, I would watch this in the theater too, honestly, if it was easy to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give it a high taste as well. What, what are you thinking, Melissa? Um, I'll give this trailer Tupperware. There's another person in this cast. Uh, her name is Zowie Ashton. She's in um, a UK comedy called Fresh Meat that I binged on Hulu last year. And her character is outrageous and hilarious. And I was like screaming excited to see her in this trailer. So nice. Uh, the cast is just stacked and it's got this like she's probably more like known in the UK. But I'm like really excited to see her in something big over here. Jake Gyllenhaal's second. I believe this is his second Netflix film after Okja. Oh, I forgot about that. So, and I really enjoyed Okja. I thought Okja was great. And like his character is so bizarre in that movie, but it worked for some reason. I don't know. I'm, we'll see. And I just, you know what? Fuck it. I'm also going to give this a Tupperware. I really, it's Dan Gilroy and it's Jake. I'm giving it. I loved it. I did. I loved it. I'm giving it a Tupperware. Fuck this. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'm giving it a Tupperware. This looks great. I can't wait to see it. Because my excitement this, level is through the roof. I, I will see this in the theater now. This trailer did get me. And this is February, right? Yeah, this is February 1st on Netflix. But it'll, yeah, it's going to premiere later this month at Sundance first. And then February 1st on Netflix. And then it might get a theatrical release after, you know, during its uh, Netflix run here. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that looks good. Weird City. Let's talk about Weird City. YouTube mm. Premium has premiered the official trailer for Jordan Peele's new anthology sci-fi comedy series, Weird City. In addition, a February 13th premiere date has been set. The story is set in a near future city called Weird with no middle class, only those above or below the line and is presided over by the mysterious Dr. Nagari who weaves uh, all of our stories together. Uh, Each episode is a topic that pertains to present-day life in America and the world, social media addiction, online dating, fitness obsession, and more. Weird City takes a satirical look at the current day we live now through the prism of the not-too-distant future. Um, And basically, yeah, it's just a society of two classes of people, above the line and below the line. Um, No middle class. And so... Uh, cast is Dylan O'Brien, Aquafina, Michael Cera, Rosario Dawson, Stephen Yun, uh, Ed O'Neill, Hannah Simone, Jillian Jacobs, Laverne Cox, Malcolm Barrett, Mark Hamill, Yvette Nicole Brown, LeVar Burton, and Sarah Gilbert. Uh, it's an anthology series, um, and it's uh, Key and Peel. Yeah, Peel and former Key and Peel writer Charlie Sanders penned the series. I, um, I. I Tupperware this too. I, I'm a huge. Fa- I was a huge fan of Key and Peele when it was on, and to like have this guy like reunited with one of the writers from that show, and with this being an anthology series. Fucking Jordan Peele's doing everything. He's doing the doing the uh, CBS All Access Twilight Zone. He's doing Us this year. He's got this coming out. 
I think that this looks really fun. And I think it looks kind of like, um, I don't know, like, like just this, I want to see what weird city is like. I want to see how this world is with just two classes, you know, like the, the upper class in the, in the trailer is talking about like, you know, people at the laundromat doing their own laundry. Like they have no (laughs) idea what that's like. I, 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 and, 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 uh, a world where there's like no physical contact, like people like pleasure themselves just by putting like, was it like VR headsets or something? Yeah. Yeah. And everyone was just kind of lazing and potatoes, kind of like a Wally future. A little yeah. bit it reminded me of. Yeah. I, I, I'm also going to give this a Tupperware. I think this looks fantastic. I, there's nothing like it. And it's from the mind of Jordan Peele and Charlie Sanders. And I can't wait for it. What'd you think, Melissa? Um, I'll give this one a just a high taste it mostly because like anthologies don't typically work for me. Um, I like longer running stories with characters. Um, but looking on the cast list, it seems like a lot of these people are in like three or four episodes. So hopefully that stuff is like more connected. So when this actually premieres, it'll be a Tupperware for me, but the anthology thing is the only thing I'm not really loving about it. Um, but I mean, the cast is insane. It's like crazy that YouTube got all these people, but obviously I assume they they're doing it for Jordan Peele. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, it's 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 an anthology, but it all revolves around kind of like the city, weird city, you know. Yeah. So it, I, I'm gonna Tupperware myself, and and it's for that reason exactly, Brian. I I find it really. Fa- I think it's a really unique idea to do an anthology show that's also going to attempt world build, building. Because yeah. yeah, yes, it's an anthology show, but every episode you're going to learn more about this like central area. Like it's all going to take place within not the same narrative but the same world i think that's a really unique fascinating way to kind of tell a story it's a little bit half and half of an anthology and like a world building future experiment so i'm really excited for this of all the trailers we watched this was the one that got me the most excited yeah yeah i think it looks really good i can't wait to see it so yeah another youtube show um i wonder if this is going to be included in that youtube premium if they're just going to yeah, it's YouTube Premium. Huh. Yeah. So when does it start that you can watch YouTube Premium just with commercials? That's going to be happening, I think, towards the end of this year and early next year. And it's... Oh, cool. So I'm going to pay for this show. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what's going to happen here. Um, yeah, this is going to premiere February 13th. It's called Weird City. But I don't know. We'll see what happens with shows like this. It'll be interesting once everything starts getting ad supported. We'll see if YouTube can kind of keep up with this stuff. I, <clears throat> we might see shows like this go by the wayside once it all gets ad supported. It could go either way. The, the ad supported thing maybe could actually end up being a big revenue hit for YouTube too. <sighs> it, it just the, that with that announcement that they had, um, it just seemed like they were kind of veering away. Like it, it felt like to me, like they were like YouTube premium is not, it's, it, it's not really bringing in the profit that we thought it was going to bring. So like we're, we're, we're changing, we're, we're going back to YouTube celebrities and we're going to have YouTube celebrity shows. It just felt like they were going in a different direction. Like they weren't going to continue with like shows no. like impulse yeah, and Cobra I- Kai and stuff like that. So, yeah, I agree with that fear. They definitely didn't get the subscriber base that they expected with all the red stuff and everything. 
and they very may it may be very celebrity based, but yeah. it does seem like they've got their foot in the puddle a little bit still. Yeah, it's just it's just like you know, if 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 you're changing, it, I just know like with with YouTube and like some of these different streaming services, they're thinking to themselves like, okay, we tried to do the Netflix thing, that ain't happening. We can't we <laughs> we can't comp- compete with the Netflixes. So what do we do? with our image to make ourselves different at this point. And if they've got a completely new direction that they're going in, like, I don't know how those other shows are going to fit into that image. And I, we've seen, we've seen other networks like sci-fi axe a bunch of shows. And we're just like, why are you axing that show? You know, like I, and you're canceling another show and, and it's because they're cha- they're totally changing their image, and so we'll see we'll see what happens, Jake. I'm not saying all of them are going to get cut, but I'm saying like I definitely can see some of these shows, like maybe you know Impulse and Origin, and some of these shows getting cut and not renewed. So, do you yeah, think definitely. if YouTube cuts them, like someone else would have the opportunity to pick them up? I hope so. I really Me too, do because I loved Origin. So did I. Origin was so good. I I'll be honest with you, like I I watched uh, what was it the. Night Flyers, I watched like the first five, six episodes and I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah, I watched the first episode and it was like, I wa- and it was right after I finished Origin. So yeah. I was like, if I want to watch this, I'll just go watch Origin again. Exactly. Origin was so <laughs> fucking fantastic. It was so good. I was like, yeah, I want, yeah, I, I want to see that show come back, you know? So, yeah. And if it get, you know, that's one of those where you'd want to see kind of like Amazon or Netflix pick it up, you know, because they, they could put a lot into the budget. So. Yeah, and Amazon's out here saving sci-fi shows, so they've got a market for that type of thing. That's true. They recently (laughs) saved what was the show that they saved from sci-fi? The Expanse. The Expanse, which a lot of people were very happy about. Jeff Bezos is a fan of the show, so like a lot of people were just saying like he's just saving the shows that he likes. (laughs) So I, fucking more power to him if that's what he's doing. Start tag him in the YouTube origin comments. No shit. (laughs) Hey, check (laughs) this out. Yeah, get him on that show. Well, he's getting a divorce. He's going to have a lot of time on his hands to watch some TV here. Oh, I read that. I read yeah. that. All Did right. you read the text that he was sending his, like, little girlfriend? No. no. Okay, so, oh, man, I wish I had this pulled up. He's, like, his quote-unquote sex were released, and one of them was like, like, I can't wait to, like, see you or whatever, and he called her a live girl. Which was the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Like, as opposed to, what type of girl? Like, would are you, you be talking to? Dude, are you fucking like robots and shit? Yeah, like, and the tweet that I saw was like, Jeff Bezos looks like, like, seems like he's an AI sex team. <laughs> oh my god, that is crazy. <laughs> why would like like why would you choose that word? A I live- it's so weird. Like why? Yeah, of course I'm a live girl. Like why do you have to throw that out there? That is so weird. <laughs> what other girls are you talking to? No, this guy is fucking. This guy is fucking dolls, right? I mean, it seems like it. <laughs> Damning texts that were purchased by the National Enquirer. Oh, I'm getting ready to check these out. <laughs> oh my gosh! Let's take. Yeah, you can read those. We'll take a break. <laughs> we'll take a break and we'll come back. I got some more stuff I want to talk about. 
ever wanted to try those pre-portioned, make-at-home, fresh ingredient meal kit services such as HelloFresh or Blue Apron, but the price tag is a bit out of your budget? Here's a new, well, it's used, meal kit service for you to take a bite out of. Brown Apron. Brown Apron is a meal-by-mail service that cuts the cost while also cutting the quality of the ingredients they send you. The company was started by a couple of bottom feeders surviving off the damaged, discarded, and returned items from the dumpster behind Blue Apron's order processing plant, and it quickly grew once they realized they could sell the garbage for profit on the internet. And because you're listening to this podcast today, you can enter the promo code BUGCHECK at checkout, and the Brown Apron team will give your first order a second glance to comb through it for bugs and stuff. Check out Brown Apron today. You won't be disappointed that you hadn't heard about them sooner. Bug check promo code may only be used once and only applies to your first order. Ingredients provided may or may not make a complete meal and do not come with a recipe. Do not order from Brown Apron if you have not had a tetanus shot within the last eight years. It is not recommended to feed garbage to children under the age of 12. Brown Apron provides no freshness guarantee. All right. Hey, we are back. Um, yeah, I earlier I mentioned that, you know, we had an iTunes review that, like, uh, uh, they gave it to us. Uh, they gave it to me on my birthday. Um, my buddy Dan Seipel, Jake, who you've met before. Uh, oh yeah, he sent me a belated birthday gift, and he just sent it to me in a text message. And he's like, "Oh my god, you're gonna shit yourself." So not everybody's gonna get this, but like, um, there was a basketball player that played for the Chicago Bulls for a couple seasons, um, Brian Scalabrini, and um, he's like one of those like guys who they would throw in during garbage minutes of games like towards the end of a game if the bulls were up like by like 30 40 points people would start chanting scalabrini and they would bring in brian scalabrini and brian scalabrini would just play garbage minutes and like anytime brian scalabrini like made a shot people would go nuts i at one time had a facebook fan page called brian scalabrini for all-star game and I had like like two three thousand people join this page. It was ridiculous, and we were all Brian Scalabrini fans. Well, Dan's gift to me was a video of Brian Scalabrini wishing me happy birthday, and I just want to play it real quick. Oh, that's amazing! It is Brian oh, Scalabrini, aka the White Mamba, and here to wish you a happy belated birthday. Now, here's the thing: I don't know if this is a day late, a week late, a month late. Hopefully it's not a year late because obviously a year later and you get a shout out birthday message belated, that's kind of lame. But needless to say, I think happy belated birthday messages are sweet because everyone bombards you on your birthday. I come in like, like I said, whether it be a month later and all of a sudden you're like, oh, cool. White Mamba giving me a shout out on my birthday. So hope you had a great day. I hope you did what you wanted to do. Typically on my birthday, it's all about me. I'm going to give it my boys, and I'm going to play some hoops. And if they don't show up, they're not my boys anymore. That's how you get one chance. When White Mamba says it's my birthday and we're playing pickup at 7 a.m., that means you got to get out there at 7 a.m. I don't want to hear this. i got to take the kids to school or anything like that. So it's not about me. It's about you, Brian. So, Brian, hope you had a great birthday. Like I said, I hope you did what you wanted to do. Now let's get down to brass tacks, culture, pop culture, leftover podcast, it's the greatest podcast on pop culture. <laughs> I don't get my information from people. He has never listened to us before. Or I don't get my information from any of those uh, smut magazines, even though you guys probably get all your information from there. 
I get my information from <laughs> Whoa, Pop now. Culture Leftovers Podcast. That's it. I want to know what's going on in the world. Boom, Pop Culture Leftover Podcast. That <laughs> is what's up. And White Mamba 100% approves of the Pop Culture Leftover Podcast. All right, so Brian, happy belated. Hope you had a fantastic time. And keep doing it because... Uh, Without you, I would not know about the Kardashians or Kanye West or anything going on in pop culture. All right, Brian, I'm out. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, my God. I can do an hour of podcasting on that message. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, like his nickname was the White Mamba because, like, Kobe Bryant's nickname was the Black Mamba. So everybody called Brian Scalabrini the White Mamba. And I think it, uh, my it, favorite part was when he went into the obviously really personal experience of being ditched by his boys that had to uh, stay home with their kids. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Oh my God. That is so cool. Like you have no idea. Like I, I used to go to, you know, Chicago Bulls games and, and man, I was one of those people in the stands, you know, chanting for Brian Scalabrini to go out there and play some garbage minutes. You know, it was a good time. <laughs> and just to hear him say my name and, 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 and he's clearly never listened to our show. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah, pop culture leftover. That's where you get all your Kardashian news. <laughs> oh, so thank, um, thank you, Dan. I really appreciate that. It's funny. All my friends named Dan are drummers. Dan Ramirez, who does Heroes of Noise, he's a drummer. Dan West, he's a drummer, and then Dan Seipel, he's a drummer. So like all the Dans I know in my life are fucking drummers. Um, I saw. I went to the theater this week, and I uh, it was a Thursday Fathom event. And I saw Modest Heroes from Studio Ponoc. Uh It was a uh, anime. They're the same studio that did the Mary and the Witch's Flower that I reviewed last year. And uh, <coughs> excuse me, guys. Modest Heroes is an anthology of three stories created by some of the greatest talents working in Japanese animation today. The film is the first volume in the Studio Ponoc short films theater anthology. And it includes films directed by Hiramasa Yonbayashi. Yoshikiyu Momosi and Akikiho Yamashita. Uh, the stories, uh, the, there's three stories here. I didn't know what to expect with this one, Jake. It was um, an hour and 10 minutes long. Um, each one of these is about, you know, anywhere from like, you know, uh, 15 to 20 minutes. And then there's like a kind of like, a, you know, the, the director of Studio Ponak was. Um, uh, did like an interview at the end of it, but I didn't. I didn't really know what to expect with these. You know, I love Mary and the Witch's Flower, and basically what this does is each story shares kind of like a different aspect of life. Like the first story was Canini and Canino, and it was about these kind of like remember like um, the Littles when we were kids, those little people. Remember that mm-hmm. show? These are like really little people. And they live out in like the out in nature, and they can live above water or under the water. They can breathe underwater, above water. Um, they've got like their own, you know. There's just a few of them, and it's just a small little family. And uh, they defend, you know, they fend for themselves, and <clears throat> they can be eaten by fish. And and um, it was just a, a story of like the their mother went away while she was uh, in her pregnancy. Um, and it was the father was left with, uh, the two kids to take care of them. And, and, um, it's a story of survival 
And then it's a story not only of survival, but then like, you know, new life when, when the mother comes back and, and she's got the babies and stuff. But um, kind of like a little action adventure here where they, you know, battle a very large fish that uh, that tries to tries to eat them. I, I thought it was fun. I really enjoyed it. It was good. I, I would give that first story a high taste it. The second one, I would give a Tupperware. And I thought like at the beginning, the second one was like the worst story at the beginning i was like what the fuck am i watching here it's a it's just an anime about a kid with food allergies but the thing that's bizarre it yeah it really is but it's it it's actually pulled from a true story of like you know some some the the guy who uh isn't uh who runs studio panak he knows the people that are really involved with like this they had a child that had a severe allergy to eggs if he ate eggs he could die i mean And so, like, that's the other aspect of life here is, like, you know, not all of us have that fear um, of, like, you know, I can eat an egg right now. I can fry an egg right now. And, like, in this, like, you see, like, eggs to this kid are, like, it's a matter of life and death. Like, he gets lost at, like, a, you know, like a a fair, like a county fair like we'd have here. And somebody walks by and they have, like, they have, like, a dessert that has eggs in it and it just brushes against the kid's face and like from that moment, he like he can break out and and uh, go into shock and 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 you know it, it's all about like giving him a shot to keep him alive. I mean, you got to rush him to the emergency room. Like, I don't know. It, it it really captured like how how much the mother loved this kid and like she would come down on him pretty hard. And there was things that he could and couldn't do. He could live. He could like live his life like a regular kid. Like he's a, he played baseball just like other boys. Um, he did like, you know, uh, he, he could do physical challenges and stuff like that. As far as like, they had like the, um, you know, the, um, physical, uh, exams, um, uh, at school. And like, you know, he's like, he, he, he's sprinting and he's beating all the other boys. He's very healthy. It's just this one aspect of it. That eggs can kill him. This, this, <clears throat> this allergy can kill him. It was captured so well. And I mean, there's a point, there's a point in it where like his life is in danger and just the, the way they animate, like what this kid's going through, like, dude, at the beginning of this, I'm like, what the fuck am I? I'm watching an anime about a kid with food allergies. The next, <laughs> the next minute I'm literally like, Oh my God, this poor kid. Are they going to fucking kill this kid? You know, is this kid going to fucking die? Um, I thought I Tupperware that one. It's called Life Ain't Gonna Lose, and I Tupperware that one. Um, the last one is uh, an animator that he pulled over from uh, Studio Ghibli, and it was called Invisible, and it's about um, an invisible man, and uh, it's a part of uh, how this deals with like life. Is like some people feel like they are invisible in life, like nobody's noticing them, and so here they give this amazing animator who's really good at like facial expressions and he gives him the challenge of hey what how um how would you handle a character that has no face that's invisible he's like i can't do that it's impossible and he ended up doing it it was absolutely incredible like just the way that this guy draws action too there's a scene here where like you've got this character and he's like you know, on he's on a scooter and, and just the way this guy draws action is incredible. But like this character throughout his life goes to work, goes into different places and is not seen. And you're literally watching somebody that's not being he's an invisible man. And just the way that it 
it kind of like gets the point across that like there are people in your life, like when you go into like a convenience store or you go into, you know, like a convenience store, gas station, you go, you're going like uh, to a restaurant. You don't look at people. You don't treat them like people. And I've seen people treat other people like this. Like they go into a restaurant and they just, they treat the staff there like shit. They treat like people that they see in the convenience store like shit. Like they're not real people. They don't look them in the eye. They just treat them like shit. And this was kind of like, it kind of got that point across that we're, you know, like we all have our different stations in life and like we all are doing one thing, but we can like, you can do one thing to make somebody feel special that day. You know, like I think everybody would be in a better mood. There'd be less people depressed if we just took the time out to maybe say something nice or do something nice for somebody which is like why we rag on people at the beginning of our show with their itunes reviews but (laughs) besides that jake yeah yeah yeah. it was a beautiful lesson now we do that because it's all fun and we're just roasting people we yeah i've always considered the itunes jake i've always considered the itunes uh, read them and roast them i've always thought that it's fun oh yeah, you know that's my attitude for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for Wait, Brian, you said I thought it was like, read them oh. and rinse them. Rinse them, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I thought it No, you don't cross off. that rinse line. Don't you ever. You can take the piss out of me, but once you start rinsing me, we got problems. <laughs> Go ahead, Jake. What are you saying? Uh I was going to say, you sent me the link to this um, a couple of weeks ago, and I watched the trailer, and this did look really cool. Um, I, I can't wait to see that third one with the the invisibility and yeah. the emotion that that sounds really fascinating yeah it, it was really good I, I i it was a good experience i i really enjoyed it um i really liked the interview that they had with like the the guy who runs studio Ponok at the end it kind of like really endeared me to the studio and i hope um that this studio thrives i really do because i think that they're like you know studio ghibli kind of like basically shut down i know that they're doing a new movie now but a lot of these animators and people that work for Studio Ghibli were out of jobs. And they're like, what are we going to do? So they took that to Studio Ponok. And I really love what they did with Mary and the Witch's Flower. And this is volume one of these anthology um, stories. And so he said, like, I don't know. When are we going to stop doing these? He's like, I'll, I'll continue to do them. I mean, we could get to ten. But um, it's a, it's a, it, was, it, was really, it was really fun. And so it's called Modest Heroes. And so hopefully this will be available soon like on netflix or something because like mary and the witch's flower was was on netflix at one time it still might be there i'm not sure but yeah it's a great <laughs> avenue for um writers and artists that don't have the budget or the abilities to make these feature films right especially if they're going to do that many of them so that, yeah. that's fantastic yeah this was released like in october uh in japan and it just got here they had it for two days like the 10th and the 12th here but our theater was only playing it on the 10th. So it was like I had to go see it on the 10th or I wouldn't have been able to see it. So I'm glad I did. I'm overall going to give this a Tupperware. I thought it was fantastic. And I can't wait to see more from this studio. Uh, let's see here. Let's talk replicas. Melissa, I know you saw it. Let's talk replicas. I did see it. It was my first 2019 release that I saw. Uh, I, You know what? Okay. I think the more appropriate title for this movie, and if you've seen it, you're going to understand it. I think the more appropriate title for this movie is Fuck Zoe. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Just 
fucking canceler. <laughs> All right. Hold on. If you've seen it, you'll get that joke. A daring synthetic biologist, after a car accident kills his family, will stop at nothing to bring them back, even if it means pitting himself against a government-controlled laboratory, a police task force, and the physical laws of science. Brian Scalabrini has never listened to Pop Culture <laughs> Leftovers. Never listened to us, Jake. Anyway, uh, let's see here. Uh, this movie is directed by Jeffrey Natchmanoff. How do you pronounce Natch Natch Natchmanoff? Nachmanoff? Natchmanoff? Jeffrey Nachmanoff. I get boom. I nailed it. Fourth time. Fourth time. He's a producer and writer uh, known for uh, Trader, uh, The Day After Tomorrow, and The Tourist. Uh, this movie stars Keanu Reeves, Alice Eve, Thomas Middleditch, and John Ortiz. Um, can I don't know what do you, what do you want, can I talk about this one Melissa real quick? I yeah. Want, this is the best dumb sci-fi movie ever. Like this is like the, the you it's, it is, is it? it's it's the <laughs> hold on. Did you hear my second word? My second word was dumb. Yes, yes, yes. This is the best dumb. I think if you go into this movie expecting it to be dumb, you might enjoy this one. You've got Keanu Reeves, and he's a scientist, and he's trying to transfer human consciousness into a robot body. That's his goal as a scientist. Every time he does this, though, Jake, people, when, they, when, when they're conscious, after, they, after they're dead, and he uploads their consciousness into this, uh, this robot body, they realize that they've been transferred into a robot, and then they start to freak the fuck out, and then they start to destroy themselves. They start to, like, whoa, what the fuck? And they start, you know, being, like, ripping themselves apart and, like, wanting to just go, they just go fucking ape shit, right? Okay? So then it's time, like, you know, they, yeah, that's, that's work. That's what he does at his job is he tries to transfer, like, you know, army veterans that are dead and it tries to transfer their their minds into robots, and and uh, they end up destroying themselves. So now it's time for uh, the family to take a trip. And uh, apparently, he doesn't like to check the Weather Channel because uh, he <laughs> drives during a terrible storm, and they end up driving off a fucking cliff. And uh, they all and, and and this is where this, this well, this is where the story gets really convenient because. All of them die except for the one guy that's been trying to copy human consciousness into robots. So basically, and he is fine. What's, so what's he going to do next? Well, uh, <laughs> before someone dies or soon after, he can copy their data into this device and then transfer it uh, into the robot brain. So the family is dead, but Keanu Reeves he keeps his cool. And uh, as he's, uh, you know, as the family's dead, uh, and uh, he, as he's stacking his uh, dead family uh, by the shore um, <laughs> of this lake. Uh, Sounds he, romantic. Yeah. He, well, he, he's like a Pokemon. It's raining. He's like a Pokemon. He's like <laughs> a rom com. He's like a Pokemon <laughs> trainer. Tra- he's like a Pokemon trainer. And he's <laughs> trying to collect all of his family. They, they, they're dead. And so. Um, he he uh, he calls Thomas Middlejiz's character in this to come out, and he says, "Don't ask any questions." And he says, "Just just come, and then bring what I ask you to bring." And so uh, his character shows up, and the whole plan 
is that Thomas Middleton's character, he worked, <laughs> he conveniently worked uh, in a cloning experiment that was banned. So what they're going to try to do is clone Keanu Reeves' family, and, and then Keanu Reeves will transfer their consciousness into their new body. So that's the plan here. So Thomas shows up with these, mm-hmm. with these pods that will grow the bodies. So basically you've got these pods... And these pods will grow the bodies. You just feed it like uh, amino acids, and uh, and then and then here's the big thing: you got to check the levels. Remember that, Melissa? Check the levels. <laughs> so important, it's, the uh, levels. You got it. Yeah, so there's, number one thing. I just explained them that's, to you. That's the, the science. Levels. That's the science. You got to check the levels, and if the levels, because you can't, you got to make sure. Because if the levels fuck up. And you, they're dead. You just you fucked up. Uh, and in 17 days, if you're if you're if you're doing the things and you're checking the levels in 17 <laughs> days, you got a human body that's ready to go. So it's that like, is the exact precise age of yes. the family. When yes, they it's not like the it's not like the mom, like they had to age her faster to get her to the you know like to like her mother age. Don't you like when she no, be they're the, good to go. They're good. Seven, 17 days flat rate. 17 days and they just hit that age that they were when they died. But if they stay in the pod for too long, <laughs> they'll turn old as fuck immediately. Exactly. So you got to no, you got a choice to make here. You have to check mm. the levels and you have to check the outdate. It's like it's like it's like making people is like making sea monkeys, right? <laughs> You just gotta they clone sheep. We're all good. You just gotta fucking check the pH balance, and you're good. So it's like, yeah, it's like you know, it was just, the the only problem that we got here, Jake, is there's only three pods, man. And, and Keanu, oh man, that's Ke- a real Sophie's choice. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's, a it's a Zoe's choice. Oh, <laughs> Keanu Reeves just lost four family members. He needs another pod he, immediately. He needs another pod, but you know these pods cost one point seven million dollars, and they just don't—they don't have any more pods. So like now, it's all about like which family member do they not bring back? So this is why I called the movie "Fuck Zoe." <laughs> That's hilarious. Where does Zoe fall in line as youngest daughter? Yeah, favorite baby child. None of this makes sense. Like so now. <laughs> None of this makes sense. And that's why I kind of love this, Melissa. None of this makes sense because it's like, okay, so he's going to bring back his wife and his two older kids, but he's going to wipe their memory of Zoe altogether. Like, basically thinking, like, no one else in the world is going to notice that their youngest daughter is gone. And, like, it's clearly everybody's favorite child. <laughs> Why did you even put her in the hat to pick out? Oh, us? I know. Like, the other daughter is such oh, a... put it in a hat? Yeah. In a fucking, like, apple bowl on his kitchen table. Yeah. He, like, writes them on, like, lined notebook paper. So, like, the... like. I'd say like ten minutes of the movie is like him removing all of Zoe's shit from the house <laughs> and, and throwing it in the trash, and then like, like he straight up throws it in the trash. He just threw it in the trash, and then like Zoe, Zoe would like draw with crayon, like you know, like little characters and stuff on 
you know, furniture in the house. And like, here we got Keanu Reeves, you know, Windexing the fuck out of it, getting (laughs) getting rid of it. Oh, God. That's (laughs) cool. Keanu Reeves cries so much in this movie but like keanu reeves is not made to no cry he's terrible <laughs> he's t- like when his family died it was just like him with his head down going no no it's <laughs> 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 so bad when he cries over like zoe's name you just like see him with his head down on the table and you just see like his hand on her like piece of paper and then you know yeah. Getting yeah. Like how how was he thinking like that was gonna work? Like like no one else would notice that their youngest daughter is like not there anymore? Or like like his wife wouldn't go back to work and somebody would say, So how's Zoe doing? And they're going like, Who? Who are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> And, like, they live, like, where? Costa Rica? Yeah. Puerto Rico? Yeah. They live, like, somewhere that's, like, a small community. Like, people know this child. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it when, I loved it when, um, in order to, like, bring them back and to, like, make sure that they had enough power, like, they wouldn't lose. Because, like, during that 17-day process where he's checking the levels, you know, if the power went out, the, the family's dead. So he goes around stealing car batteries from all of his neighbors. <laughs> and then this, the police show up to the house and they're like, um, yeah, we're checking in with you to were you hit. You know, so there was a strange like, you know, thing where like uh, somebody went around stealing everybody's car battery from all your neighbors. And he's like, no, I wasn't hit. And he's like, <laughs> like, why the fuck wouldn't you lie? Just say, yeah, they fucking stole my battery, too. And like you're building a generator with car batteries and you didn't start with your own. <laughs> That's a real dick move. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, I got to be able to drive around. <laughs> <laughs> I got a family to feed. Oh my well, god! Like he can't be leaving the house. He's got to check these levels. So like, who cares if his fucking car drives? Yeah, but like at the same time, like at work, he's got a lot of shit going on at work. Because yes, he does. if he doesn't get this whole fucking like robot consciousness thing fi- uh, figured out, Jake, then they're gonna cancel the whole program. And when they cancel the program, they're gonna notice that three pods have been missing. And then, oh my gosh, then he's in trouble. I mean, dude, this is like this. <laughs> I kind of want to see this the more you talk about dude, it. Dude, I'm yeah. telling you, I'm telling you, like this movie, like is a toss it. It's so fucking terrible. <laughs> but on the flip side, I had so much fucking fun laughing at it and having a good time with the dumb science in it that it's a high taste it. I fucking had a blast with it. Oh my God. <laughs> I am not lying. I like, feel like every. I want to give it a taste. Of, I, I feel like when you're watching it, you can like feel everything in this movie like trying to work, <laughs> and then it just fucking does it. What about what about what? Okay, like what about the like the last like twenty minutes? How fucking bizarre was that shit? <laughs> okay. So I'm watching this movie. I love Thomas Middleditch. I'm like, this is great. I mean, he's doing his best. He's out here. He's just loyal. And like, he loves this family. And like, there's a cute line where he's like, hey, foster family. And it's like, oh, that's really their last name. But really, you're like a member of their family. That's so cute. And then like the twist with his character, you're like, what the fuck? It like undermines every like little bit of acting he'd been doing for the whole movie. Because it just 
flies out of nowhere and you're like, okay, I don't know what movie this is. Oh man. I don't know. I kind of love this movie. <laughs> I love that Keanu Reeves looks like fucking Tony Stark and Doctor Strange had like a love child while he's working with his like brain computer he's got because he's like spinning around. Oh my god! Yes, for, like um, like virtual like diagrams. And yes, he, like, flies his hands open <laughs> for the computer to go widescreen like in front of his face. Jake, they do this whole thing, you know, like in the you know, like in the Iron Man movies where they make it famous where you know, like Tony's using like the technology and it's like a 3D hologram and he's like, you know, he can like move stuff and zoom in with his hands and you know, that like this is like it's like yeah. it's yeah, it's like when when he is when when they've got fucking uh Keanu Reeves doing this like computer, this virtual computer thing with uh, robot consciousness. He looks like he's conducting a symphony. It's beautiful. Aww. It's fucking like the way he moves his hands and he's doing the flippity doos and he's, you know, he's he's clicking on that, he's clacking on that. Enter here, <laughs> you know, he's enhancing this stuff over. He's moving stuff over there, and that is beautiful. <laughs> This, this, this movie is so silly, dude. But I, have, I, uh, I, I did have a fun time watching it and laughing at it. Oh man, this thing will be on VOD like next week, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard this thing like leaked like really early. Like it was on, it was you could watch it online, like really early. I had somebody reach out to me and say, "Yeah, it's <laughs> I, like I've seen it. It's they're like, yeah, I've seen it. It's terrible." <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. It is terrible. <laughs> it is terrible, but it's terrible in a great way. It is like kind of a fun, bad movie. Like this would be a good movie, I think, to watch if you're like drinking with friends and you have like something on in the background, like you're like trying to stay in for the evening or whatever. But yeah, it's a ridiculous movie. Melissa, do you have anything else that you wanted to talk about for Good Pop, Bad Pop? Um, I can just um say like everybody needs to go see if Beale Street could talk it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life like I basically cried through the whole thing just every single emotion so I don't need to like go into a lot of details with that but directed by Barry Jenkins thousand percent Tupperware so yeah. good beautiful um, and I watched this interesting documentary on Netflix that I'll talk about just really quickly. It's called Shirkers. And it's like this stranger than fiction story about a teenager. Her name's Sandy Tan. Her and her friends in Singapore in the early 90s film um, what would have, I believe, been Singapore's first independent film. Um, so Sandy meets this American filmmaker when she's a teenager. He's in his like mid-30s or whatever, and they become best friends. So she writes this movie. He directs it. They shoot the movie over one summer, and then this George disappears, and she never hears from him again. So this movie haunts her. Um it's it's well known in the Singapore film community because it's a small country that this movie was being made and then it kind of just like ghosted everyone basically. Um, so decades later, the canisters of film for this movie are sent to Sandy. And I heard her do an interview about this. She said it took her three years to open them once she received them because the situation had been affecting her like that. So she made this documentary as a way to tell the story of this movie and then like kind of solve the mystery of what happened. So it's footage of her 
her in Shirkers, and then it's cut with current day interviews with her friends that worked on the movie. Hmm. Um, like, and it has a lot of interesting things like about Singapore at that time. They do um, like cut scenes where they're showing like their footage from the '90s, and then they flip to like present day footage, and it's like. They, you know, were in, like, a a cute, like, locally owned, like, convenience store. And then it flips and it's, like, the big advertising wall of, like, a parking garage or whatever. So you can see the way, like, Singapore has changed. And they talk about, um, they were basically, like, rebels or, um... I can't think of a good word. Like, they were, like, rebelling against everything in Singapore at the time. Like, for example, gum had been banned in Singapore. But in the footage of them shooting this movie, you can see their, like, production manager just chewing all the gum. Like, they were just breaking the rules making this movie. Um, They say in the film that this movie, Shirkers, is basically, like, a ghost between the lines of the film history of Singapore. Um, it's only like an hour and 40 minutes. It's a documentary on Netflix. It was really interesting. I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, I give it high tasted. Documentaries aren't my number one favorite thing. Um, this is really, really good. It's such a bizarre story, and it's just great to hear her talk about this way the movie affected her, and then you can see the footage that they filmed when they were 16 years old. Okay, so it's like... I, I I'm really intrigued by this. I really want to see this now. Um, it's kind of is it kind of like a mystery, like the way they present it, like. like- yeah. So it's like the first half. So. Just in the description of the movie, you know what happened. But the first half of the movie details, like, their relationship with this George, their relationship with, like, the scene in Singapore. And then the way they're telling it, like, builds up this, like kind of like new war story of this like vaguely villainous character just disappearing with this movie and then they talk about like how she gets it back um they try to figure out like who this person was it sounds like the like the story about the making and like what happened post this guy leaving is more interesting than the actual movie itself a thousand percent. That's totally true. He like basically like this is a gift. <laughs> like like mm-hmm. yeah, we made a shitty movie, but <laughs> like the story behind the scenes sounds like a thousand times more interesting. And the sto- the way that it this like documentary makes you think about um like artists and how connected they are to the things that they're making. Like just to say like, oh, these teenagers filmed the movie and then they never got to complete it, like doesn't sound like that big of a deal, but it affected these kids to an extreme level that mm. I was surprised by. But I mean it makes sense. You put your whole heart and soul into something and then this person disappears with it. Yeah. It's just it's it's stranger than fiction. It's an wow. incredible story. She won um a Sundance Award for this documentary for Netflix too. I'll check that out. That sounds really good. I I'm, I'm going to add that to my list on Netflix. I've been looking for a cool. good, good documentary, so I'll check that out. Um I've been watching you on Netflix. I'm 3 episodes in. I know people are raving about this. Um the people that I'm hearing talk about this are raving about it. I um it's based on Caroline Kepnes Kepnes best selling novel of the same name you twenty uh, first century love story that asks what would you do for love when a brilliant bookstore manager crosses paths with an aspiring writer his answer becomes clear anything uh, using the internet and social media as his tools to gather the most intimate details and get close to her 
A charming and awkward crush quickly becomes obsession as he quietly and strategically removes every obstacle and person in his way. Yeah, this is like, I don't know, it's kind of like a, it's a weird tale, like a weird romance. It's like, it's, it's like you take like a, a romance movie and you mix like a a dash of Showtime's Dexter in here. Uh, And, you know, you've got this like sociopath that's like obsessed with this, um, this girl. I, it's, it's Greg Berlanti is one of the creators on this one. I'm three episodes in. I, I like it enough, but I also hate it. It's, I feel the same way about it a little bit. Ha, ha, have you? How many episodes are you in? Have you been watching it? So I watched this live as it aired on Lifetime. <laughs> oh, this was so a, this was on Lifetime. It. Yeah, this is not a Netflix original. Fuck, I didn't I mean, know that. Yeah, and they, I mean, they changed their Twitter handle to you on Netflix or whatever, and it's um, advertised as an original on yeah. Netflix. So I assume that they helped pay for some of the production, which I mean, you can you can tell that this is like a higher caliber than typical Lifetime. But I mean, I watch this thing week to week with Lifetime commercials. Yeah. So <laughs> that's like another reason why, like, I kind of hate it. But when you think about it, like being on Lifetime, it makes it uh, like more palatable, I think. <laughs> yeah, I just I hate the characters like I, I, I know I hate there's nobody in this show that I like the, all the people have like no redeeming qualities. I can't stand him. I can't stand his love interest. I can't stand her friends. The only person I like in this show is the fucking poor abused kid that he lives next to everybody else is a piece of shit in this show and it was like one of those things where like i understand like people are binging this show i can't i had to stop i was like after three uh, episodes of this i was like i've got to get away from these people these people are terrible i had to stop watching it for a while i'm gonna get back to it but this is nothing that i'm gonna blaze through because it's like i do want to see where it goes but on the flip side, it's like, I cannot spend too much time. These people are fucking unbearable. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think that I would have been able to binge it either. And, like, have you seen... Uh, so the guy who plays the main character, Joe, is Penn Bagley. Uh, he's from Gossip Girl. He uh, is just roasting people on Twitter who are tweeting at him like, Oh my god, we love Joe. And he is just not having any of that. So that's kind of fun. Wow. Like, he's smart enough to realize that his character is a piece of shit, too. Yeah. And, like, when I read... So, um, one of the creators of this show is Sarah Gamble, who's the showrunner of uh, Sci-Fi's The Magicians, which that's one of my favorite shows also. Um, So, I was, like, really, really excited for this show. I thought that it was going to do, like, something super interesting. All of the press that she did talked about oh, we're going to, like, flip the script on this type of male character and we're going to show, um, you know, like, the, the the dark side of this and the consequences and everything like that. And it, this show does not do that. This show, in my opinion, like, it is it is fun to watch. I agree with that. But yeah. I don't think it does really anything that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to finish it. It'll be a while because, like, I, I really have a hard time with... I, I, I don't I'm not like with the characters. There, there's nobody that I'm rooting for. They're all <laughs> terrible. They're all terrible people. So, 
Yeah, someday if we're ever doing, like, spoilers on this show, I have a really great alternate ending, which I think would have made a way better second season. So, (laughs) R.I.P. those good ideas. Yeah, Is the second season going to go straight to Lifetime, or is that going to be a Netflix thing? I don't know. I think what I read is that once Lifetime decided not to go forward with more of this show is when they sold it to Netflix. Ah, that makes sense. Once they once Lifetime knew Netflix was interested, they were like, "Yeah, you can have it." How much you can? Yeah, give we us? don't want it. Yeah, yeah. The article I had read read about it made it sound like Lifetime just didn't think it really fit with their like product model, and they just they weren't going to go forward with the season two. Hmm. So I think potentially, if Netflix wanted to invest in a season two, they could. They would just be leaving Lifetime behind at this point. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I saw the upside today. Uh, Philip is a disabled white billionaire who feels that life is not worth living to help him in his day-to-day routine. He hires Dell, an African-American parolee, trying to reconnect with his estranged wife. What begins as a professional relationship develops into a friendship as Dell shows his grouchy charge that life is worth living it's based on a true story this is directed by neil berger um he directed the first divergent movie he was a producer and all the other ones uh he's produced a bunch of, he's directed some tv and produced a bunch of television shows this one stars kevin hart brian cranston and nicole kidman um i i know it's got like a, it's got a rotten rating on rotten tomatoes and i really like this movie a lot i i'm gonna tupperware this movie i loved it um i thought it was fantastic i'm gonna get to why maybe some people are you know giving it a rotten rating on rotten tomatoes but i'll get to that in a moment but i thought that this was a very endearing story i thought that kevin hart and brian cranston had great chemistry on the screen it looked like Kevin Hart was having a blast doing this movie. He just looked like he was having a lot of fun. Um, him and Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston, great chemistry. I, now it's like I want to see Kevin Hart, Brian Cranston, and Dwayne Johnson all do a movie together. Like I'm dying to see that movie, whatever that movie may be. I don't care what it is. I want to see it. Um, Nicole Kidman is so good in this movie. I thought she was fantastic. It was just, I mean, it, this was not what I was kind of expecting from this movie. Um, I had, I thought that, you know, it was just going to be like that cheesy thing where like, you know, he hires this guy because the guy comes in and makes him laugh. No, it's like this guy pretty much is a paraplegic and lost his wife to cancer and has all the money in the world, but life is not worth living. He's not happy and he just wants to die. So he hires the worst guy. To take care of him, the guy that he thinks is going to do the worst job, and like one of the first things he goes over is his ND, uh, um, was it NDR, um, uh, uh, the uh, non-resuscitate. Yeah, it's like um, uh, if he's ever in a situation to where you know it's like a, a life-threatening situation to not resuscitate him, not to try to save his life, and he just wants to die. And these two start to have a, a bond and, and a friendship. And, and you know, Dell makes him laugh. And, and uh, it's just it's, – it's a really cool friendship, man. And they, it plays out really well on the screen. And I, I had a great time watching this movie. I thought it was fantastic. A lot of people are upset about this movie because they, it's, it's a remake of a French film called The Untouchables. 
And that movie starred Francois Cluzet and Omar Sy. Omar Sy, our listeners will be familiar with him. He played Bishop in X-Men Days of Future Past. And he was also the voice of Hot Rod in Transformers The Last Night. But apparently, like, fans of that movie have been destroying this film on IMDb. IMDb, before this movie was even released, had this movie open to, um, to, to rate. Typically, like IMDb, you cannot give a movie a one star or a ten star before the movie's released. On the day of release, they'll open it up to where you can rate it. For some fucking reason, on IMDb, this movie has showed that it was released in 2017. So people have been able to rate uh, to rate this one for months now, Jake. And like months ago, I checked on it. It was at like a 4.5, 4.6. And that was fans of the original French film, The Untouchables. <sighs> Just downvoting it. Downvoting it before they even seen it because... Like, I am not the biggest fan of, like, I'm not a fan of, like, whitewashing films. Like, you know, Japanese films, Chinese films, Korean films, um, you know, Indonesian films. I'm not a fan of, like, whitewashing films. This in no way is a, a whitewash. I mean, they, they've, they've got a Brian Cranston, a white actor, playing the white billionaire. And then they've got uh, Kevin Hart, you know, playing the African-American parolee. I mean, that's... They've done nothing different here. They've just basically said, like, I'm sorry, like, I've heard great things about The Untouchables. I have. I've heard about this movie before. I've heard great things about it. Sorry. Nobody's fucking seen it. (laughs) So they remade it here. They got a great cast. And they've remade it. But a lot of people are really upset about this. And so, like, it's up up to a 5.0 on IMDb right now. And I don't know, like... If the Rotten Tomato score reflects people that were fans of the Untouchables, but it's at a rotten score. But I Tupperware this. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, I really I see what you're it. saying, Brian. It's not like people. It's not like they tried to make a buck by taking this uber popular franchise and movie. You know, right? Right. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought of this remake as more of like the a star is born thing like you take um like a popular story and just update it with like relevant actors and like nobody hates on a star is born for doing that a bunch of times yeah yeah it's yeah they they waited a while to do it like this this untouchables movie only came out in 2011 but you know it's it's one of those things like well i knew the movie existed but I, i've never seen it and like now I've seen a version of it and I absolutely loved it. I'm not, I just, I'm not like, I've never like, I will never go out of my way. I'm not a fan of them whitewashing these fucking films, but I don't go out of my way to get on IMDb and give something a one star having not seen it. You know, yeah, that's ridiculous. Just because of some like other agenda. Yeah. Kevin Hart is fantastic in this movie. His chemistry with Brian Cranston is great. I love seeing Brian Cranston and Nicole Kidman on screen together. Um, I, I I really loved this movie. I am going to give it a Tupperware. I I really loved the upside. I thought it was a lot of fun, and um, just a beautiful story of friendship and um, and uh, you know life after tragedy. You know and. 
a guy who's got all all the money in the world but still isn't happy and um we're all human i mean we're all human except for the owner of facebook what's that fucking mark zuckerberg that guy is a fucking alien right (laughs) he's subhuman (laughs) that motherfucker oh my gosh I think that they would easily I think he would be happier if Keanu Reeves transferred his consciousness into that goddamn robot. He would be like, finally, this is the body I've been waiting for. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, uh, upside, it looks like it's going to be the first movie to beat out Aquaman in the box office this week. Aquaman's been on top for the past couple weeks. So. Wow. Yeah, that's that's no small feat. It's just more like Aquaman's waning out than it is. This movie's a huge huge hit though i think at this point right i'm not yeah i'm not saying like the upside was like um you know gonna like if the upside went up against aquaman the first weekend i mean aquaman's destroying this fucking movie people are just you know people are just looking for something new to watch my theater was packed I, i think i think my theater for the most part had a good time so anyway let's move on into news unless do you guys have anything left no. Nope, I'm good. The longest fucking good pop bad pop segment ever. And oh, I don't think that's true, right? Eh, probably not. Who knows? Our shows go fucking five hours. Who the fuck records a five fucking hour podcast, Jake? Us guys. Who does that? That's ridiculous. <laughs> Nobody fucking does this. People think we're fucking crazy. I guarantee you, people sometimes look at the fucking runtime of this thing and they're like, there's no fucking way I'm doing that. Five fucking hours. Are you out of your goddamn mind? <laughs> Yeah, well, that's how we weed out certain people right from the start. Exactly. Well, I used to listen to the show an hour a day for five days. There so. you go. You split it, it up. You sp- now I listen to it basically all day on Fridays. <laughs> so I like the I like the old way. It was like we were like a Cindy. It was like we were full house in the nineties. Yeah, I'll go back to it. Um, that's a lo- that's not important. Why I do that? <laughs> I used to listen to it while I was working out, but I can't work out right now, so I don't. What happened? Wait, are you injured? Uh, yeah, I have a labral tear in my hip cartilage, mm. which is like basically um, like a stress injury that is going to take a bunch of PT mm-hmm. and hopefully not surgery to correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, getting older sucks. I like, like everybody knows I tore my Achilles last year, and I am scared to death to do anything on it. Like as far because you know, like I used to. You know, when I used to go to the gym, I used to do a lot of like leg workout and stuff like that. Yep. I, there's, <laughs> I there's no way I'm 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 gonna start going back to the gym, but it's gonna be all upper body and like as far as like the lower body is concerned, it'll be mostly stretches. <laughs> <laughs> so all right, I'm in the same boat. Yeah, it sucks. Well, I hopefully you'll have a speedy recovery. Hey, um, before we jump into news, uh, I told everybody at the beginning of the show that you do a podcast. Do you want to tell everybody a little bit about it? Oh, sure. Um, I co-host a podcast called Wild Pretty Things. We started as a Sharp Objects weekly recap show. Um, So when that show ended, we wanted to kind of keep going. So we've been covering things that we can kind of connect and tie back to Sharp Objects in some way, whether that be the actors or like other members of the creative team or like themes that we enjoyed exploring when we were watching Sharp Objects. So since then, we've covered Gone Girl, uh, The Witch, widows uh we most recently did the you know standard 2018 in review episode and then the next thing we'll be covering is season one of the killing Mm -hmm. um because one of the 
true detective writers worked on the killing and we're not covering true detective, but we still wanted to like tie into something that is like going to be really popular in the next coming months. Yeah. True detective uh, season three premieres tonight, guys. Yeah. Two episodes, I believe. And they've got that Game of Thrones teaser trailer, too. No shit. That's coming with it. Yeah. I think it already aired because I creeped on Twitter a little bit and Game of Thrones is officially back on April 14th. Oh, wow. There you go. That's how bad uh, True Detective Season 2 was, that uh, you had to get people to watch the third season with Game of Thrones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, Mahershala Ali, like, I don't think anybody right now wants to miss something he's doing. Right. Yeah. That's the reason I'm definitely, like, I'm tuning in, you know, tomorrow I'm watching it. Uh, speaking of sharp objects, are you guys excited about Knives Out? Yes. Oh, my fucking Every God. Every single piece of news that comes out about that movie, I'm like, please give it to me now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did not think we were going to get another Ryan Johnson movie. Like, you know what I mean? I Like, when they announced that Ryan Johnson's going to be doing more Star Wars, like a Star Wars trilogy, I was like, okay, <laughs> okay, th- th- okay, there goes any chance of getting, like, a Ryan Johnson original film. Yeah, this is Basically, it's in post-production now, and I think they're looking at this coming out towards the end of this year. This cast is fucking stacked, Jake. Insane. Jake, listen to this cast. Chris Evans, Daniel Craig, Michael Shannon, um, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tony Collette, Christopher Plummer, Christopher Plummer, Catherine Langford, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, Ricky Lindholm, Don Johnson... Um, I'm trying to think who's who's other. I know there's some more big actors in this. Don Johnson, yes. that's hilarious. Don John, he, he's going to be in Watchmen, HBO series. Miami Vice up in this motherfucker. Um, Don Johnson wasn't he? He was in the uh, he was in the the Tarantino film, wasn't he? I think you're right about that. I forget which one. Was it uh, Django? No, it was. I don't know. Fuck, I, what are we? Hey, we're in the. We're, anyway, is it Don Johnson was in a Tarantino movie, or is he going to be in the? Is he? Gonna, <laughs> oh man, oh, what's the what's the new one? The the Charles Manson one coming out. Once upon a time, Once upon in, a time in Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one too. Yeah, I'm, I was trying to look him up and see if he was in a Tarantino movie. I'm not seeing it. I, I'm telling. you, I think Knives Out. Oh, it is Django. I think Knives. Okay, my most anticipated movie is. Is definitely gotta be Endgame, then followed by you know Star Wars Episode Nine, and then I'm saying Knives Out. Then I'm going Knives Out. Yeah, that's it's definitely Endgame's number one for for me. Oh man, I, I don't even know what my number two is. Not um, not Star Wars Episode Nine. Oh, episode nine. Yeah, I just haven't seen. Like, it's like trailerless, you know. It's a sure. sight unseen. Still. But it's Star. It's Star Wars, man. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. What, what's the horror movie called from uh, Us? Us. Get Out Crater. Us. I think that's. Did you see my the trailer two. before Replicas? I saw the Us trailer before Vice. Oh, I saw it before Replicas, and I saw it before Beale Street. Nice. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah. They showed mine before Beale Street, too. But I saw I saw us before it was it was it was released online Christmas Day. I saw it on Christmas Eve before it had even been released. It blew me away. I was like, oh, my Dude, that God. The trailer is insane. The trailer is amazing. What the I was f- like crawling out of my skin. What's up with the rabbits? <laughs> oh, I know. 
that's like a trippy like alternate universe indicator for me because I'm obsessed with <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. What? Is, yeah, 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 yeah. That's oh my cool. gosh. There's the scissors and the rabbits that us the us trailer is just driving me crazy. I cannot wait to see that movie. I feel um, like that movie is going to be like too much horror for me and it's going to like really fuck me up for weeks after <laughs> I see it. That's I want it to fuck me up. I want it to fuck me up. I love one of, you can, one of my one of the best feelings for me is to be scared. I love it when shit fucking scares me as an adult, yeah. as a grown man. So few and far between these right. days. It is. It's like as a, that's why I used to go to haunted houses all the time. But like after you've gone to like the same haunted house every year and they don't change shit up, it's like uh, you know I don't know. It's I love being scared. I love being scared. And it's like none of the movies that have come out recently have done a great job of scaring me. So, man, I'm hoping he scares the shit out of me in this one. So let's move on into the news. What are we talking about? Have we talked about? (laughs) I thought we did move on to the news. Did we almost do that? I didn't even play the bumper, though, right? Yeah, I I don't think so. let's Let's move into the pop culture leftovers news officially. Jake, there was a day when I sat down and I wrote down, <laughs> hold on, I wrote down the ly- lyrics for that bumper and I sent it to that guy and I said, I want you to, I want you to, I want you to rap the, the news is gangster as fuck yo. Somewhere out there, there's an email. A correspondence of no, seriously, I could probably screenshot this of me sending um, the, the lyrics to our news bumper to, to, to an adult man and asking uh, this adult man to sing these uh, the, 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 the news is gangster as fuck. And I and, and I put yo at the end. Like that's, <laughs> that, that <laughs> that's, that's the all, best part. That's all me. Like, like this guy didn't come up with this himself. Like, he's just he's taking direction from me. I, as an adult man, I sent another adult man. Um, you know, this is what I would like, and uh, this I put this news as gangster as fuck. Yo, <laughs> that's that's what we got. The end result is what I just played, Jake. That is a thing. Yeah, well done. It still holds up to this day. It's like a fine wine. It's better today than it was then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I felt like I lost the touch there for, you know, for bumpers for a while. But, you know, you always go back to the classics. You know what I mean? And now, that, after you make that, I mean, yeah. it's like after it's, Pink Floyd makes Dark Side, what are they, how do you follow I, it up? I know. Yeah, <laughs> shit. You're, you're so true. It's like I'm always chasing it, you know? I'm chasing the... I'm chasing like my past accomplishments. <laughs> <laughs> it's a high bar. It is a high, I set a high bar when it comes to bumpers. Anyway, uh, glass reviews are starting to come in, and uh, pun intended, they are split. Uh, IndieWire says, <laughs> I got a giggle out of Melissa. <laughs> yeah. Got a giggle. It worked, Jake. Anyway, um, IndieWire says Glass Review, M. Night Shyamalan's grounded superhero movie is the biggest disappointment of his career. Variety says Glass is M. Night Shyamalan's most disappointing movie. Uh, This is from DarkHorizons.com. The first reviews for M. Night Shyamalan's Glass are in, and sadly, the consensus seems to be its disappointment. With 
30 reviews counted on Rotten Tomatoes. The film sits at 37% and a 5 out of 10 rating. Uh, that's far behind 2000's Unbreakable at 69% and 2016's Split at 76%, with Glass serving as the trilogy capper. Uh, reviews indicate that the film has moments of Shyamalan's greatness and very committed performance by James McAvoy, but for the most part, it's muddled, poorly paced, and spells things out far too much. Here's a sample of the reviews. Uh, for all the endless blather about how comic books have the power to reveal all our secret identities, one of Jackson's pronouncements about the power of narrative tropes veers close to making Glass feel like life. It's like the life itself of superhero movies. Life itself is the movie that it was an Amazon Studios film that came out with Oscar Isaac and uh, let's trying to think some of the other actors involved in that. It, bottom line is life itself did not perform well as far as like critics. Um, it's on Amazon prime right now. If you want to watch it, people, I haven't seen it yet. Anyway, um, uh, John DeFore from the Hollywood reporter says though satisfying enough to work at the multiplex, it doesn't erase memories of the ways that even movies before the objectly, objectly awful after earth and the last bender, made us wary of the words, a film by M. Night Shyamalan. Um, I've read, I don't know, some people are saying the reviews are split. I have read some good reviews about the movie, but I'm seeing a lot of bad reviews. And I've, you know, I, uh, the Slash film crew, like most of them hated this movie. Um, Tim Roby from Daily Telegraph said, Tying various loose threads together, Shyamalan can't restrain himself from adding more. The result is a lumpy tangle and the trilogy's weakest installment. I mean, Jake, I loved Unbreakable. I was not a fan of Split, but a lot of people were. And I have been a huge fan of these trailers. I love Sarah Paulson. I love these trailers that have been coming out. And... I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, this news does not get me, ups- like, worried about this movie. I don't – I'm going into this movie, and I'm not thinking that I'm going to come out happy. Yeah, I'm the same way. It's hard to not go in and, and think this is going to be a stinker, right? Yeah, it really like, is. And, I, and, and you know, I'm not going to – this isn't going to form my opinion. I'm just going to go in thinking it's probably going to be a stinker. Yeah. I will still watch the movie and give it its chance. I Me mean, too. man, man, hopefully they're wrong. Cause I, unbreakable is probably my favorite M night movie. And I, I very much like split, you know, I thought it was, I know. it was a kind of a return to form. And I forget the name of the movie that came before it, but the visit, I didn't have, Oh yeah. I, I kind of liked it. Too, you did so. like the visit. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like the visit. I didn't like split. But I want to see M. Night Shyamalan make great movies again because he has. I mean, this guy has made some great movies, but they've gotten progressively worse, in my opinion. So, you know, I, I <laughs> Melissa, like, are you looking f- are you going to is this a movie that you are inclined to see? Are you going to see uh, Glass? Have you well, seen the other movies? I haven't seen the other movies, but I when like the glass trailers started coming out I was like okay this looks awesome I'm gonna go see these movies there's a couple years there where I just like wasn't keeping up with movies so my plan was originally to watch the first two so that I'd be ready for this one in the theaters but mm. now that these are 
reviews came out, it's kind of less urgent. I get it. Because yeah. I don't like none of my movie going people are trying mm-hmm. to see this. So I'd be going by myself. <laughs> so it's like probably it's not the highest priority now. I still really do want to watch the first two because I know a lot of people really love them. And then like maybe I can just rent this one. Jake. I fucking I've already got my IMAX ticket, man. I mean, I'm seeing wow, this. Wow, you prepaid for this already? I didn't realize. Oh, I'm using my AMC A list, and I got my IMAX ticket, man. I wanted to get. Oh, that's not so bad then. I wanted to get choice seats, man. I wanted to make sure, like opening night. You know, it's this Thursday, dude. I wanted. Yeah, to make I actually sure. thought it was this week for a minute. I was like, oh my god, I'm not gonna have time to see this movie. And then I found out it was next week, and then the reviews started pouring in. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh great. I know. I'm going to go in like I don't let these I do not let these critic reviews affect my viewing experience like that has nothing to do with it. Like, you know, I just gave a Tupperware to the upside and the critics have been kind of down on that movie for whatever reason. And I, I really don't care. I just know how I felt watching the movie and I loved all these actors together and I loved their performances and I thought that they pulled it off. I will go into this movie and, you know, like I'm still kind of like high on the trailers. I love the trailers, but like, yeah, this news does kind of like dampen my excitement for the movie. But a movie that I am totally looking forward to now, Jake, is Alita Battle Angel because the Mm -hmm. review, the reviews for that are super positive. This is the movie directed by Robert Rodriguez. It's being produced by James Cameron. Uh, Chris Sylvia from Regal Movie says, Alita kicks serious hardcore butt must be experienced in 3D. Max Avery from ComingSoon.net says, saw Alita Battle Angel, a sci-fi genre landmark, offering an immersive glimpse into a future world of haves and have-nots with Rose Salazar's cyborg as its powerful avenging angel. Her photoreal CG performance is amazingly nuanced. Only complaint is the film left me wanting more. Hector Navarro from DC Daily and Nerdist said, Just saw Alita Battle Angel, and it kind of blew my mind. Can't wait for everyone to see it. More anime manga adaptations like this, please. Paul Shirey of JoeBlow.com says, Alita Battle Angel is a wild, visceral ride that offers kick-ass action, an immersive virtual world, and a surprising amount of emotional weight. Everything rests on you, loving the character of Alita, and she is fully fleshed out, strong, flawed, endearing, and rebellious. I'm also hearing, like, Paul Shirey says that the Junkie XL score is awesome in this movie. And we saw what Junkie XL did with the original Deadpool movie. Jake, my fucking... I cannot wait to see Alita Battle Angel. Yeah, me neither, man. I, I've kind of been a Robert Rodriguez fan my entire life, too. So it really warms my heart to see him do a project. I think the Sin City, even though revered and people think it's good, was still too little too late. And, and finally, he has a relevant teaming up with James Cameron, no less. He's going to have a relevant movie that people are seeming to love. And I got to tell you, I, the trailers look fantastic to me. He made his money from Spy Kids, man. We know that. Oh, oh, yeah. I know. I yeah. know. But I still want I still think there's great Robert Rodriguez movies. So do I. I love fucking Robert Rodriguez. I think he's fantastic. He's a great director. I mean, you've got directors that have like their own style and their own vision. And I'm talking about like Quentin Tarantino. I'm talking, you know, I'm, I'm, and then I'm going to throw like uh, uh, Drew Goddard and I'm going to throw fucking uh, Robert Rodriguez in there. You know, like these guys, like, like you can, like when you watch one of their movies, you can like 
feel their influence in that movie. You know, like Scorsese and, and Spielberg. Like, you can feel those directors in that film. And Robert Rodriguez has a special gift like that. So, yeah, this looks absolutely awesome. I can't wait. Are you looking forward to Alita Battle Angel, Melissa? Or do you oh, know? yeah. 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 I really am. Um, well, I love Spy Kids, so. Oh, me too, actually. <laughs> I've never Especially seen the second one. I've never seen Spy Kids. Oh my god, it's great! Uh, you would love it, Brian. It's fantastic. Really? Uh, Danny Trejo kind of steals the show a little bit in the first one. He's he's great. It's where the Machete character first appeared, I believe, was in Spy Kids. <laughs> really? I wanted yeah. to be a goddamn Spy Kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah it's I've fun. seen the Alita trailer a couple times in theaters too, and like it just looks gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, 3D. It looks amazing. And now they're saying you have to see it in 3D. Uh, yeah, I'm sold. I'm there. I'm there. Day one, I will be watching Alita: Battle Angel in 3D. Yeah, yep. I, I'm right there with you. I cannot wait. I'm excited that someone has confirmed that this Alito character is like a fully fleshed out character because that's like what bothers me sometimes about like these like big movies. It's like they look gorgeous and then the characters don't like fully make sense or you can't really get like a, a well-rounded like grasp on their personality or their decision making. So like that's one of the most important things to me for like a movie like this because like I I like action movies yeah. but I don't care about them if I don't understand like where the character is coming from. You've got to care for yeah. your main character. And I think like that's like the brilliance of like the first John Wick movie is like we see like this guy get everything taken from him. And like as much as I hate animal violence, like that's what endears you to John Wick in that first movie. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That's like Keanu being great and not being a scientist. Mm, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So no, I, I want to see a movie of Keanu Reeves as a scientist and Mark Wahlberg as scientist brothers. Mm, I'm in. <laughs> what was what was that movie that Mark Wahlberg did where he was a scientist? Oh my god, I can't remember. Oh, I reviewed god, it on yeah. the show. I reviewed it on the show a few years ago. Anyway, let's move on. Todd, I'm was it looking- the one with the oil drilling? No, no, that's not that one. I did see that. I did see that movie, and it's good. Get out of here! I'm not kidding. Rebecca, <laughs> Rebecca watched it too, and she liked it too. <laughs> Me and Rebecca both liked the drilling movie. <laughs> what was it called? It was called Mark Wahlberg Drills. <laughs> <laughs> it's worry straight to the point on that I know yeah I know I thought they could have been a little bit more creative with the title but they were just like getting lazy with it right <laughs> Todd McFarlane was talking with Nerdist and said this about the uh, the upcoming Spawn film that's being produced by Blumhouse starring Jamie Foxx and Jeremy Renner He's, here's what he said there's no joy there's going to be no fun lines in it. And it's just going to be this dark, ugly two hours worth of movie. <laughs> He's not oh, done. Oh, man, get your fucking popcorn. <laughs> he goes on to say, uh, which is essentially what a lot of supernatural horror movies are anyway. 
There's not a lot of funny in them. Sorry, guys, if I sound like uh, I've been sucking on a fucking helium balloon this entire episode. I want to apologize right out of the gate. But anyway, McFarlane goes on to say uh, there's not a lot of funny in them, and that seems to be a weird hurdle for a lot of people in this city to get over because they sort of go into a superhero Avengers default all the time. Jake, no fun lines. Uh, it's going to be dark, ugly two hours worth of movie. Um, it's just uh, they are going to suck all the fun out of, uh, uh, of, of anything in, in this movie. <laughs> I know. I can't wait. I imagine <laughs> the opening scene is like a birthday party and people are having a good time. And then like the lights dim and Spawn shows up. Starts popping balloons and shit. <laughs> Party's <laughs> over. Punches the cloud. Takes away all the fun. Oh my gosh. I, I hear what he's saying though. I mean, this is kind of lined up with what I'm honestly to give Todd credit, he's been saying the same kind of stuff about a year since the original Spawn movie came out. I remember seeing him like in a lecture hall at a Comic Con talking about how he really wanted to ground the next movie in like kind of a seven feel like the david fincher movie yeah and just do a real low budget you know dark mental horror movie and you know honestly I, to give the guy credit here we are 20 fucking years later and he's, he's kind of still beating the same drum about yeah. what he wants to do with this movie so i really do think he has a vision for this thing as as much as we kid and make jokes no i yeah and and the the other thing that i want to kind of like bring up here is like a lot of people were upset, and Jake, I'm, I'm going to throw you into that camp. I'm not saying upset, but you were unimpressed with the new Hellboy trailer. And, um, I mean, a lot of people were unimpressed by the new Hell- Hellboy trailer because they're like, okay, what is this new Hellboy movie doing that the others didn't do? And here we've got Todd McFarlane saying, like, this new Spawn film is not going to be like your traditional superhero movie. It's not going to be, it's not even going to be like the last Spawn movie. Like this is, yeah, this is different. Like you want to see like what's going to make this Spawn movie different than the 96 film. Well, that's, I'm telling you that like when you see the new trailer for this one, it's going to be dark. It's going to be a horror movie. It's going to be different. And yeah, there's going to be very little spawn. I think is going to be one of the biggest changes too. They've I think said it's kind that, of yeah. flipping the role. Like Renner, if people are expecting a big spawn showcase, that's not the case. This is going to be Jeremy Renner's movie. Well, they they've said, didn't they say like Jamie Foxx is going to get like no lines in this movie? Yeah, and I I read I just read something this week actually about it that really kind of cemented that it's going to be mostly Jeremy Renner. Like hmm. they were saying that Spawn would only be in the movie like ten, maybe ten, fifteen percent of the movie. Okay. So that it was going to be like a horror, like a psychological horror about the cop. What's the cop? I'm fucking brain farting. I can't Twitch, Sam. Twitch. Yeah. 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 That Renner's playing. And it's going to just kind of be. And that really drew the seven comparison more again, reading about that. It's going to be more like an investigation piece, right? Where Spawn is like just on the edge of, you know, reality for him. Is this going to fucking work, though, man? I think it could. I think I think audiences actually might be very hungry for something like this. I think we saw, you know, what Deadpool could do with R, what Logan could do with R. 
I think this is just another take on what you can do with the superhero genre in the R realm. There's honestly. not a lot of risk. I mean, it's Blumhouse. They're going to put $10 million into this movie, and they're going to make, you know, easily, they're going to double that easily. Easily. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm really starting to 180 about what I think about this movie. I, I'm actually starting to really, really look forward to this, and I think they might have something here. I, I'm still very scared about McFarlane as a first-time director, but there's a lot, of, lot of talented people willing to help him out, and a lot, lot of talented people in front of the camera. Dude, too. we've got Greg Nicotero and Jason Blum involved in this. I mean, yeah, Nic- yeah. Nicotero alone, just having Nicotero alone there doing. First off, Nicotero is going to probably be doing a lot of the makeup and stuff like that. But like on the flip side, Nicotero has done a ton of directing. Yeah, and we know if Renner is inspired by the material, he can really fucking bring it. Oh man, he was fantastic in. Um, uh, Wind River, and then what was Wind the River before that? Catherine uh, Bigelow oh. film. It was uh, the Hurt Locker. He was oh like, yeah, the Hurt Locker. He yeah, was I don't know. I, after seeing that, I'm I tossed that. You're right, Brian. I didn't. It didn't up, enrage me or upset me, but I definitely tossed that Hellboy trailer. Um, I have completely 180 on this though. I mean, we haven't seen a thing, but I, I'm just kind of getting more and more excited. I, I I think they're really taking this seriously. Does this something that interests you at all, Melissa, or is it something like? a wait and see for you. Do you have any experience with the spawn character? Is like- I have no experience with the spawn character. Um, it's kind of a wait and see. I mean, I, I'm like, I feel compelled to like, kind of shy away from an idea of a movie with like 0% joy, which like, I understand <laughs> what you're saying about like, horror and like thriller movies because that I but it doesn't have to be like non-stop like Avenger styles jokes for there to be like joy or levity in a movie um I'm not really interested in watching any movie that like makes me feel miserable so if it wants to be dark and wants to have no joy and no fun lines that's fine but if people are coming out of this movie saying like this sucked the life out of me, and now I hate everything, and I'm miserable. It's probably not going to be for me. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah see. I don't know. I think he's being a little bit hyperbolic. I don't think it's going to be like a Darren Aronofsky movie by any means. Like, it's not going to be Requiem for a Dream meets Superman or any bullshit like that. I, I just, I just think he means there's not going to be lots of wisecracks, right? I, yeah, I think yeah. again, the David Fincher comparison is very apt. Like, those movies are very dark, but the. There is dark humor to be found just in the situations the characters find themselves yeah. in. And I definitely think we'll get that. I think he, McFarlane's just blowing it a little bit out of proportion because that's kind of what he does. I think he wants to kind of get people like, hey, like, you're going to get a dark fucking Spawn movie here. Right. And see, the I, thing, yeah. it, we've got two actors here that definitely could pull off fucking comedy. Jamie Foxx and Jeremy Renner. Are you kidding me? Jamie Foxx started on In Living Color. You know, Jeremy Renner, one of the first movies I saw him was like, what was it, like European Europe, Euro, European Trip? It was like one of those National Lampoon's movies where they go over and like like all the guys, it's like an American Pie movie where they're all trying to get laid on a summer trip over in Europe or something. Like, yeah, Jeremy Renner can do comedy. And, you know, he's been funny even in the Avengers movie. I still think I still think Renner has the best crack ever. Uh at Iron Man. And it was, I think it was at the end of, was it the, at the end of Civil War when they're all on the raft? And he's like, 
yeah, don't ever. He says something like, "Don't ever let this guy watch your back. He might break it." And I was just, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, dude! Oh, Fuck, that's a war machine crack! <laughs> like, oh my god, dude!" But yeah. um, I think McFarlane has to beat this drum a lot too because of just the only other movie he has in his back pocket, right? For anyone else that remembers the only other spawn movie i think it is a nice refresher yeah. to tell people that hear about this that it's not going to be anything like that so you kind of do need to be a bit hyperbolic to let people know it's not going to be this giant fucking camp fest dude i saw that was. shit in the fucking theater i know you did too. too i know you did and and dude and even after it came out i was just like that was garbage but oh they got an unrated version coming out and i watched that and i was like oh fuck it's still garbage but i still love john leguizamo so whatever yeah john leguizamo was good that, that, the, the people in the movie were fine it was just yeah. a, a terrible script and terrible pacing it's pg-13 it's just a god-awful movie pg-13 spawn movie the um hbo series they did right the oh, animated series awesome fucking great i love the hbo yeah. series I feel like that's a lot in line because honestly, that show had many an episode where Spawn would just be in it for one freaking 30 second scene and the focus would be the investigations. I feel like there's a lot of uh, stuff yeah. in there that kind of informs what kind of movie we're going to get here. Well, how many- I think people might be thirsty for that, man. That's it, It's like true detective meets fucking superhero genre. And I, I think if done correct, it could work and could be a huge smash. I know it's like completely different, but like when you look at Beetlejuice, how like how 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 much of the film was Beetlejuice in? Beetlejuice was like in like what was it like eight or eleven minutes of that movie total? Oh yeah, that always blows my mind. Right, that fact. Oh yeah, it's true though. I'd have to I'd have to Google it, but it's like crazy. Oh no, it is. I, I've heard that before, and it's yeah. like it's one of those things when you hear it that you just instantly think can't be true. Yeah, but it one hundred percent is. Like they've got them spread out so much within the film that you don't realize it when you're watching it. But he's only in the movie like a total. If you add up the total time, it's like 8 to 11 minutes. I can't remember it. I have to... I mean, Jurassic Park 1's the same way. There's very, You can add up how many scenes dinosaurs are in, and it's really not much. It's less than 15 minutes. Wow. That's insane. Uh, this uh, news comes from PursueNews.com, and <laughs> uh, it's uh, titled, To the Extreme. Vanilla Ice biopic reportedly in development starring Dave Franco. (laughs) It looks like 2019 could also present interesting biopic titles for moviegoers. A new report has revealed that a biopic for rapper Vanilla Ice is in development and the project is titled To the Extreme. Um, I mean, you have to call it that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, According to a recent listing... Uh, report from Production Weekly. Actor Dave Franco has been cast to play as Vanilla Ice in the biopic. No other actors are attached to the project yet. James Franco is also on board as a producer with Chris Goodwin and Phil Van to pen the script. The project does not have a director attached yet, and it is not in active development. From the looks of it, the writers could still be in the process of penning the script. The project's possible plot details from the listings is as follows. From a high school dropout selling used cars in Dallas to having his first hip-hop single to the top Billboard Billboard charts with Ice Ice Baby, a young Vanilla Ice struggles with stardom, extortion attempts, and selling out as he makes music history. So, Jake, um, (laughs) Melissa, um, I am 100% wanting to see this movie. I cannot wait to see this fucking movie. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I hope it's not like a. I hope they don't completely glorify him, though, right? Like, I, I want to see the ups and the downs, right? I want to see the Suge Knight, like, holding him over the balcony. They just said extortion attempts, Jake. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, that'll be very interesting. I, Dave Franco, I think, is fantastic casting. I think uh, it's very interesting. It sounds like they're going to take this seriously then. Hey, I'm in. Melissa, what about that Dave Franco cameo in If Beale Street Could Talk? Did that take you, like, by surprise? It, um, okay, so I knew that he had a small role. I wasn't, like, ready for him to yeah. be that character because you see him from the back at first. So you're thinking, like, oh, it's going to be, like, you know, whoever. But it's Dave Franco. I, I love him so much. So I'm basically in for this Vanilla Ice movie because of that. Um, I don't know anything really about Vanilla Ice except for Ice Ice Baby. Um, I just kind of missed him, I guess. But I... Like, I hope that they cover his time on Vanilla Ice Goes Amish in this movie because that's an important part of history that needs to not be forgotten. Oh, yeah. He was one of the original Surreal Life cast members, too. It'd be nice yeah. to see uh, some of that stuff. I've been watching the Surreal Life. It's like if you go to Pluto TV and you go to their channel called What, they show the Surreal Life shows. And I... That's that's just background shit that I have on. Like you got to understand, like when I'm doing notes for PCL, I can't have stuff on the background that I really like have to like want to watch. It's stuff that I've seen before, so I'll either be watching like True TV, like Impractical Jokers, or I'll be watching Pluto TV, where I'll be watching like old episodes. And fuck you, people! I'll be watching old episodes of Flavor of Love and like. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. That's the shit that I have. I go- love New York. I love New York. I will watch that. New York goes to Hollywood. I'm watching all that shit. Like that shit's on like, and fucking Blind Date. They've got a whole channel for fucking Blind Date <laughs> on Pluto TV. Oh Dude, it's just shit that I got on in the background, right? Oh yeah. Oh, I don't. Mind yeah. Like, I watch some pretty dumb shit just in the background myself. Exactly. So. Do you watch the Carbonaro effect? I fucking love the Carbonara Me effect. Me too. I've been watching so much of it this like last week. <laughs> yeah, they they uh, filmed a bunch of that. Uh, I think like the second or third season was actually filmed here in Springfield, Illinois. Wow, nice. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. It does. He, I know. Excuse me. He does a lot of his stuff in Chicago too. Yep, he does uh, filming in Chicago as well. But yeah, so um, yeah, the surreal life when he was on the surreal life, dude. He had fucking um, who? Uh, there was a. Uh, Ron Jeremy was on that season. Tammy Faye Baker was on that season. <laughs> uh, Eric Estrada from Chips was on that season. And oh, then yeah. I recently just watched the episode where they had to do like a like a challenge for charity where they had to all work in a restaurant together, kind of like an old kind of like, you know, like 50s diner and get food out on time. And uh, the 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 task leader for that challenge was uh, Gary Coleman. And man, Vanilla Ice pissed him the fuck off, dude. Oh, I remember that episode. Yeah, they had um, they had uh, Todd Bridges, who played Willis on uh, Different Strokes, come in. And then, you know, Gary Coleman, of course, child actor, uh, played uh, Arnold. And uh, they had both of them together. And the whole episode, like, Vanilla Ice is like, Picking up Gary Coleman like he's a doll and just like swinging him around and acting like he's going to like drop him in the fryer and shit. And then and then he fucking he like grabs Gary Coleman, takes him over to Todd Bridges and says, 
He's like, you got to say it. What you talk about, Willis? You got to say it. Dude, Gary Coleman got so pissed and just fucking walked off. He walked. He left. He, like, got a car and left. I was like, That's oh the my God. best part of those shows. <laughs> I love the surreal life. And, like, the episode where, like, him and Ron Jeremy, him and Ron and Jeremy were fucking really good friends on that show. And then Ron kind of, like, stabs him in the back and shit. And Vanilla Ice goes fucking crazy on Ron Jeremy. And like yells at him and shit. I love those episodes. And then uh, Vanilla, we're not even talking about this fucking movie. Did you ever watch the the Home Improvement show with Vanilla Ice where he was doing like the Home Improvements? No, no, I didn't know that existed. Biopic. (laughs) Yeah, he was doing that. So I want to see his. I want to see his rise to stardom too. I want to see like you know him like coming up with like uh, you know the lyrics for this and as a young kid and stuff like that. And then I want to see him like. uh, I want to see like him when he was dating Madonna. I'm like, fucking Vanilla Ice. Did he, didn't they date for a little while? Or did didn't they? Vanilla, I, Google it right now. Don't go to Spotify. I know it's a music <laughs> star, but didn't didn't wasn't Vanilla Ice with Madonna for a while? Didn't she want to go I didn't out with? Know him? about that. I she, think that I, I think she like made flirtatious mentions. I don't know if they. I'm looking it up. Okay, I knew that there 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 okay. is a connection between them. Vanilla Ice said that Madonna was a great lover during their eight-month relationship in 1992. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Did I, like, weren't they dating during when she came out with that movie, Truth or Dare? Wasn't that, was, I don't know, I don't remember if he was I mean, that, in that movie. That's around that time, I think, is 92. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I want to see this movie. I want to see the Suge Knight stuff. I mean, you know, like, basically, like, didn't he... Didn't he get him for like a million dollars, and that's like how they started like Death Row? This is, we're gonna have to watch this biopic. <laughs> it is like it was. That is how they started Death Row, right? Is getting all the money from him for. Yeah. Yeah, like he held him. He like didn't he like hold him over a fucking balcony and like threaten to kill him? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And he called and he called him a thug and all that stuff. Shook Knight's passed away since then, hasn't he? No, dude, he's fucking. He fucking just like he's in jail. He's in jail now. He got he fucking yeah. like didn't he like hit somebody with his car? Yeah, but I can't remember. Was that just a hit and run or was that like a it was, hit? It was a hit and run. I think. I think it was a hit and run, and so like now he's got like he's in prison or some shit. Twenty eight years in prison for a hit and run death. Yeah. Yeesh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I want to see this movie. I don't, yeah, I don't want to see him try to explain like you know the lyric, the the beat to Ice Ice Baby and how it's different than uh, Queen's uh, Under Pressure. <laughs> yeah, how much involvement do you think Vanilla Ice will have in this project? Zero, if any. I don't know, man. It's one of those weird things where like he hates that part of his life, that part where like if you watch him on the Surreal Life, like they've got pictures of him as Vanilla Ice back when he like had the fade and all that shit and. And he takes a red marker and he crosses it out. He hates that part of his life where he was like, you know, a corporate fucking puppet, you know, in the music industry. And like, you know, he hates that part of his life. And so, like, I don't know. I mean, I could I could definitely see him being hard to work with as far as this is concerned. And after seeing kind of how that kind of thing affected like Bohemian Rhapsody, they're better off for it. 
We'll see. So yeah, you know, it, yeah. They don't want to. They don't want to make it just glorified goodness. Right. You're better off leaving the artist out of it. Thank you. It's not like yeah. We don't need Brian May showing up to, you know, try to make the band look great or like make different. You know, I want to see. I want to see how it really was. And it's like if you try to just like make Vanilla Ice just look great this entire fucking time. Didn't he get in? He got. In, I thought he got in trouble like stealing shit recently when he was doing that home improvement show <laughs> that's funny i wouldn't be surprised i don't know anyway uh let's see here we do, we do a quick break let's do a break you want to do a break yeah we'll be back yeah. we'll be back in a moment with more pointless shit that we talk about every week all right <laughs> Jake, one of the, uh, the I was about, like the surreal life with Vanilla Ice. There was an episode where they had to go out to all the different neighbors in the neighborhood and uh, give them like brownies that they had made, and uh, and so like they they went they they gave like this one guy a brownie, and uh, he was very happy to meet Eric Estrada. Had no clue who Vanilla Ice was. You could kind of tell. What's his name? Robert Van Winkle in real life. Is that his real name? I, that is correct. I know if the Van Winkle part is right. Yeah. I yeah. think Robert is correct. Yeah. Robert Van – so Vanilla Ice goes there and, like, the guy had no idea who Vanilla Ice was, which kind of blew my mind. I thought everybody knew who that guy was. But anyway, they go up to this one one lady's house and it's this German woman. She opens the door. And she looks very annoyed and she goes – I do not like celebrities and then shuts the door in their face. And so like, as they're walking down the street, vanilla ice and you got Tammy Faye Baker there. Like, you know, she was like a Christian evangelist on TV, very spiritual woman. And you got vanilla ice yelling. He's like, fuck that German bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yelling down the street. So all the neighbors can hear him. Oh man. He's a, he's just a breath of fresh air. Isn't he? I, I think he's great. I love him. I think he's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just doesn't, like, you know, he doesn't hold it back. He's very emotional. He gets heated. I don't know. I like the guy. He's crazy. <laughs> anyway, news here from Screen Rant. Netflix announced a new project titled Love, Death, and Robots, an animated anthology series presented by Deadpool director Tim Miller and David Fincher. Did I just blow your fucking mind? Yes. Yeah, what a, what a team up there. <laughs> yeah, uh, this series is a collection of 18 shorts that span the science fiction, fantasy, horror, and comedy genres with Miller and Fincher executive producing along with Jennifer Miller and Josh Donan, Miller said in a press release. Love, Death, and Robots is my dream project. It combines my love of animation and amazing stories. Midnight movies, comic books, uh, magazines of fantastic fiction have inspired me for decades, but they were relegated to the fringe culture of geeks and nerds of which I was a part. 
I'm so fucking excited that the creative landscape has finally changed enough for adult-themed animation to become a part of a larger cultural conversation. So the project uh, brought together animation studios, directors, and artists from all over the world to create shorts that are charged with a mix of energy, action, and unapologetic dark humor. The animation style will vary from traditional 2D to photoreal 3D CGI. And each story will be 5 to 15 minutes long. Netflix also shared a couple of teaser images. And, uh, yeah, this is going to be Tim Miller and David Fincher involved in a Netflix uh, anthology animation series here. Um, It looks like... uh, In addition to this, this is not the first time Miller and Fincher have worked together back in 2008. They were were set to produce a direct one. One of each animated tales based on the sci-fi and fantasy magazine Heavy Metal. Um, I loved Heavy Metal when I was a kid. um, Yeah, me too. It doesn't hold up too well, though. I still love it for the nostalgia factor. I think it's better than than Heavy Metal 2000. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, so... um, this kind of blows my fucking mind. I'm another Netflix thing. Love, Death, and Robots. Uh, Tim Miller and David Fincher. Yeah, I'm down. I want to see this. Could be yeah, a lot of fun. I'm kind of all in, even without footage here. Yeah, yeah, me too. Even though it's um anthology, which I said earlier tonight, isn't my favorite. But, I mean, I'll pretty much try anything once. <laughs> well, instead of think about, uh, thinking about it as an anthology... Why don't you just go into it just thinking it's like uh, just a new show every time? Yeah, and I like I tried it, and I guess it's like I should be watching this stuff just in those small increments. But if I'm going to sit down and watch like two hours of TV, I don't want it to be switching up every you know twenty thirty minutes or whatever. How do you feel about Black Mirror? I don't really like it. Really? Is it so? It's the anthology part part of it. Yeah, it's like, and maybe it's just like because when I watch TV, I'm typically watching a bunch of it at one time, and so I want to kind of get immersed in like one whole story. And like when I'm watching Black Mirror, it's like start and stop and start and stop, and that kind of throws me off. So mm-hmm. if I like switch my method, I think, and start just planning on only sitting down for an hour or like planning on just watching just the one thing for what it is, I'll probably enjoy it better that way. I just and it's slow your, to make personal changes. It's your mindset. It's a, yeah. yeah, I get it. It, it, I, Yeah, I don't know. Um, did you ever watch, like, uh, I don't know if this is before your time or not. Did you ever watch any, like, anthology horror shows, like Tales from the Crypt or Tales from nope. the Dark Side? Uh, I watched, like, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Okay, yeah. I can't really remember if it did, like, the anthology thing, though, because I really only remember the one episode, and it's when there's, like, a monster... <laughs> In the pool. You're good for one episode. <laughs> you're good for one episode and you're done. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, you know, you're kind of like, I, yeah, I, I hear this is an anthology. They switch it up in the next one. I'm out. You're like, you're like George Costanza telling a joke. Yeah. I tried with uh, the Romanoffs on Amazon. Like that wasn't really working for me either. Yeah, I don't know. I've heard good things and bad things about that. So I don't know. One of the episodes I watched was like really great. But then I'm like, okay, I want to see more of these characters and they're just gone. Hmm. Yeah, that would kind of drive me mad. Uh, Revenge of the Fans is reporting that Joel McHale and Jennifer Carpenter will lead the cast of an animated Mortal Kombat movie. Huh. 
Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That could be really cool. This will be coming from Warner Brothers, who now own the film rights to Mortal Kombat. They don't know who Joel McHale is playing, but their guess is Johnny Cage, and I think that they are 100% right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Perfect. He is that character in many ways, right? <laughs> Very much so. Uh, the, <laughs> the article goes on to say, and that second name that jumped out at me, that would be former Dexter star Jennifer Carpenter. Uh, she played the title character's feisty, turbulent sister Deborah in the series and voiced Selena Kyle in Batman by Gaslight. If I had to venture a guess, barring the introduction of a new female lead, I'd say she'd be ideal for Sonya Blade. This will probably be only available. Yeah, this is the part, Jake, that I don't like. This will will probably only be available on Warner Brothers' own Warner Media streaming service that they plan to launch by the end of this year, early next year at the latest. So it's going to be one of those things where it's like, oh, you want to watch the new Mortal Mortal Kombat animated movie starring Joel McHale and Jennifer Carpenter? Well, yeah, you're going to have to subscribe to Warner Media's new streaming service. But other than that, I love this news. Yeah, you had me really excited, but I mean, uh, hopefully it's not too hard to access that service or expensive, I guess. What are you thinking? I mean, I mean, we've got Warner uh, Warner Media. Warner Brothers has a lot of great movies, right? I mean, it, it's fuck, dude. It's like um what are they going to do? Like, you've already got Disney Plus saying that they're going to be cheaper than Netflix, considerably cheaper than Netflix. Is like Warner's is already getting my money for DC Universe. Like, are you seriously? Are you seriously going to charge me more money to get Warner sure. Warner Media? And like, then like, how are you going to make you know Warner uh, DC Universe is seven ninety nine a month if you buy the monthly option? Like, you can't tell me that Warner Media, which is going to have like. If you're if you're talking about Warner Brothers' entire media library, you cannot tell me that it's going to be cheaper. You know, than fucking um, DC Universe. I yeah, don't, that I, makes no sense. They should, and and I know they've not been happy with the amount of subscribers they've gotten for DC Universe. They should really consider bundling these things together uh, for the same price. Honestly, yeah, they should do that. They should also do it like you know, like uh, kind of like what Disney Plus is talking about. Like once you sign into the service, there's different areas that you can go to. Like you can click on like they're talking about. Like you can click on the Star Wars stuff. You can click on the Marvel stuff. You can click on, like, the Disney animated stuff. There's going to be different areas. Like, that's what they could do here. They could basically just turn this into a Warner streaming service with... Yeah, they're trying to double dip too much. It feels like that. And it feels like, you know, it's like... I'll be honest with you. I can't live without my fucking DC universe at this point. You know, I haven't started the new Young Justice Outsiders because I'm doing a rewatch of Young Justice... Um, I want to get that fresh. I mean, it's been like five, six years since we've had Young Justice on TV. Um, and so, like, I'm Makes doing a, I'm doing a rewatch of the series. So, like, I think there's like nine episodes available now. I love DC Universe. We're getting Swamp Thing. We're going to be getting Stargirl. We already had Titans. I love the service. But, like, dude, you're telling me that I'm also going to have to pay, like, another, like, $7.99, $8.99 for Warner Streaming just to, you know watch this Mortal Kombat movie and whatever else. Like, I don't know, man. Yeah, I'd say 
combine them, you know, like have a super service that can actually like compete against Netflix and compete against the Disney plus. Yeah, can you imagine if Disney Plus tried that? Like, it just charge you separately from all those different sections that you listed off. Oh, oh I would be fucking heated, dude. <laughs> you you got to subscribe to the Marvel streaming service. You got to subscribe to the Star Wars stream streaming service. You got to subscribe to the Disney animated streaming service. It like, already sounds like Melissa's like annoyed that she's gonna have to pay for fucking like uh, YouTube Premium to watch uh, Weird City. It sounds like that's something that you want to watch and like. I don't know how many streaming services are we gonna have to like I you know I, I talk, we've talked we've been talking about this for like two three years now Jake I said mm-hmm. one day we're gonna talk about the golden age of streaming services and how we remember how easy it was you had Netflix and you had Hulu and that was it yeah I just wonder when like the bubble's gonna pop because even now um, like I with my Amazon Prime I just. Am adding channels, so that's so much easier for me to do than subscribe to new things. So if I could get DC through Amazon, I would already be doing it. And like, it feels that way with this Warner Brothers thing too. Like, I could just add it real quick for a couple months into that Amazon, not have to worry about figuring out a whole nother platform, mm. and then like drop it when I'm done, or most likely forget about the additional charge and keep it forever. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to be left out of a fucking Mortal Kombat animated movie with with Joel McHale involved, Jake. Yeah, and they knew that, which is why they're making it Uh, and putting it as the, you know, like banner for this new streaming service they want you to have. Yeah. Yeah, they're good at that. They know how to get you. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. I I think that this is the, the way to go. Um do an animated movie here. I know they've done other things in the past. There, there was, uh, you know, since the, the nineties films, you know, we had Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat annihilation. I know since then they've had like, uh, the online, didn't they have like, uh, was it Jai white? Wasn't he involved? Wasn't he like, uh, Dax or or Jax? Yeah. uh, Yeah. That made big waves too. People loved that. Yeah, exactly. So, We'll see, man. I'm I'm looking forward to this. I, I love Mortal Kombat. I think that there's some fun stories to be told as far as like tournament fighters, you know, the best tournament fighters getting together to, you know, fight for humanity in 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 combat. I I've always thought that story is fun, and I always loved the fights. I love Sub Zero. I love Scorpion. I love all these characters. Um, you know, I. I love that first movie, Jake. I'll be honest with you, dude. I saw fucking Mortal Kombat, that first movie, albeit I was fucking 16, 17 when that movie came out. I saw it like three times in theaters. I was obsessed with it. I loved it. Yeah, I it, I liked it a lot, too. I, I always thought it was far superior to uh, Street Fighter. I never was a big fan of the sequel, though, the, the old Annihilation. It was terrible. The sequel was terrible. They used a completely different actor for Johnny Cage. Um, the sequel was garbage, but I loved the original. I thought it was so much fun. But uh, if you watch it now, the special effects do not hold up at all. Like if you watch uh, Reptile in like the reptile form, it's terrible. Absolutely oh, yeah. terrible. I believe it. It was kind of the beginning of like CGI and all that kind of garbage. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Got news from Variety. Sony and Mattel Films tap Men in Black writers on Masters of the Universe reboot. 
So Art Markham and Matt Holloway have been tapped to pen Sony Pictures and Mattel Films Master of the Universe reboot with brothers Adam and Aaron Nee still directing. Adam and Aaron Nee, they also directed a movie called Band of Robbers, which is a modern take on Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer. I actually hear that the movie's pretty good. Um, I also want to point out that Art Markham and Matt Holloway, the writers, not only wrote Men in Black International, but they were also writers on the first Iron Man. So Mattel Films is partnering with Sony Pictures on the feature film, which is based on Mattel's beloved toy line that spawned a successful animated TV series from 1983 to 1985, as well as the 1987 film. The property centers on the warrior He-Man, the last hope of a magical land called Eternia, ravaged by technology and the evil Skeletor. Um, I, I'm just going to start off by saying this about this project. This has done a complete one fucking 80 for me. Like I haven't seen the knee brothers and like their directing style, but as far as getting like the iron man writers uh, involved in this, that is looking up um, at one point in time. This was being written by David S. Goyer and directed by Mick G. So like, this is a complete one. So I am, like, I'm not saying, like, this movie's going to be fantastic. They haven't done any casting. There's no casting announcements. But at one time, we were going to get a David S. Goyer-written film directed by Mick G. This is, like, a thousand times better already. Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> Mick G is garbage. I mean, Goyer, you know, he's written some fantastic movies, but yeah. kind of really hasn't had a hit lately. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. Um, He-Man movie... Who are you casting as he man? Like the only guy I can think of is Chris Hemsworth. Like that's the only name I can think of. Yeah, you're not wrong. I that that really anyone else? It's hard. It's hard saying. I mean, Maboa. No, come on, stop. <laughs> no. Oh God, do we have to? Like seriously, do we have to take all of our blonde characters and turn them into Maboa? <laughs> the answer is yes, probably. God. I don't know. Uh, what, what's Brian Bosworth doing? Is he like seventy years old now? <laughs> Remember Brian Bosworth? Oh yeah, oh yeah. What was that movie? The old, what was FX? What's that movie he did with the with the lizard? Was it Cold Something? What was that movie called? Former football player Brian Bosworth. Didn't he play for the Bears? No, oh, I can't confirm that. Brian Bosworth. People are screaming right now. Yeah. Brian Bo- Stone Cold. It was called Stone Cold. Uh, yeah, here we go. What are you doing? Oh, NFL Seattle Seahawks linebacker. Brian the Bos Bosworth. Played three seasons in the NFL. He did that movie. What was it Stone Cold? Didn't he have like a one of those Komodo dragons in that movie? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen this movie. Oh, you've never seen fucking Stone Cold? I don't think so. Oh my god, that's a you got that's a must see. <laughs> you've got to watch Stone Cold. Oh, that's funny. It's good, huh? Oh, it's it's um, it's got a five point nine on fucking IMDb, people. There you go. Oh my gosh, fucking a tough Alabama cop is blackmailed by the FBI into going undercover. <laughs> In a violent Mississippi biker gang. People, watch Stone Cold. This is before Steve <laughs> Austin. It's before Steve Austin. I'll just tell you that much. Anyway, let's see here. Yeah, so a He-Man movie. We're getting a He-Man movie. It's Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm dead can't be worse than the last one. I don't know. Melissa, do you give a fuck about He-Man? Uh, not <laughs> particularly. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I'll give a fuck about anything that comes out if it's, like, really good and people like it. Like, I wasn't familiar yeah. with She-Ra before this, but, I mean, the Netflix show is incredible. I haven't watched the Netflix show. I honestly... I don't know. Jake, a live-action He-Man movie, can it work? I don't know. I, I mean... I think seems like, like a tough thing to pull off. It, it definitely has to be cheeky, dude. I dude, I want to see a fucking proper like Castle Gray Skull. I want to see like all these things look the way that they looked when they were the art on the you know the TV show and and on the on the boxes like they they're like uh, for the toys like the art on the toy boxes like you know what I mean like the packaging was just incredible. And, uh, you know, I want to see some of this stuff, like, look the way it looked when we were kids. I want to see it on screen. But, like, even then I'm thinking, like, how is that going to fucking work? You know, I don't, I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, Live agree. action it's Eternia. A, it's a trick to pull off. Are we going to get a fucking Orko? Like, the last news that I want is, like, oh, we're getting He-Man. It's directed by uh, Michael Bay. It's like, oh, <laughs> fuck you. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know what Eternia is going to look like. What's the story going to be? This little Prince Adam. I have the some uh, man saying I have the power and holding up a sword and going around. I mean, we didn't get any of that last time, so it wouldn't be like it was, you know. Yeah. According to THR, coming to America too is happening. Uh, we've got a director now, Craig Brewer. He directed Hustle and Flow. Uh, we have no word on who is returning besides Eddie Murphy. Some outlets are saying, yeah, Arsenio Hall's coming back. And uh, th- th- there's no confirmation. Um, Paramount is behind the project uh, that will see Murphy return as Prince Akeem, who traveled from his wealthy African country to Queens in order to escape an arranged marriage and find a wife who will love him in spite of his title. Uh, Blackish creator Kenya Barris penned the most recent draft of the sequel, which would see Akeem learning about a long-lost son and returning to America to meet his unlikely heir to the throne of Zamunda. So, I don't know. I I mean, I I love the original one, but uh, it's hard to get excited about Eddie Murphy's just not been in any great movies anytime recently. I hate that they might tarnish what I think about the original one. I, I was kind of down on this news. I, um, I, are, here's the big question. Well, first off, Melissa, have you seen Coming to America? I have not. You've got to watch this. You've got to watch Coming to America. Okay. It's fucking. It's a great movie. I still think it holds up. Like I've watched this movie many times. It's it's a great movie. Um, it's very funny. Um, Jake, here's the big question: Will will it be rated R? Are they gonna mm-hmm. go R? I guess I would guess no. Is the first one rated R? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I bet they'll. I bet they'll try to cater this one more towards families and stuff. I bet they won't do the R-rated comedy this time. Hmm. I'm out then. 
If, if this gets a PG-13 rating, Jake, I will never watch this movie. I will never. <laughs> fuck you. I will never watch this movie. Never. Everyone yeah, involved, I, I, I would never. I don't blame you. Mm-hmm. Even at R rating, I'm tempted to never watch it, to be honest with you. I, if it's R, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just not excited for this. I I, I was shocked to read when you when I read this headline. I, I it's one of those things where you check to see if it's an onion or mm-hmm. fake entertainment news. But no, it's real entertainment news. I was like, okay, yeah, this is from THR. They got a director here, Craig Brewer from Hustle and Flow, and yeah, Hustle and Flow director even. <sighs> I don't know. Um, yeah, this is a beloved movie to me. I loved this movie as a kid. Fucking. Uh, you know, this is like Eddie Murphy could do no wrong back then. Like everything he was making, you know, Beverly Hills Cop, this movie, fucking Boomerang. Coming to America is, dude, one of the funniest comedies of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, do you think I they're agree. just making this as a vehicle to like maybe get Eddie Murphy in something that's good? <laughs> Yeah. It's it's got it's got na- it's got name recognition for the people that grew up on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like yeah. it's like one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna finally give you a Dumb and Dumber two. It's not gonna be any good, but you're gonna get it. And like nobody will for- you know nobody will remember it. This just reminds me of like here here's Blues Brothers two thousand. Like yeah, I mean exactly. I, you know I. There's no way that this is going to help the original film. There is no fucking way that this is going to be. I, I just can't see this being any good. No, no way in hell. If it is, I'll be surprised. If it's rated R, I'll check it out. I will see it. I, I will be curious to watch this. But if they, if, if they come out and say that Coming to America 2 is going to be PG-13... Fuck you. I'm out. I will never watch a single fucking minute of this movie ever. <laughs> I'm sick yeah. of Eddie Murphy being doing this PG-13 bullshit. I really am. I'm really sick of him doing like these, you know, like for the longest time it was like he was just doing, doing the Disney films for the longest time. Okay, let's not talk badly about a haunted mansion. I enjoyed the haunted mansion. No, it's not. It has nothing to do with like, like, did Brian like haunted mansion or not? No, I know what you're saying. It has everything to do with like, what the fuck happened to edgy fucking Eddie Murphy? Yeah, no shit. Like, what happened to that guy? What happened to the guy that single handedly fucking like resurrected Saturday Night Live? You know, like nobody gave a shit about Saturday Night Live was going to get canceled. And like, here comes young, fresh faced Eddie Murphy. Everybody's talking about him now. And it's like, like, this guy was brilliant, amazing comedian and hasn't done stand up in years now. Hasn't, in my opinion, done anything worth anything in a long time. Um, <laughs> I mean, what, Pluto Nash, Pluto Nash, like the last. Yeah, like the last movie that I think i enjoyed him in was daddy daycare that first one with uh jeff garland i thought it was kind of fun it was a cute movie but you know i don't know man his i feel like i feel like his best years are behind him and he's just gonna drag down uh fucking coming to america with him now he's like i'm yeah i'm taking no prisoners i'm just gonna kill everything that you love Yeah, it's hard to not believe that that's exactly what's going to happen here. Yeah. 
Anyway, let's see. What are you doing? Ah, Marvel News. <laughs> Nobody's having fun. You guys are hating this one. I'm having fun. <laughs> it's I'm having fun. Lies. Let's stop lying to me. <laughs> stop it. Stop it with the lies. Let's just be honest. Let's just <laughs> let's have it out. You guys aren't having fun. Marvel News. I'm serious. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Guys aren't having any fun. I'm trying. I don't know. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm not. You know, I mean, maybe the last you... couple of topics are, are, aren't like the most fun topics, but we got to talk about them. Yeah, it stinks. All right. Hey, Marvel News. Marvel news. All right. Uh, we got uh, news here. It looks like we're going to get uh, the first uh, trailer. The trailer was, uh, what was it? Uh, the Brazilian Comic Con. They had the trailer for the Spider Man Far From Home. Looks like we're going to get that trailer or something resembling that trailer uh, on January 15th. This was uh, first uh, reported by Daniel RPK from Super Bro Movies. And then CBR.com had an article about this confirming it. So it looks like we're going to get Tuesday, January 15th. We should, if all things go as planned, the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. That's a, it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I hope it's good. So we'll see. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I should just they'll probably just drop it online. Oh yeah, of course, of course. It'll be cool to see if we see any, you know, just what what new stuff we learn. It'll be nice to see, you know, the full on Jake Gyllenhaal Mysterio stuff in this trailer. And yeah, I'm excited. It depends. I mean, you know, a lot of times what they show at like these conventions is like, you know, they'll show some of like what we saw, like what those people saw, but they'll they mm-hmm. they pull back on a few things sometimes. Yeah, that is true. We're probably not going to get as much of a cut as what they saw, but we may get different stuff, too, completely. Mm, That's true. Uh, Rumor here from Heroic Hollywood uh, goes on to say, so this might not be a complete surprise, uh, and there's not much to go off of. But according to one source, the planned Channing Tatum Gambit film, Hmm. Noah Hawley's Doctor Doom movie, as well as other proposed X-Men spinoff films, over at 20th Century Fox appears to have drawn its last card. As in, it's dead. Oh. I know. Best cards. Pour one out. Yeah, yeah. Let's see here. Uh, The source of this known scooper, Daniel RPK, who shared today that, per his sources, a number of upcoming Fox, X-Men, and Marvel projects are on the cutting room floor. Among them, Brian K. Vaughn's Silver Surfer Project, Noah Hawley's Dr. Doom film, the Kitty Pride film, and of course, the Channing Tatum Gambit film. Here's the tweet discussing this. Uh, not a huge surprise, but from what I hear, Gambit and Dr. Doom are officially dead. As, far, uh, as for X-Force, it's not officially dead, but they only have two months to start filming it, and that's not going to happen. So, not happening. Not with Fox, anyway. Um, <clears throat> that's sad. Yeah. 
Not so much the Gambit stuff, but I really wanted to see that Noah Hawley do movie. Ah, fuck you. I want the Channing. I want the Chambit movie. <laughs> I do. I want that Channing Tambit. I want to see that. They've been talking about this fucking thing for years. I want to see this thing. Yeah. Good or bad, I want to see it. I always like when like an actor is like really, really excited for a project and you can tell and it's like Channing Tatum really wanted to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think we should let him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, like, is this going to like can Channing Tatum get get Disney to green light this fucking movie now? I don't I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> ain't gonna yeah, happen. probably it's, not. It's dead. <laughs> Uh, I, I want to see Noah Hawley do some other superhero movie, though, if he can't have his Doctor Doom. I want him to have something. So hopefully, like, that tiny piece of this can get resurrected. I mean, there should be, like, I would love to see kind of like a like a documentary come out now about, like, you know, like, what everything that they had going forward as far as, like, that that's not going to go forward. But, like everything that they had like on like what were they going to do with like Brian K Bond Silver Surfer movie like what was you know what was Noah Hawley's Doctor Doom film going to be about what's the Kitty Pride film about you know what were the, you know like the Channing Tatum Gambit film like how are they going to tackle that like it was supposed to be like a it was going to be kind of like a love story is what they were talking about at one time with like a heist involved and and of course we had the thieves guild and stuff like these are things like I I wanted to see like good or bad like what that movie was gonna be and I don't know I am upset I get that I am upset that we're not gonna ever get to see that but I would love to see kind of like a like a documentary after like you know <laughs> the doors close on Fox and like what these movies would have been about and like you know what we would have gotten with like a Brian K Vaughn Silver Surfer film and the Noah Hawley Doctor Doom film and you know. Uh, it's yeah, it, and I am worried about X Force. I'm worried about the 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 future of these Deadpool movies going forward because I'm I'm not ready to shut the door on Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. I think that those should still go on, and I don't want to see him go forward as PG thirteen. And I don't think Ryan Reynolds would do a PG thirteen Deadpool. No, I don't think he would either. I think he would just end it at that point. I don't want to see a PG-13 Deadpool at this point. Now that they've given us the R-rated one, I want them to keep going forward with it. So, Anyway, Discussing Film had uh, news about a possible new MCU TV series coming to Disney+. Plus. I heard that they're thinking about doing a, a Nick Fury TV series. Hmm, a- that's interesting. Would you do it really young so you could cast someone else besides Samuel L.? I don't know. I don't think, you know, I don't know. I just heard the rumor. I don't know if it's true or not. But, like, the the biggest, the newest rumor is Marvel Studios uh, is uh, thinking about doing a limited series here, a Lady Sif TV series. And Kevin Feige will produce a show with Jamie Alexander expected to reprise her role as Lady Sif. It is, un- it is currently unclear whether the show take place before or after Thor Ragnarok. Uh, in regards to the show's budget, all of the Disney plus Marvel studio shows will receive a $100 million budget for their six to eight episode limited series. Damn. Wow. Yeah. This is a similar amount to John Favreau's the Mandalorian, which will also debut in fall 2019 on Disney plus. 
Um, Marvel Studios had no comment. Jamie Alexander's representatives had no comment. So, yeah, we might get a Lady Sif's uh, TV series. I don't know. She's been doing that show Blind Spot. Is that still on the air? I don't know. I don't think so. But I, I, I'm, I'm at a hundred on that. I don't ever hear anyone talking about it anymore, though. I saw the first episode. I don't know. It was all. It was good. It was all right. Yeah, I thought the first episode was intriguing too. But you know, not yeah. worth sticking to. Maybe, maybe a binge-worthy show later on if I hear it has a solid ending. I would kind of like to see like stuff taking place before Ragnarok and all this stuff. I just kind of would like to see some kind of like, uh, you know, uh, just give me a show called Journey into Mystery. And, yeah, I love that idea too. And have it be a Lady Sif show. And uh, just kind of like, you know, like what she was doing in Asgard and uh, adventures outside of Asgard in different realms and stuff. So that's what I want to see. That'd be That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, and it could be you know, all over the place, too. I mean, maybe just do like an Asgard anthology series, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like Jamie Alexander enough in that series. Oh, yeah, I think she has a lot of charisma. I think there could be a lot of interesting stuff with her character. I think you definitely would do it pre-Ragnarok, too, if you're going to do it. A guy I know bumped into her at a gym once. Said she was oh, really wow. yeah. Said she was really nice. Yeah, she's got. Uh, he he lives in Dallas, and and she was uh, working out at a gym in Dallas, visiting her family. And he was like, "Oh my God, is that fucking, is that Lady Sif?" And went over and just said hi, and it was her. And he got a picture with her. So I said she that's was really. Cool. Said, Sometimes people people just blow you off when you do that shit. So that's cool. Yeah, she was really nice. So yeah, I might get a Lady Sif series. So that'd be kind of cool. Melissa, you excited for a Lady Sif series? Don't give a shit. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I am excited about like any superhero things that are female fronted because we've been waiting. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It feels. I mean, you know, when you go back, like, how long did it take to get a fucking Wonder Woman movie for Cry Out? I loud? know. You know, one of the one of the Trinity. It's crazy. Like it took like uh, it felt like <laughs> eighty years to get a Wonder Woman uh, live action on the screen for a film. <sighs> what I'm really curious about all these like Disney Plus MCU shows is like because um, they're going to be in the canon with the movies we already have. So I just am so curious about like whose job is it to sit there and verify all of the canon and all of the timelines and all of the continuity like that has to be such a daunting task i think about this all the time they're changing (laughs) and they're changing it all the time too i'm gonna read something here real quick but like you know you've got um you know with uh, lucasfilm they have like the disney story group and mm-hmm. that's that's like kind of like their job is to like keep all this stuff straight. And you know they haven't been perfect in Marvel. You know, I mean, they have like it's only going to get more complicated yeah. the more of these shows that they add. And you know, fans will not let that shit go. I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, fans are the worst. Um, yeah. Anyway, Marvel confirmed a crazy, and this kind of ties into like what you said actually because. This is something that they've recently just added uh, to Marvel.com under the uh, screen section for Loki. So, like, you know, screen Loki, like Tom Hiddleston's Loki. And it confirms a crazy theory about Loki that people have had. 
And it says, arriving at the sanctuary through a wormhole caused by the Bifrost, Loki met with the other ruler of the ancient race of extraterrestrials, the Chitari and Thanos. So that character that he met is actually called the other. And, um, Offering the, God of mischief, uh, offering the God of Mischief dominion over his brother's favorite realm, Earth, Thanos requested the Tesseract in return. Gifted with a scepter that acted as a mind-control device, Loki would be able to influence others. Unbeknownst to him, the scepter was also influencing him, fueling his hatred over his brother, Thor, and the inhabitants of Earth. So the Tesseract, which we all know... Um, uh, was the Tesseract the Space Stone? Ah, uh, the Tesseract was the one that Loki had in the Scepter. Avengers movie, right? Yeah. Well, that that's the Mind Stone then, right? Yeah. Yes, correct. Okay. So, yeah. So, like, apparently, like, that stone was, like, influencing him and fueling his hatred for his brother. And so, like, um, that... Yeah, here's uh, BGR.com said about this. They said, uh, nowhere in the first Avengers movie are we specifically told that Loki has been under the influence of the Mind Stone or in other MCU movies that had Loki in them. What's abundantly clear is that Loki isn't totally evil. He may have a somewhat faulty moral compass, as does Thor, but he never acts as ruthlessly as in the Avengers again. This detail from Marvel also sets up Loki for a heroic arc, especially in the upcoming TV series. Not to mention that with half a paragraph, Marvel made it canon that the Mind Stone may have a mind of its own. So basically, it's like Marvel is just like preemptively putting that on Marvel.com for Loki's screen use character, basically saying the Mind Stone had control of him and influenced him to hate his brother. It's not like he wasn't jealous of his brother, but it like fueled it and made it like that much more aggressive to the point where he would like stab him on top of Avengers tower, you know? So like, yeah, it seems like they're adding stuff in here so that it'll kind of like benefit the Loki TV show and have it make sense that he could have a heroic arc within the show. Um, that we're not following like this villain the entire time. Like he could be a heroic character just by them throwing in the fact that, you know, the mind stone was kind of controlling him during the events of uh, the Avengers. But he is kind of a heroic character. Like I wouldn't say that he hasn't had like a redemption arc in the movies we already have. So my question with this is kind of like, if this, is true and like he was being like completely influenced by the Mind Stone like is is he like absolved of all of his actions in these movies then for this TV show or does like the redemption arc we've seen in the movies like still matter as much if he really wasn't like this person to begin with I, th- I think we gotta still understand like, I still want to think of him as like the god of mischief mm-hmm. I I just don't want to like, I think they're just trying to like, as far as like setting him up for his own series, I don't want them to think, I I think that Disney doesn't want to set him up as like the God of murder and mayhem, you know, like I, I, yeah. I think the stone just made him more power hungry is kind of what they're trying to say. And a little bit more willing to do evil things to achieve the 
things he already kind of wanted anyway. Well, yeah, that, it feels kind of like the like Horcrux thing. If you're familiar with Harry Potter, like the Horcrux doesn't like give you power, but it it like manifests like your inner worst parts yeah. that you already had. It just brings them to the forefront, and, like makes them kind of undeniable. Well, he was definitely yeah. jealous of Thor, but like you know, the mind. They're basically saying like the actions that he had in the Avengers film were the worst actions that he's had throughout all the movies. And that's when he possessed the Mind Stone. So, like, they're using, like, I don't think that this was the plan all along until they got this Loki TV show. And now they're using it to their benefit and throwing this into the Marvel.com wiki or, the, you know what I mean? And and I think that it's like, um, because he, he tries to stab and murder Thor in that movie. Like, he stabs him. Yeah, I think that's the kind of exactly the kind of stuff that the stone made him do yeah. a little bit more intensely than he wouldn't have. Well, I think like that's what it made him do now. Now that they put that in the on marvel.com. Like at the time, I think I don't But if they never talk about this in the movies, does it count? Like it, that's kind of a JK Rowling problem too. <laughs> it I mean <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, it is one of those things like, uh, you know, like the only reason we know this is because like it's a it's been kind of like a big deal this week through media outlets. And like, you know, I clicked the link and I did go to Marvel.com and it does confirm this. But like. It seems like it just just didn't feel. Oh, sorry. No, it just seems like they're kind of like putting this in there now so that they can do this Loki TV series and have it make sense. Like you're following a character like that. Yeah, he tried to murder his brother, but he was under the control of the Mind Stone. It feels like they are setting him up for a heroic arc in this TV series by putting this in there. Yeah, I agree with that. And it just, it's not so far fetched or against what we saw that it really irks me in any way. Either, no, it right? fits. It, it fits. It does yeah. fit. Like they can't, they have made it fit. But I think like this is all kind of like. They found a way to make it fit, right? Yeah, and I think with or without this information, it doesn't hurt the original source material. No. So I'm fine with it. It's all right. I don't know. I will see what a Loki series is like. I mean, we'll see. I still got to see this fucking TV show at the end of the day. But I, I still want to see, you know, he's still the god of mischief. I think they're just trying to, like, not make him so. Because he was pretty fucking brutal in uh, in Avengers, you know? <laughs> Definitely, definitely. But even compared to the way we saw him in the first Thor movie, it kind of almost proves the point that the stone kind of made him worse. Yeah. Uh, During an interview on the red carpet with MTV, Kevin Feige, uh, in talking about Avengers Endgame, assured fans that the marketing material for the film will not show anything beyond the first 15 to 20 minutes of the movie. He said, quote, being able to generate excitement without giving away any of the many, many, many secrets will be ideal so is this misdirection here with this statement are you telling me that we're not going to get any more than the first 15 to 20 minutes of this movie in any of the fucking marketing for this film are you kidding me yeah i was i was surprised by hearing that i mean if he says it that must be the case but how many they times lied. have they they've lied to us how many times have they lied to us man 
Yeah, that's true. They throw us up the scent. Like, it's hard even to believe. trailers lie. Yeah, it's hard to believe <laughs> that they're not going to be some of those in the last half an hour images that they're not going to want to plaster all over the place. Like, I'm kind of here for this news as if it's true. I mean, if it's a lie, like, where do you draw the line of misdirection when you're marketing these movies? But, I mean, if this is true, I think that's great. If it's true, that's great. But even if it's a lie, like, we won't know any different. You know, he, like we could be seeing a scene like in one of these trailers that actually happens in like the last 10 minutes of the fucking movie. And we won't know because Kevin Feige's already told us that we're only watching the first 15 to 20 minutes. Well, like we wouldn't have known anyway. So why lie? <laughs> uh, you know, well, they've lied to us before. I mean, I know. I feel like for this movie, they could just do like a TV spot with like just the title for 15 seconds. Uh-huh. They'd save hella money and people would still be in the theaters <laughs> watching this movie. It's true. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We've been beating that drum forever. Like, they don't even don't show anything at this point. Yeah. They really don't need to show us anything. I still think that fucking... I still think that Shuri is going to re... She's going to... They're going to find a way to activate Vision again without the Mind Stone. And I think Shuri is going to be able to do it. And he's going to come back and he's going to be like the white Vision that we saw from the from the comics in the 90s. That'll be really fucking cool. Yeah. Sure, he's not dead. I agree with that, too. They would have showed it. Yeah, she ain't dead. Um, And you would never give up that actress. Yeah, especially for this film. She's so great. She's such a great character. And if Robert Downey Jr. wants to dip, then... She's a perfect replacement for that, like, science character. Yeah, we're definitely, yeah. If we're going to lose one of the science bros, we need another science, science-y person. So, <laughs> we're not losing Shuri. God damn it, I can't wait for Black Panther 2. Jake, I can't believe this. We're going to get a Black Panther 2. We're gonna- oh, I know. It's fantastic. Scott- I- I'm super pumped myself. Scott Derrickson's coming back and doing uh, Doctor Strange 2. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, you know, I, I wonder if he'll, it'll be a little bit more horror-centric this time around. Not that I didn't like the first Doctor Strange, but it didn't really feel like it had much of Derrickson's touch in it. Right? I, I didn't feel like he was, like, you know, as much as Coogler put into uh, Black Panther, I, I didn't real, really feel like Doctor Strange was so much Derrickson's movie. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I thought Mads Mikkelsen's character is kind of creepy and shit. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, Doctor Strange too. Can't wait. Uh, uh, what are we? Uh, Samuel Jackson was in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, and uh, he said something uh, pretty interesting here when talking about Captain Marvel. Uh, she's pretty much the strongest character in terms of somebody with powers and that's able to do things in the Marvel Universe. So for Carol Danvers to be that person and for Brie to become that person, it's going to be a dynamite thing. I mean, the Avengers are up against some really, really tough odds right now. We saw throughout Infinity War. So now we know that we need something that's as powerful as Thanos. At some point, we'll find out how powerful she is and all the things she's capable of. She's one of the few people in the Marvel Universe that can time travel. So... And then he stopped talking. She can, <laughs> hold on. She can time travel? Yeah, that's bizarre. And that's going to come in handy in the next Avengers movie. 
<laughs> All right, so some people are saying that when they watch the trailers for this, when she gives off her energy flare, when you see her give off her energy flare, that it looks similar to the effect of the quantum explosions that we saw in Ant-Man and the Wasp. So some people are saying that she could be drawing her power directly from the quantum realm, which if she is drawing her power from the quantum realm, of course she would be able to try and travel. I don't know. I'm just, that's trying to put, you know, things together here, but yeah, I mean, that adds up. It just seems, that seems kind of wild how conveniently easy that would be for the stuff that's going to be upcoming. Samuel Jackson also kind of hinted that the Tesseract uh, or the Space Stone could make an appearance uh, in Captain Marvel. He said, uh, yeah, the Tesseract, the, that was the fucking box. That was what was in the box in Captain America. And the Mind Stone was in the fucking Scepter. Anyway, I'm just putting shit together like fucking like <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like like people listen to this podcast and they, what they can't see is the fucking like light bulb go up over my head and like turn on anyway i'm gonna shut up um <laughs> samuel jackson said this uh and we're actually entering a ship that belonged to a doctor from carol danvers past uh she's trying to find some answers to what happened why he was on earth and what the whole power core thing seems like the Tesseract has been a constant in all these movies. So, yeah, Tesseract. We might see the Tesseract in the Captain Marvel movie. I mean, got to remember, this movie takes place in the 90s. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense that they would kind of do some cheeky prequelitis stuff with the Infinity Gems since they were such a focus leading up to uh, Infinity War. Jonathan, so, I wonder what new information could be presented by showing the Tesseract, though. I mean, what's the point other than just, like, nodding at the audience that this takes place before Infinity War? Here's this thing you've seen before. Yeah. If, if that's all it is, it's kind of stupid. We'll see. I don't know. Um, producer Jonathan Swartz, producer for Captain Marvel, uh, confirmed a cinema blend uh, that behind-the-scenes conversations have been taking place regarding the possibility of an adaptation of Secret Invasion. He said, yes, we talked about Secret Invasion. I wouldn't go into this movie saying which one of these superheroes is a scroll because Carol's is more or less the first superhero to show up on Earth, but are we planting seeds for future movies? Always. Yeah, and we kind of all saw this coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, we might get some form of secret invasion going forward. Um, in the comics, if you're unfamiliar, the shape-shifting scrolls uh, devised a plan to colonize Earth as a replacement for their home world that was destroyed, and they began replacing key humans and super-powered individuals with scrolls in disguise. Uh, with Captain Marvel now introducing the scrolls into the MCU canon, it sets up the very real possibility that, much like with Hydra and Captain America the Winter Soldier, that there's been a conspiracy of them in place for decades waiting to attack. So, I don't know. They could definitely do that. We could definitely see Secret Invasion be like the next big movie, next big event. Could be like, you know, Avengers 5. Avengers colon secret invasion. So we'll see. 
I like it. I love scrolls. I, I like the different kinds of stuff they could do with that plot line. So I hope it is true. Jonathan Swartz also talked to comicbook.com and told them, uh, uh, told them this about Ronan in the film. Ronan, of course, being uh, played by uh, Lee Pace, again, who played the character in uh, the first Guardians of the Galaxy film. Uh, Schwartz said, it's an earlier version of Ronan who has not become the radical zealot that we saw in Guardians of the Galaxy. So he has his own station in Kree society on Hala and has his own role to play in the Kree military that intersects with Star Force in an interesting way. What? <laughs> I think that... I I think that his relationship somehow with whoever Jude Law is playing is going to affect the way he I'm going to think I think that it's going to affect like who he becomes later like this you know this radical Cree it's just he's not that guy yet and they're still saying like this movie is not that origin story for Ronan like this I don't know man I don't know I I feel like it is I feel like that that's a bullshit statement I feel like at this movie and this performance and what happens to Ronan, it, it's impossible for it not to inform what we see later. Or something to, to give us an inkling as to like why he becomes the way that he is. He's got to see something. He's got to see something really bad happen to the Kree here to where he's like feels like he has to be the guy, the savior to do something about it. I just don't understand why any other reason why he's in the film other than that. I don't know. It yeah, seems, I just, completely agree. They're gonna something's gonna happen. Uh, you're gonna see why he becomes who he is, or why I even have him. They're there. saying it's another moment, like we were just saying, like, oh, remember this thing? They're saying we're not gonna get that. They're saying that we're not gonna get that. This is not an origin story for Ronan as to why he becomes like Ronan the Accuser that we see in Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'm thinking to myself, that, so if it's if it's not, are they planning to flesh out that story somewhere, sometime? Because if yes. not, then why do it? Because yes. that's just going <laughs> to irritate people because the character won't make sense. Exactly. <laughs> like, if you don't do it in this movie, then when are you going to do that? When are you going to show us that story? Is that, yeah. like, are we going to get, is that, okay, when you do, like, the Eternals movie? Like, are we going to get it there? Like, like that doesn't make sense to me, but. Let's see. I I think it has to if it has to be somewhere. If you're going to show two different versions of the same person and not show like how those transitions gets made, like that's just going to be um like a a a bruise, I guess, on on yeah. these MCU movies. Like Are we going to get When like, you have such good characterization of people and then just to have something so weird happen? No. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I know they're going to be doing a lot of stuff, like, with the cosmic stuff. Like, we've heard rumors of possibly, like, Adam McKay talking about, like, a Nova movie. I know they're going to be doing a lot more with the cosmic stuff. So, like, of course, Ronan could pop up again. But I just felt like this would be, like, the perfect way to kind of, like, show, like, how he became who he was in how he became Ronan the Accuser, like, in Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know. They're they're claiming that we're not going to get that story <laughs> here. So silly. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree with all the things you guys are saying. Then why do it? Right. Why have him show up in this movie? So I don't know. Uh, will Captain Marvel square off against Thanos in Endgame? It's possible, according to directors Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, who spoke to AMC Scene 
Fleck said, at the beginning of our movie, she doesn't know how powerful she is. But by the end, you'll see that, uh, let's just say this. I'm very excited to see what she does to Thanos in Endgame. Huh. So the, f- the answer is yes. She will face off against him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to just say, yeah, she's going to punch Thanos in the fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to go binary uh, on his ass, right? Yeah, I, I feel that, too. That's going to be fucking awesome. And it's going to be fucking cool. Uh, also, a couple weeks ago on this show, Jake. Yeah, so we might get to see fucking Captain Marvel square off against Thanos in Endgame. Because um, just because you maybe you've restored the timeline doesn't mean that you've you've killed Thanos. Somebody still has to take care of this guy, right? Yeah, I definitely see that happening. I mean, much like Black Panther was such a big part of Infinity War, even though it was the movie right before, I think more of the same is happening right here. Obviously, more of the same is happening right here. A couple weeks ago, we reported that uh, Jude Law, it looks like he's going to be playing Marvel because of a uh, pick description on a Disney site that labeled him Marvel and then pulled that description down. The picture picture was still there, but they pulled the description down, labeling him Marvel. Well, I Ashley Derivator, who we had on, we've had her on a couple times talking about Captain Marvel. She sent me a picture from the back of a Marvel Legends figure of a Captain Marvel figure that says that Jude Law's character is is Yon Rock. <laughs> Oh, that's bizarre. So are they trying to <laughs> throw people off the I, scent again? I, that's, that's what me and her were trying to figure out. So we still have no idea. It's like Disney puts out like on their official site a description for Jude Law's character underneath the picture that says he's that he's fucking uh, Marvel. And now we've got a Marvel Legends figure. And on the back of that figure, it shows, you know, Star Force Commander. Jude Law's character as Yon Rog. So Screen Rant during a so I don't know. I mean Screen Rant during a set visit talked with Jonathan Schwartz, the producer, and he said this Yon Rog does pop up. Yeah. He's an important part of the mythology. See, here's the thing with Yon Rog's mythology when it comes to Captain Marvel, is like, how is he gonna show up in this movie because in the original the original version of this character he's he, it's kind of a love triangle Jan Rog is this Cree military officer um, and he's the commander of the Helion it's a it's a Cree spaceship and it was sent to Earth by Supreme Intelligence Jan Rog had this hatred that was directed towards Marvell because he was in love with a Cree medic, Yuna, and then he ends up leaving Marvell on Earth so that Yuna can be with him. And so, like, there's this whole, like, love triangle between Yonrog, Marvell, and Yuna. And it's kind of like where his story is within, like, the original canon. Like, I just don't see how, like, that fits into place within the movie that we're going to get from Marvel Studios this year. Hmm. It does seem like diversion tactics, if you ask me. 
they you know throw people off the Funko scent. So hmm. that's well, bizarre. And no, it's a Funko got it right. Weird. There's Funko got it right. No, Jake. Funko got it right. I know that's what I'm saying. I think this is trying to convince people that they didn't. Funko is the only thing that got this right. They just called him Star Force Commander, which he is. He's the commander of Star Force. Funko, this is the first time Funko's got anything right, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, well, other than the, the Salter thing, right? Uh, no. Cutting off the head. No, I was, I was making a joke. A bad, oh. a bad one. I, I'm not a fan of Funko. So, I got you. I got you. They, they got got it right by the spoiler. Unlike their shitty toys. Yeah, they didn't let any. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they didn't let any. They didn't let the cat out of the bag with the Surtur stuff. Like they let this cat out of the bag with the Surtur stuff that Thor cut off the head of Surtur in uh, you know in the Ragnarok, and in this they're just calling him Star Commander. Um, the Legends. Fi- what, okay, who do you, who do you think Marvel is? Who do you think Jula is? Is he Marvel or Yon Rog? Are you believing the Mar- light? Marvel? I want to say Yon Rog. Hmm. Tiebreaker. I don't. Yeah, what do you think? Ooh, I've seen um, something else saying that he's Yon Rog, but I'm not familiar with either of those characters. So I wish I was familiar more with. Um, Captain Marvel, so I could just pick who I wanted him to be. <laughs> I think they're going to do a. I think that they are going to do a gender reversal for Marvel, and I think that I think that oh, we're. Go- I didn't think I realized that would be a gender reversal, so I want to vote for that. <laughs> I think that that's where they're going. I think they're going to. I could be wrong, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Whatever. I just want to enjoy this movie, but like I think that they're going to do a gender reversal. For um, Marvel, and I think that I think that we're gonna find out that I think our villains here are gonna be you know of course Ben Mendelsohn's you know Ben Mendelsohn's scroll character, but you know I think we're also gonna find out that Minerva and uh, Jude Law as possibly Yon Rog are gonna be other villains involved in this, so we'll see. I don't know. interesting to see Jude Law as a villain. Oh, I think he's definitely going to have a villainous turn. I would like that. Yeah, I think he's going to turn. I think he's going to turn. I think I do. Yeah. Adam McKay has interest in directing a Silver Surfer movie. He told MTV uh, quote, and he's had interest in doing this for a while, but um, he recently said uh, there actually has been some discussion about Silver Surfer. My agent certainly woke up. Uh, they were excited. We're in the middle of, you know, backing Vice right now. But who knows? Maybe in a couple months it could pop up. I really am excited about that idea. So we'll see what happens. I also wanted to point out, if you haven't seen Vice, there is a funny Galactus cameo in that movie. Ha! Galactus cameo of all cameos. I'm not kidding. There's a Galactus cameo in Vice. It's pretty. <laughs> it was actually pretty awesome. It was one of the mo- one of the moments that had me laughing out loud. So, um, final thing that I wanted to talk about. I think this is the final thing in Marvel news. Charles Murphy from that hashtag show is reporting that Marvel is considering an R-rated Black Widow movie. Quote, here's something I don't think I ever talked about. When I first heard that they were developing the Black Widow movie. 
I also heard they were discussing whether or not to make it Marvel Studios' first R-rated film. He clarified the statement by adding, I'm not saying it will be for sure. No way to know what they will settle on at this point, but they have recently said that R-rated MCU films are a possibility. So it is a possibility. So if Black Widow ends up R-rated, don't be shocked. I'm not buying it. Uh, Yeah, no. I don't buy that at all either. I, I will be. I will be shocked. Yeah, I don't really see Marvel Disney ever making an R-rated movie. They give up so much of their fan base by doing that. I w- yeah, yeah. I see. Because people saying. take their kids to these movies. I, like, no, they, yeah. these movies are family affairs. I see what you're saying. I, I was. I was. For a second there, I was kind of like, uh, but you're right. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's it's a family thing. Like, my little 10-year-old cousin was at Christmas, like, talking to me about all of his, like, in-game theories. And that's, like, something so, you know, precious for families. Like, I wouldn't want them to have to give that up either, as much as I would like to see an R-rated Black Widow movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I want to see. Like, dude, for fucking Black Widow, I want to see, like, all the things that, like, we've heard them talk about mm-hmm. I would ha- I, I would like to see that I would like to see I would like to see you know I would like to see um, Hawkeye kind of like pull her out of that life too you know, he had the chance to kill her and he didn't and I kind of want like, I kind of want to see like the movie kind of like maybe end with that with like Renner showing up and like making that making that making that call and that would make that you know Imagine bookending that with like what we're gonna see here, like in uh, Avengers Endgame, when like she shows up and sees like him as Ronan going around killing people, basically doing what she used to do, going around as an assassin killing people, becoming what she feared coming type of thing. That would be cool. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's. I mean, to see that on screen too, like not just hear about it when they're talking about it, like in the you know Avengers film or in Age of Ultron or whatever, like, to actually see it would be really cool. I don't know. I'd love to see an R-rated Black Widow film. I don't think it's going to happen. Do I still think that we could get a great Black Widow film at PG-13? Sure. Sure we could. I, I, I don't... I don't know. Which makes me also worry about, like, going back to, like, the Fox stuff. Like... Oh, fuck. Are we going to get more movies like Logan? Is that over with? I mean, not not with Marvel characters, probably anytime soon. It's sad that it's going to end with Logan and Deadpool. I mean, I hope that's not the case. I really don't. And R. I think something will happen eventually again. An R-rated Wolverine film? <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe down in the future. Yeah, I mean, you never know. It just all depends on what happens with the atmosphere of all this superhero stuff, you know? The bottom could fall out, and that could be the route they go in 15 years, you know? As a, waiting 15 years to see if we're going to get a another Wolverine movie that's rated R. With, with it the, would take another 15 years to get this Black Widow movie. Yeah. Well, I'm not too concerned about, like, you know, an R-rated Black Widow film would be awesome. I... I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not putting any stock in that happening. What I am kind of like upset about thinking about is like not getting another R-rated Wolverine movie. I finally got it. 
like this is you know we finally got it and now it's like now we're gonna have to go back to pg-13 wolverine and then maybe wait and see what the landscape is in the next 15 years before we possibly get another r-rated wolverine film after you've given me one amazing film and like i finally saw the character like use the claws and like you know decapitate people see blood flying and you know like yeah he used the claws in the other movies but you know a lot of the times we just kind of like saw it go through somebody we didn't see blood spur out like splash out of the other end and stuff like that it wasn't super violent and super gory and i'm not saying you have to have a super no, i kind of am i kind of am I, <laughs> yeah I, you're basically saying that. i am i, I am 100 percent <laughs> saying that the other two wolverine movies did not compare at all to what we got in logan not even close not even close and some of that some of that formula had to do with the violence when they upped the violence yeah it made it that much cooler 100 percent so maybe the solution would be to just start a new character fresh all with an r rating but but it's disney though that's that's the big problem here like i have no problem with wolverine i really have no problem with wolverine showing up in a disney movie like an avengers film and not giving it that r-rated fucking treatment i have no problem i don't need to see r-rated wolverine show up with the avengers uh, or an, even an X-Men team film and have it be R-rated. I'm saying when I get Wolverine solo now, doing his solo shit, that's when I would see R-rated Wolverine. Yeah, yeah that makes sense it would be a me. shame to go backwards on that. That's where we might be going now. Yeah. Well, hopefully, if it happens, it doesn't make any money, and they're like, "Okay, redirect." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they made a smart choice, like time wise. At least, like they were able to at the end of Wolverine's life is when it became R, right? So it, it's a little bit sensical, I guess, when we get back to middle age Wolverine, we're not R rated anymore. Oh come on, man, dude! I thought I saw him go fucking berserker and shit. Then it's he's a fucking he's like an he's he's got. He's like an animal, dude. Yeah, it's his calmer, younger Marvel years. His calmer, younger Marvel. Come on, you got. He had even. He had a lot. Don't people usually get calmer in their old? Thank you, thank you. You've got more angst when you're fucking younger, dude. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, I'd love to see X Men movie reboots without Wolverine for once in my perfect world. Yeah, I, I just can't see Marvel not giving us Wolverine. You know, oh, yeah, I'm not making that argument. I want to see 100 going to happen. Yeah. And I'll, you know, hopefully they just don't call it Wolverine and the X-Men or some bullshit. I honestly see. Here's the thing. I honestly think that you give Kevin Feige control of the X-Men. He's going to give us some great X-Men movies. I, 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 I know that. I think we're going to get great X-Men movies. What I'm worried about, though, is just the treatment of Wolverine, to be quite honest with you. That's what I'm worried about. Like I would love to see, dude. I can, can you imagine if we fucking get like a like a like if we did get like an R-rated Wolverine movie with with Disney, and they're like, okay, we're gonna here's a, here's your Sabretooth movie. Okay, here's your Omega Red movie. You know, I mean, they could give us uh, the R-rated solo films. As far as like the X-Men stuff is concerned, I think Feige's gonna knock it out of the park. I'm not worried about that at all. I'm not worried about seeing the team dynamic between Storm and Cyclops and Colossus and all those characters and Nightcrawler. I think they're gonna give us great representations of those characters. But after watching what 
you know, fucking they did with with uh, with Hugh Jackman and Logan. Like that's the Wolverine that I want to see going forward. That's the level of violence that I want to see in my Wolverine solo movies going forward. And if I don't get that, I'm going to, I don't know, man, I'm going to, it's going to be upsetting. Yeah. If it's good, we'll be fine. <laughs> You'll be fine. I will be fine. <laughs> I won't buddy. I'm telling yeah, you. The violence doesn't necessarily define the character for me. So it's, it's definitely not You've got a guy. Of it. You literally have a guy with knives on his fucking hands. Yeah. There's a level of violence involved in that character. He's got knives. If that's all it is, then that's not a character I'm a big fan of. <laughs> oh, fuck off. Come on. That's not all it was. That's not all it was in Logan. There was a deeper story there. But the well, violence, exactly the violence. The deeper story will carry through. Oh, come on. There's something about mixing it with that. There's something about taking not only the deeper story, but taking the guy that has knives for fucking cl- for hands <laughs> and then using those for the purpose that they're intended for. It's not – you don't shy away from a guy. His main weapon is knives on his goddamn hands and you shy away from any blood. That's silly. Yeah, maybe, maybe you find out his origin was they weren't for stabbing. Maybe he was meant to be like a master chef. Okay, fair enough, Jake. All right. <laughs> I don't know. I just Gordon I'm not too Ramsey hung up. Like, and I'm in. A good story is a good story, and I don't think it's a hundred percent dependent on the violence. And I know you don't either, but I don't know. I'm just not as like we had all those Wolverine movies. Like it, it'll be fine. I'm ready to see something different. I never saw. I like. I thought Hugh Jackman was great as the character, but I never that there was for eighteen fucking years, man, of him playing that character. Uh, Seventeen, excuse me. Everybody did want to see them up the violence for that character. We all wanted to see it, and when we finally got it, there was kind of like this, like. Like this, like, oh, my God, we didn't get him in the suit, but we finally got to see. I've, wow, I can't believe I finally got to see Wolverine the way I wanted to see him with fucking with that level of violence. And like, I don't know, you gave it the R rating. You can also like do a lot of more things with like the emotional stuff, too. I felt like with that character. I don't yeah. know. I thought Logan did a very good job using the R to make like the emotional stuff. Definitely. I agree with that. I don't. I, I just for to shy away to sh- to try to find little ways to shy away of not showing blood in a in a in a movie where the guy literally like his weapon is like knives coming out of his goddamn hands. Yeah, it, yeah I hear you. Right. Just, eh. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me that it won't be R-rated anymore. I guess it was just me. Yeah, I mean it, that's where that's where we're different. I it would, I would, I have no problem with the character showing up in an X Men film or an Avengers film and giving me that PG thirteen rating. But man, they spoiled me with Logan, man. And if you pull back on that R rating now with a character that has fucking knives for weapons on but his it, hands, it won't be the same character. It'll be a brand new character, and Logan's still there. 
it's the same character. It's just a different actor playing said character and like how Kevin Feige wants the character to be. But it's yeah, that's, it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's 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 it it's not like you give me something different here and I will be saying, oh, OK, cool. They pulled back on that violence that I wanted for fucking 18 years of wanting to see it with Hugh Jackman. They pulled back on it. No, I still want to see I still want to see Wolverine decapitating people and I still I still want to see him fuck up some shit. I do. That's me. That's me. Yeah, One hundo. I'd be fine if they sat on the character for ten years. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't think that's it feels like happen. a hard act to follow with the legacy that Hugh Jackman put in. I mean, and I don't think this is what's going to happen. They're going to recast this shit. Yeah, you know, moving as fast. I as don't possible. even think that. Like, I'm not an idiot. We can wish in one hand and shit in the other and see which one fills up first. I don't think that we're going to get that. That's not going to happen here. It's like they're not going to sit on that. Like they're. Yeah, you know it that would help, too. It would help curb the issues you have, though. Like half half the reason it's going to be so upsetting is because Logan just came out fucking you know a year and a half ago or whatever. It's, like, it's, uh, you, it's fresh in your mind what you just had. Well, it's I, not. I it's not. I, it's uh, hi, Melissa. Are you still here? I, I, this, yep, I know. Here. I you just listen to me and him like like nerd out on this shit, Jake. I've seen. See, it's not just like fucking Wolverine, like them pulling back on R-rated Wolverine and making him PG-13 again. I've seen this happen with so many different fucking other properties. And does it ever fucking work? RoboCop, rated R, RoboCop 1, RoboCop yeah, 2. Different. Hold on, hold, I'm not done yet. Though. I'm not done yet. RoboCop 1, rated R. RoboCop 2, rated R. RoboCop 3, PG-13. Garbage. Expendables 1, Rated R. Expendables 2. Rated R. Expendables 3. PG-13. It was garbage. And I know what you're saying. I, I, I this hear is it. the first one, though. This isn't the part three that they've toned down. This is the whole new reimagining of the characters. I, it, that's apples and oranges to me. Not to me. Not at all. They've given me, they've given me that one... You're, I know... But as soon as you introduce that character as PG-13, that's when I'm just kind of like, I don't want to see him introduced as that. They always introduce those other characters as rated R characters. Yeah, I mean, I love the character in the comic for years without the blood. Why the the fuck would I be begging for him to introduce him as fucking PG-13? Who's? I mean, you're not begging for it. I'm begging for them not to introduce them. I'm saying, why all. the fuck would I be begging for them to be introduced as PG-13? No, you, I don't think anyone is. I'm not saying you should be begging for that. But I don't think – I think it could be fine and interesting and good, not at an R level. That's, that's your opinion. I mean, I, I can't change your mind. I just I, – I, uh, I'm sure I'm in the minority here too. Oh, I God. Mean, yeah, I do, I do we not. We want the blood and we want the violence. I, do I just don't n- even want the character anymore. Let's just let it die. I and mean, Logan killed him. Let's respect Logan and keep him dead for a while. I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean I, – You want to respect Logan's R rating. I want to respect Logan's plot devices and keep him dead. We'll see. Um, let's see here. Marvel. Blah, 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 blah. I'm done with the Marvel news. Um, new Shazam trailer. Yeah, do, DC news. New Shazam trailer was rumored to come out on January 19th. Um, and that was from Daniel RPK. 
I'm hearing from DCEU leaks on Reddit that they've actually changed that date. So January 19th is a Saturday, and that was the date that I was hearing for the new Shazam trailer, Shazam trailer number two release. Um, I've seen pictures of it, and there was a trailer description that was out. But it looks like DCU leaks on Reddit is saying like they might even move the date of the trailer, but I don't know. We'll see. It could drop on the January 19th date still. So. I'm excited for that. That first Shazam trailer, even now when I see it before a movie I go see, I still smile at it. Me too. I love that trailer. I love seeing it in the theater, and I've only seen it like two or three times in the theater. It's like one of those trailers they don't show that often in the theater, unfortunately, for me at least. Yeah, I think they could afford to um, spend a little bit more money in promoting this movie than they normally do. I think on like a, some of their other movies, and I know all the nerds know who Shazam is, but I, I think a lot of the normal layman common moviegoers aren't going to be very familiar with this character, and they should really showcase the different kind of funny comedy movie we're going to get here. We've got three more months before the movie comes out, so I think they will be hitting it hopefully pretty hard here, especially after the... You know, success of uh, Aquaman hitting a billion dollars. Um, people are calling it hashtag one billion dollars because the director's James Wan. Uh, oh, jeez. So clever. Uh, That's good. I like it. I like it, too. <laughs> somebody, I think somebody posted, like, Dr. Evil saying, like, one billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, the Revenge of the Fans uh, let's see here yeah Revenge of the Fans first reported that we're getting an R-rated uh, not an R-rated I'm talking about R-rated shit so much now it's like settle down with like, the violence jeez well, I'm, what we want I'm about to cut you Jake <laughs> <laughs> no blood though <laughs> uh, let's see here Revenge of the Fans first reported that we're getting an uh, uh, an animated Red Sun movie um, this Ooh. is like I think this is my favorite Elseworlds story ever. Um, it's probably mine, actually. Maybe between this and, like, The Nail. And this one's written by Mark Miller. Um, the synopsis for Red Sun is, Imagine a reality where the world's most powerful super being does not grow up in Smallville, Kansas, or even America, for that matter. Superman Red Sun is a vivid tale of Cold War paranoia that reveals how the ship carrying the infant who would later be known as Superman, lands in the midst of the 1950s Soviet Union. Raised on a collective, the infant grows up and becomes a symbol to the Soviet people. And world and the world changes drastically from what we know, bringing Superman into the conflict with Batman, Lex Luthor, and many others. Um, so yeah, it looks like we're going to be getting an animated Red Sun movie. Um, they have announced some of the casting. They have n- they've announced the act, the voice actors, but we do not know what parts they're going to be playing. So they've had to like, kind of like guess. Um, and this is just going to be one of the DC animated movies coming out, right? Straight to Blu-ray like they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what's really cool about the DC animated movie stuff now, like on the day of release, you can now watch them on DC universe. Yeah. That's a good pull oh, for them. Wow. I think they need that. They, they so just do not have the a theaters at all. It might have a theatrical release. Um, I know that uh, Death of Superman and Reign of Superman are now, I think they're in the theaters today and tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, it's a fathom. They did it for Killing Joke. They'll probably do it. They'll probably have a one or two night showing for this, I would bet. 
Yeah, but then immediately after that, it'll be available on DC Universe. Uh, Diedrich Bader is going to be in it. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Jason Isaacs is also going to be in this. Um, Tara Strong. He's our Alfred, or, or that's Red Sun. What am I talking about? They haven't, I mean... Tara Strong is going to be, uh, you know, she's she's voiced Harley Quinn, but she's also done Raven and Batgirl and other projects. Um, Diedrich Bader is going to be Batman, most likely. Jason Isaacs, um, he's voiced Lex Luthor, Sinestro, and uh, Ray Zagul. Um, Phil Lamar. Is going to be in this Phil Morris, Roger Craig Smith. Um, if it's animated, Phil Lamar's in it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So they, they've got uh, Amy Acker. There, there's a ton of different voice actors in this. They just haven't released like what you know character they're going to be playing yet. So yeah, very cool. Red Sun. I great. I fucking love Red Sun. I've got the hardback edition of that. Yeah. I th- I got, so I had to buy it when Miller was going to be at Wizard World one year so I could get it signed. I've got the paperback of Red Sun, but um, I uh, I can't wait for this. I can't no, it's great. Yeah. I, I love it when they do. Um, Superman's never been one of my favorite characters, but for some reason, anytime they do any kind of like Elseworlds twist on the character, I'm fascinated by it. I mean, I love Bizarro even for the same reasons. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really interesting. I like it when they make Superman an avatar of evil. That is all I got this week. That's it. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Star Wars news is... uh, Hold on. Here we go. What do I got for Star Wars news? Star Wars news. Do you want to know what a dirty Chewbacca is? Yes. Are you ready for this, Melissa? This is getting really pervy here. Wait, I think I know what this is. Oh. Well, just tell us and I'll let you know if I was spoiled previously. <laughs> All right. A dirty Chewbacca is when a girl is deep throating you. You pinch her nipples oh. right as you come. <laughs> her scream. I don't know. I don't understand. Oh, I'm not I'm done yet. Jesus fucking Christ, people. Do you want to know what a dirty Chewbacca is or do you not? <laughs> Sorry, I thought that was all. No, I'm not. Th- I will let you know. Uh, when a girl is deep throating you, you pinch her nipples right as you come. Her scream paired with the warm liquid and dick in her throat will produce a sound similar to Chewbacca's growl. <laughs> and that is a no, dirty right, there's Chewbacca. The Chewbacca reference. That's it's a long way to go for a Chewbacca growl. I'm letting you know. I'm just letting you know. You wanted to know what a dirty Chewbacca is. There it is. Boom. <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. Where'd you find out that info? Is that is that long running? I, I, I just a uh, what was it? It was a, it's just on Urban Dictionary. Oh, nice. I don't know how I figured it out. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> like, how do you stumble across that? I don't know. I have no. Well. I don't Who know. Coined this term? I have. I don't. I, They're like I, figured out this trick. I have no idea. Somebody, I'm, gonna, like, I'm gonna Google it and listen to one. I bet oh, it, dear God! I bet it was that fucking Steve, <laughs> that Steve Terror guy. It sounds like something he'd say, right? Our iTunes reviewer, the fucking, the helium fucking Justin Bieber Wu Tang Clan mix guy. This sounds like something he'd write, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. 
<laughs> Sounds like he's the originator <laughs> for the dirty Chewbacca. That fucking guy. Don't quit your day. Don't quit your day job, buddy. Whatever you do, don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh man. No, no pod bean this week. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Gotta listen to that girl orgasm every fucking week. Thank God. She gets a fucking break, man. She mm. probably could use it. She's probably worn out. Oh my what was it? Oh yeah, I was <laughs> I was uh Yaden Sturdivant. <laughs> he messaged me and he's like, I'm surprised for you know, during the Tupperwares for best female actor of the year, it wasn't the uh pod bean <laughs> orgasm girl or whatever. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's a good one. I saw another one we missed was not giving the uh, sail barge toy of the year. Oh yeah, the Star Wars fucking sail barge. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> that fucking thing 500 bucks for a fucking four foot sail barge the fuck are you people mm. doing do people have those yet Is yeah, that- I don't know it got funded it got funded so people are gonna get them you fucking wow. dork you fu- you fucking dork <laughs> if you're the fucking dork that fucking ordered a 500 dollar four foot Star Wars sail barge oh my god then subscribe to Pop Culture Leftovers Please don't. I don't. I don't. I'd seriously. Any guy that fucking gets a fucking four foot long sail barge. I don't want that fucking guy listening to our show. No. Uh. Uh-uh. You ever you ever had a dirty sail barge? What's that? Was that? Is that a? I, just, I don't know. <laughs> like what? What's what? Yeah. Like a dirty Chewbacca. <laughs> it's like that, but worse. Oh man. I don't know. Hey, Melissa, thank you for joining us on this episode. I'm, I apologize. It was terrible. <laughs> I do not think it was terrible. And thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Good. Yeah, you did a great job. You're just like, you're like fucking Batman over there with your preparation. It's <laughs> yeah, better than Ben Affleck, too. Oh, God. Anything's, hey, anything's better than Ben Affleck. The only yeah. Not pre- quite Clooney level, but getting there. Low bar to cross. Only thing I'm that. I'm glad I did it. Only preparation that he has is preparation H for his hemorrhoids. Oh, (laughs) I knew I was that was. Can I cross that off my little bingo checklist for this episode? Hemorrhoid joke. There we go. Yeah, you did it, Brian. I figured out. I bingo. Bonus point for a super sweet Batman burn. All right. Yeah, when you call this the worst episode ever, I got—I almost have all four corners. I'm just one bingo away here. Oh man. Anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, so check out Melissa's podcast, Wild Pretty Things. You can check it out. I've actually—you know what—I've put your podcast link in our show notes. Well, thank you so much. That's awesome. Yeah. So check it out, people. Subscribe, listen, and uh, yeah. Again, Melissa, thank you so much. And what is it? episode 268 next week? Well, we'll be reviewing Glass and some other shit, right? Yeah, that'll be fun. I can't wait to see Glass. I, I hope the critics are wrong, but ouch. We'll see. I don't know. I hear the movies. It's crazy because, like, reviews are all over the place. I hear some people are like, ah, the movie's all right, and then the ending's just garbage. So we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. I read one thing that I know is going to bother me, if true, that they refer to some limited edition comic book like it's something that you should have known about your entire life. Mm. So they're just like basically like adding the uh, what was it? The gold dice from Star Wars. 
Yeah, I heard they kind of create their own comic book terminology as if it's set in stone and we've always accepted it to be that way. And it comes off a little bit pretentious in that way to comic book fans that want to enjoy this movie. Weird. All right. So, yeah, we will see you next week with uh, our glass review. And uh, just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening. We will see you next week. See ya. Later, y'all. Seal it up. Bye. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover, counterculture, pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are originally good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers, pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.